нашого народу і нашої держави. І я як президент, і як верховний головнокомандувач хочу подякувати кожного з вас. Я захоплююсь тим, що ви боретеся за свою батьківщину. Your fight is our fight. Ваша боротьба це наша боротьба. 2017 will be the year of offense. Рік 2017 рік буде ріком нападу. All of us will go back to Washington and we will push the case against Russia. Ми всі повернемося до Вашингтону і ми будемо відстоювати санкції проти Росії. Enough of a Russian aggression. It is time for them to pay a heavier price. Our fight is not with the Russian people, but with Putin. Our promise to you is to take your calls to Washington. Inform the American people of your bravery. Проінформуємо український народ про вашу відважність. І покажемо про докази проти Путіна усьому світу. Я вірю в те, що ви виграєте, переможете. Я переконаний в тому, що ви переможете. І ми вам допоможемо всіма можливими засобами. And we have succeeded not because of equipment, but because of your courage. Ви успішні не через обладнання, але через вашу відважність. He will succeed in other countries. Welcome to the Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Thursday, March 3rd, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. Very important show today. A very, very important article that went out yesterday that it just, in my opinion, as I said on, on social media, the most important topic to understand or the most important article to read to understand what's going on in Ukraine. And there's plenty of other people talking about this, but as always, as you know, in my opinion, and hopefully yours, Whitney Webb is outstanding in her ability to to link these things together and to make connections in places that other people wouldn't draw the connection. It's just outstanding. So today we're going to go through that topic We're going to actually review the article and and jump around and make points about different things that t- and kind of piece this together. I mean, not that you need that necessarily because your article does an outstanding job, but for those that watch this show and have already heard other things that I've made and discussions that we've had, I'm going to wrap all this together for you so you can see where this really ties together and show the the timeline from things that Whitney Webb talked about with me on the, the election special 2020 that I'm going to recommend for you that you watch. It's, it's incredible to see how this has been laid out for a long time. Not, and I'm not even talking about what's happening in Ukraine, Russia, but I'm talking about just people like Whitney Webb laying out what is 
literally playing out live right now. It's incredible. Now, I, we, I've been kind of toying with this idea about the new Syria, and, and it turns out, as Whitney shared with us in, in our interview uh, or in the article in our discussions, that this has already been floated from different articles from five years ago that, look, they're building a white supremacist army right now, and they're going to use it again. And here we are. And it's just incredible that this stuff can be written, openly discussed pr- pr- in prominent places, and yet still it just doesn't make it through. Or you could argue that it does make it through. They just don't show you that when they show you the majority that the mainstream always projects, which is really what I want everyone to recognize always, whether it's COVID or anything else, you are the majority. And I think that's what they're so terrified about right now. That's what this huge push that was clearly rushed forward is about. They're kind of losing all this right now. I mean, the push to make it about the white supremacist domestic threat while simultaneously building that threat and then simultaneously defending them against another threat is a little clumsy. <laughs> and that's what we're going to point out as well is to show how this is being expedited very quickly because of a lot of other things that are happening. And I think part of that, as I think we can all feel right now, is this whole mission accomplished moment, which we'll touch on in the end about COVID-19. This is George Bush all over again. Mission accomplished. We did it, didn't we? <laughs> it's like, well, I mean, it, it, not even people on their side of this feel like there's any resolution right now. And I think the 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 meme I'll show you just really ties it together. You're just sweeping COVID under the war rug. And, and this is where we are. None, neither one are going away, right? So we're going to go through this whole topic today. We're going to read the article, talk about the again, the Azov Battalion and how that's really more the military of Ukraine, not the specific name, but what that's become since 2015. And it's just completely immersed in the police and the interior of the ministry. It's it's very clearly all the way across. And then talk about how that is being built and how that has been built by the CIA, verifiably so, even written by foreign affairs and different mainstream outlets up until it got like, just like covid Right before this all started, oh, we didn't, we stopped talking about it. But during 2014, 15, 16, it was a big discussion that we were really open about. And then we just stopped talking about it, which was the CIA has been and is still building an insurgency in Ukraine. Now you can look at those as different conversations and say, no, they're doing that for freedom. They're over here building freedom fighters to fight against the Russian threat we know is coming. Certainly possible. Or if you're a grown up, you can ask, stand back and say, well, maybe. It's also possible, as we know, Russia can lie because they're government and they've lied about things in the past. Maybe it's also possible that the U.S. government is lying, like they also have a lot over the years, constantly, forever, nonstop about everything they're talking about, about foreign policy. And maybe they're making this up to create the insurgency that they want and have said they've wanted and and have agendas tied to. And you see where this goes. Regime change 2.0, and then also talking about how that ties back to the domestic terrorism threat in your country, or specifically the United States. If you're, I'm, I, I, as you guys know, I'm generally usually directing this at the a, a U.S. audience, but I do know we have a broad international audience, and I, I greatly appreciate that. But what's interesting though is that this is always this crossover has been very clearly building, and we've been talking about this. That's why I point back to the election special. That's what this was all about. The 9-11 threat building, and we don't know how to stop it. We've been talking about this for a long time. And we keep telling you, these are going to cross over. They're going to connect. And here we are. There's been a lot of other points with COVID as well, though. The vaccine part, that the anti-vaxxer, the right-leaning Nazi anti-vaxxer, right? There's a reason those things were pushed together. So what we're going to do here today, more than we have before, especially with her article, is paint this picture for how this has been built to create the new Syria. 
the new, what not necessarily doesn't have to be what you picture Syria as, but just the new concept, the new idea, the new insurgency, the new proxy war, the new war on terror threat they can point at and then use to come after you. Just like with the war on terror with ISIS, as we keep showing you. And whether or not you feel that that happened, verifiably so, historically, looking, look, looking back at it, all of the stuff they used was aimed at you. Your freedom, you, you are less free than you were before. There's more of them out there than there were before. It all was aimed at you, and so is today. So let's go into this and go through it in depth. And we're also going to finish with COVID-19 today, which I really hope you'll stay tuned for. It's going to be a long one. Because there's some important stuff on COVID that we're going to go through in the end. It's just, it's incredible to watch this thing just dissolve in front of us. And it's not stopping. Uh, Negative vaccine efficacy right now for five to 11 year olds. And they're still pushing the shot anyway. I mean, on and on and on. It's, I, this is, it's almost hard for me to balance all this stuff in my mind right now. And I think that's what they want to happen. So talking about a couple things before we get started, I thought it was really interesting just to point this out. First of all, when you see this, right, you know, this is taken as partisan, even though it's not, <laughs> I mean, even though it, at its core, it's really not. But this was directed at the Democrats by the Republicans, whereas where it really came from in the beginning. And that's the that NPC meme, which, by the way, which is actually funny. I didn't even think about this until now. They've also labeled as somehow white supremacist. I mean, anything by the, even used by the right becomes white supremacist. It's ridiculous, even though there's nothing even remotely tied to this other than the fact that they use it. Right. And they then they claim because they use it, then they are. It's 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 a self-fulfilling prophecy. Actually, a a statement made in one of these articles we're going to get to. It's the self-looking ice cream cone. Right. That's exactly what this ultimately pans out to. The analogy I had in my mind before was sort of like the red hat. Right. It's self-fulfilling. Well, he's a Nazi because he's wearing that red hat. Well, is he a Nazi? If you ask him, he says no, but he's wearing the red hat. Well, did he know that when he put it on? Or do you decide the red hat makes him a Nazi and then therefore because he's wearing the red hat, he is one? So there's no facts or evidence at all in there. That's just your opinion being projected at people. And that's what the government's doing today. And we all know that. We all actually know that, which is incredible. We just pretend we don't see it for the football game of politics that we're involved in. But this, what you're staring at, the NPC meme. I support the current thing, it says. <laughs> that's exactly what we're all dealing with. And what's hilarious to me is that this is everybody in the paradigm, both sides, guys. That's the incredible part about it. And I know probably the Republicans didn't see that one coming because right now what's the problem is that the Republicans are supporting plenty of things within the paradigm, right? Like what's the meme we just discussed before? Whereas one's being thrown at China, the other's being thrown at Russia and they don't realize they're hypercritical of one and they ignore threats with the other or rather just pretend it's not as prominent. This is what the two-party paradigm produces, whatever they want you to be supporting. If Trump stands up and says something, suddenly, you know, whether whoever the new ideologue is. But obviously, we can see this largely in in regard to Ukraine. And that's why I think it's a part of overlapping partisanship here, because a lot of Republicans are suddenly just hooked into this whole narrative. Thinking all of a sudden this is all going to happen. I mean, and it's just frustrating that we went from just about to break through the veil to being jammed back in, which is, guess what? Exactly what we saw coming. Whether it was Ukraine or another QAnon or another Russiagate, it's just the same. And that's not to say that they're fake, guys. Never let a good crisis go to waste. And then, oh my gosh, look over there. Did you see that new footage from 9-11 that just popped up out of nowhere? Right. Because that wasn't just complete. I mean, really? We're going to just pretend? Yeah, it just kind of just popped up. Someone just found it. Really? Never before, never, never before seen footage of the thing that's completely manipulated. I mean, really? Of the same shot? 
Why is it? This is, this is exactly what I talk about in regard to what happened with Vegas. Every week after Vegas for a year, there was another clip of some new in thing, a new shot from a new angle of a new hallway video of someone getting shot. And it went, then it consumed the media, the independent media for a week. And all sorts of things happened underneath that. I mean, of course, I'm talking about the Vegas shooting. The point is that this is dripped out. There's a, this is really interesting to me that things like, oh, actually, funny enough, my comment is still right there. I said, God, are we really this gullible? <laughs> it's, anyway, that's what keeps happening, guys, is they're, there's a, they're dangling the new thing in front of you. And you, Ukraine is clearly a real story. There's real people and real things happening, real invasions, real bombings, real killings, right? The, all sides seem to be con- di- differing on the facts. We'll get into that, but it's happening. But that doesn't mean that what you understand about it is accurate that you haven't been aggressively manipulated and that this entire situation hasn't been cultivated, built and grown by other, by maybe all sides, but I'm going to prove to you today by the CIA. And that should factor into how you perceive all of this. And this should apply to every side in this, in this discussion. Russia's government is just as likely to lie about what's happening as the U S government or anybody else involved. Now I highly recommend that you watch this entirely. There's a whole bunch. Whitney and I went through this. Uh, let's see. I think there was five of them. There, there was specifically three, I believe, that were a, specifically part of the election special 2020 that Whitney and I did. Two three-hour videos, three parts of it, where we just went through all sorts of stuff. And everything is just, I mean, and I really take time to watch this. And please reach out to me. Give me your comments. Because it's incredible, I think, how this is untapped. And it's just, it's exactly what we're talking about. Pre-planned 2020 election chaos and the new 9-11. Right. I mean, guys, this was written in October 20 or on October 28th, 2020 went live. January 6th was after that. Right. I mean, this is hard not to see how obvious this is exactly what ultimately happened. And as I, she hates to take credit for it. But as I always point out, days after we did these videos, people were going, you were wrong. It didn't happen because they think, you know, we're on a, a TikTok time frame here. We're 30 seconds later. We think everything's supposed to be in front of us. Part two, how a cyber 9-11 will usher in an AI internet security state. Guys, that's where we're going. Finally, it was election special three, how the bipartisan swamp is engineering election chaos in Philadelphia. Now, all of this, this was just the headline. There's plenty more going on about how this is going to be manipulated. Newman, the whole discussion. Please watch all of these because of how important they are. But let's get into the main part about Ukraine and the new Al-Qaeda. For those that have been watching this show in general consistently, you already are well aware where I'm going with this. And in fact, how important I think this is. Now, given that the CIA-driven effort to build an insurgency in Ukraine began as far back as 2015, which we'll go through all of this, there's links and sources for everything in this, as always, and that the group it has trained and continues to train includes those with overt, on-the-surface, neo-Nazi connections. Now, and by the way, to be clear... There is a very different, big difference between Nazi, neo-Nazi, and then even just white supremacist, ultra-nationalist, always different phrases and terms. And even then, half the time, the terms we throw at them aren't even what they think they are. So it's just all nonsense. The point is, these people are people that are have an inherent belief in their supremacy because of their racial birth, because of their racial makeup. And there's a lot of that around, right? I mean, like this, this, this is a real thing in the world. It does not mean it's what they keep trying to frame it as. It doesn't mean that it's an overwhelming problem in the United States. It certainly could be. 
But what's interesting is that they'll happily point at something that we can't really define or prove while completely ignoring the obvious Jewish supremacy that takes place in Israel that's being led by the Zionist government. And no, that's not a knock on all Jewish people. Or even in general, we're talking about the Zionist manipulation of that government, which, as I always point out, plenty of Orthodox Jews in Israel aggressively speak out about how Zionism has hijacked Judaism. It's not my opinion. That's what they're stating. And they're Orthodox Jews. The point being, a real uh, the, the idea of some kind of supremacy, racially wise or otherwise, is very is very obviously being used today in a lot of different ways and ignored in other places. So coming back to the neo-Nazi term, I think the word Nazi is being used because of its historical connotations, and we should just throw it out, not not ignore it or get rid of it, but just in the context here. It's just about making sure we recognize in this case that this is a government-driven agenda to grow. What, what we know is a real thing. People have beliefs like this. Doesn't mean that it, be, it is the international, grasping, sprawling thing they want it to be until they made it that. But it simply means that it was present and then they cultivated it. And now we do have a grouping of people that are completely hyped up on their belief of their own superiority and willing to go so far as to hurt people to spread that. And that has been driven and cultivated and grown by your government. That's a fact. Now, what the craziest part about this is, is that they're simultaneously pretending to fight that in this country, even though, as we'll prove yet again, that the very group that they're arming and funding right this moment is, in fact, directly tied with what they're claiming is the most prominent group that they're pretending to fight in this country. And that is already the beginnings of what they're claiming are the domestic terrorism problem in this country that they have created. Or I'll even give you this objective point. Maybe they lost control of, and that's what's happening today. I don't believe that. The only reason that's even a valid point in my mind is because, at very least, that's what Saudi Arabia seems to argue happened, at least in what they could be lying to, in regard to Syria to some degree. Like, quite, I guess, not openly arguing, but it, there's discussions where they were arguing, admitting, essentially, that they did fund and arm and create these groups and, to a degree, lost control of them. Right. So that's why you see these. That's why you end up with the CIA and the Department of Defense or Department of uh, Homeland or Department of Defense having groups fighting each other in Syria. Like they're each backing moderate rebels, you know, they're actually terrorists and they're fighting each other on the ground in Syria. And they're both from backed by the United States. It's ridiculous. The point being here to continue, I keep getting lost in this point. There's so much to go into here. That the idea is not to get reflexively dismissive about any concept like this. Because trust me, I know, sort of like, here's a good example. The idea of like sustainability. Sustainability is a good thing. The word is a good thing. And it's something we should all try to understand and, and create. But they have taken that word and used it in a very dangerous way. And they don't actually mean sustainability. They mean top-down control by pretending that. But my point is that we have gotten to a point, Derek writes about this, where we're, people are, they see the word sustainability and they're immediately suspicious, which is good, but you shouldn't dismiss the concept when other people like us are talking about how we should be finding ways to do that personally. That ends up being some kind of suspicious thing too, and it shouldn't be. So in this case, when we're talking about the real thing that's happening in Ukraine, the very real white supremacy problem that they have grown, and that's why they did it, because they're creating that illusion of a threat here or maybe that has driven over into here, but is not actually indicative of a U.S. Republican problem, we need to realize that's real, or it could be. And that is no way the same thing as what Biden is claiming is a problem in this country. Like, huge difference there. A big, important nuance there. Anyway, let's go forward. It seems that this is coming 
that this coming Ukrainian insurgency that the CIA has been building, as it has been recently called, is already here. In that context, we are left with the unnerving possibility that this latest escalation of the Ukraine-Russia conflict has merely served as the opening act for the newest iteration of the seemingly endless war on terror. And that's also crossing over with the war in that, you know, your body being the new battlefield in regard to the biosecurity state, right? These things are blending together. I think this is a last desperate push to a large degree, possibly including Russia. I know that's an unpopular opinion, but to a large degree, I think that there's a lot of examples of why it seems that Russia's clearly invested with the direction of the technocracy Great Reset. So I'm trying to factor these things all into my mind right now. Maybe they really are just kind of fighting within the agreement. And you know what I mean? Like I, I could see that they're all generally in line with the same plan, but yet in, in regard to Ukraine, maybe they just genuinely don't are on the, are on the same page, but we should, we should be okay or willing to ask whether or not something like this is more coordinated. You're not allowed to say that today. I know because that's only conspiracy theorists ask those kind of reality-based logical questions, but going forward, insurgency rising. Soon after Russia began military operations in Ukraine, Foreign Affairs, the media arm of the Council on Foreign Relations, very important to understand, published an article entitled The Coming Ukrainian Insurgency. The timing in this is very important because you're going to see a lot of things that happened in here before Russia did anything, which is really suspicious. And you're also going to find things that were triggered after the moment that the action was taken, which suggest a lot. So they're publishing an article right after this all really officially kicked off when the Russia began the military operations, like the actual invasion. The coming Ukrainian insurgency. Now, what that means, insurgency would imply that Russia is in control of Ukraine and that it, within Ukraine, you have natural native Ukrainians that are fighting back to push out the occupier, right? The point being is foreign, policy, foreign affairs is writing about how they are getting ready for that exact thing. And are involved with it. So the reason this is important is because this is the very group we're talking about that are 100% openly white supremacist. And we're just casually talking about how we're going to work with them within this to fight back against Russia, which is not a secret for those who watch this show. You all know this. Now, the person who wrote this article, his name was, uh, where was it? Just, uh, oh, right there. That's why I love Douglas Landon, London. Self-described retired Russian-speaking CIA operations officer, who, by the way, managed agency counter counterinsurgency operations, right? So a guy who knows very well how this goes. So when he speaks about this and is very honest about it, or open, I should say, you always question whether he's lying to you, you should realize that he has the weight to his words. He asserted in the article that Putin will face a long, bloody insurgency. Interesting to hear, to think about Putin's argument about a long, bloody, a bloody and destructive war. Interesting crossover. That will spread across multiple borders with the potential to create widening unrest that could destabilize other countries in Russia's orbit. Now, that is an insurgency action take. This is, this is Syria, right? This is, except the reverse. It's almost, they're kind of creating a reverse Syria here, right? Where we know that U.S. invaded to, I mean, yes, I mean, that's absolutely accurate. Invaded Syria, but also create, you know, uh, mercenaries and contractors and, and proxy wars and, and created the war in Syria based on a complete fabrication. Then Russia, invited by Assad, Syria's government, came in. 
and has been fighting a proxy war against the United States this entire time. Now, in reverse, it seems like they're, they drew Russia into this, which is very clear to me based on all the evidence we have. And now they're going to arguably be there to get rid of the white supremacist Ukrainian threat that they believe is there. And now U.S. is going to arc claimingly here, we're going to paint, create an insurgency to endlessly keep them tied up in this war. That seems to be the point. And from that, blame Russia for the growing white supremacy problem that pops out of the war they created. Interesting, isn't it? Now, his, oh, then it says, uh, right, okay, and then he says, his assertions that the United States will invariably be a major and essential source of backing for a Ukrainian insurgency. So he's openly saying, well, the U.S. government is going to be supporting that. Now, that's not a big hard, hard thing to wrap your mind around because they're claiming they're going to do it for freedom, as always, right? We're, we're siding with the freedom fighters. So people that buy that narrative, despite what they actually are verifiably are, is even their, this government has pointed out moments ago, it's okay because it's for freedom. We're, we're backing them and we're spending your money to fight bad guy Russia. It says, quote, as the United States learned in Vietnam and Afghanistan, an insurgency, this is still him speaking, an insurgency that has reliable supply lines, ample reserves of fighters, and sanctuary over the border can sustain itself indefinitely. You know what he's speaking about? Not just Afghanistan and Vietnam. He's talking about Syria. He's talking about the things they already know because that's what they're doing. An endless, you, you are intentionally trying to exhaust their resources. Keep them tied up in an endless proxy war where you're not using your resources, really. You're throwing Ukraine at them, right? You're, it's just like the Kurds. You're using them, you're, you're, you're taking advantage of them, and you're just throwing them as a tool against them. And the moment that it's not advantageous for you, you drop them. Then maybe pick them back up again a year later. He's telling them right there exactly what we're talking about. Reliable supply lines. That's why they need Afghanistan. That's why they need Iraq in regard to specifically the Middle East, what I'm talking about, in regard to Syria, right? That's the reliable supply lines. In order to have cross-border support, right? Israel, right? That's everything we're talking about. Landon, London, I think, London, explicitly refers to models for this apparently eminent Ukrainian insurgency as the CIA-backed insurgencies in Afghanistan in the 1980s and the moderate rebels in Syria. This guy is literally pointing to two of the most catastrophic wars in history. In, in, in American history and claiming those are models for how this should go. Can you even wrap your mind around that? We, we were 20 plus years of destruction, of, of killing, of nothing changing because the Taliban is still present. And we're claiming that's a, that's a model. You know why that's a model? You, this is an important point not to miss because that was the plan. Now, I'm not talking about not removing people or leaving Afghanistan, at, not with accomplishing goals, but the point of when it first started in the 1980s, in regard to moderate rebels in Syria, because they never planned. I mean, look, if they removed Assad, that's the end goal. But the point, if that in, in, in the process, it's just to destabilize, destroy, and cause problems. Right now, that's what they're resigned to do. They've resigned to simply just never let Syria rebuild and just stay present, but keep them in problems. So you can always point to and say, see, that's what they get if they don't let us do what we want and blame it on Assad. This guy is saying, that's what we want in Ukraine. That's a model for where we should go. Think about how crazy that is. This guy's a former insurgency guy. He knows what he's talking about, and he knows what they're actually trying to do. Former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, of course, 
whose State Department helped to create the, quote, moderate rebel insurgency in Syria. But guys, this is exactly the same thing, funding the terrorists and using them. And her State Department also oversaw the U.S. and NATO-backed destruction of Libya, right? Where they claimed they were freeing people and they turned into open slaves and absolute destruction and still have never recovered. Liberation, that's what U.S. liberation looks like. In every place, anywhere you point to that they tried or, quote, unquote, tried. She appeared, Hillary Clinton, on MSNBC on February 28th, days ago, to say essentially the exact same thing that he just said, that these are what we should model. In her interview, Clinton cited the CIA-backed insurgency in Afghanistan as, quote, the model that people in the U.S. government are now looking toward. She basically admitted to you that they're right now looking to model Ukraine right now after Afghanistan or Syria. How does this not tell you everything you need to know? I mean, we know what happened there. Do they not understand what the word model means? They are literally trying to create a situation that devolves into endless war, proxy war. That is the future of war, if we're ever going to see it. And I only say it like that because I don't think, I think the idea of war has become quite archaic in their minds of how they work. Like, think about the idea of how, how archaic actual boots on the ground in, in bat, when, when you have the capability to launch missiles from a, a carrier hundreds of miles away and absolutely destroy carpet bomb an area, why does even, why is it even, why does the idea of troops on the ground even make sense? You just think about that for, for lesser capable countries, maybe. My point is the groups like Russia, China, the United States, it doesn't seem to make sense especially because of the point they made the other day. You know, the one thing that makes the most sense to me, seeing as how all of them are on board with the Great Reset, that nuclear war is bad for the Great Reset. That's the last thing that they want. Now, I, I wouldn't say that in regard to how it would destroy for them to rebuild. My point is that if they were to create nuclear war, it would derail, in my opinion, and that's my opinion, I could be wrong, the direction they've created for the Great Reset. Just my thoughts are now looking toward creating those models. With respect to the situation in Ukraine, she also references the insurgency in Syria in the same fashion in the same interview. It's worth noting, as Whitney points out, that Clinton's former deputy chief of staff, when she was secretary of state, Jake Sullivan, is right now Biden's national security advisor. Round and round we go. The Afghanistan insurgency, initially backed by the U.S. and the CIA, beginning in the late 1970s, under the name Operation Cyclone, subsequently spawned the U.S.'s empire, the U.S. empire's supposedly moral, mortal enemies, the Taliban and Al-Qaeda. Oh, what happened to them again? Oh, they're still here, stronger than ever. Taliban, they just made deals with, right? Totally worked out. Or maybe it actually did work out, exactly. The bottom line is 1970s is a perfect example before the internet, right, where they knowingly did this. They happily, openly funded terrorists. Or at least what they claimed were terrorists, right? That was the whole point. And we still, the very very group that they funded became, that's what her point is. They grew this threat to throw against the Soviet Union. Then when they accomplished what they wanted to a degree, they just left and took off. What happened to Afghanistan? Well, that thing they created became a big problem for them. That's what we should understand about how they work and how they think about this. Do they care about the people in Afghanistan? Obviously not. Then use the very thing they created to later go back in and take control again when they wanted to. Lessons we need to learn here, guys. They took action that created the threat that they then used. The self-licking ice cream cone. Those very people would go on to fuel the post-9-11, quote, war on terror. 
the narrative anyways, the U.S.'s campaign against the descendants of the insurgency that it had once backed resulted in horrific destruction in Afghanistan and a litany of dead and war crimes, as well as the longest and thus most expensive war and occupation in American military history. Fund the insurgents to throw against them, left, let it grow, used them later on. The point is, as she points out, the descendants of those people are what they're still pointing to today. Get ready for another 30 years of white supremacy, Al-Qaeda-style battle. That's, let me know, if this is in any indication of where it's going. Now, it says, along with the whittling down of civil liberties domestically, which was which what followed of what they created in Syria, the U.S. and CIA's backing of moderate rebels was and remains incredibly destructive to the country. It supposedly wanted to merely liberate from the rule of Assad. And, and just like, and this is the craziest part to me. I don't care what they say they're doing. Just take a quick look through history. Even when they try to aggressively yell at you what they want you to look at it as. What has happened to every country they claim to liberate? It destroys them. Nobody can argue otherwise. These places have been destroyed. This, oh, maybe besides people that are maniacal as Bolton, who stands by the fact that he thinks Iraq was a success. How gross is that? Half a million children that they claim were worth it, right? They, were, they, they destroyed this country. Libya destroyed, Afghanistan, Iraq, and they go in there to do so, and they leave it in destruction, and it never recovers. Syria, I mean, look at whatever they wanted to claim was happening under Assad, let's say. And by the way, it's been verifiably shown that, I mean, almost everything they say about that was completely manufactured, not to suggest in the same discussion, same like we're doing it today in Russia, to say that he's a good person. I don't know him personally. I argue every government is very dangerous. But as I always point out, a lot of you, everything they're trying to argue about him, you can show there's plenty of evidence to, de- to disprove what they're saying. Not in the fact check, debunk, nonsensical way, but that you can very clearly prove things like, you know, the Ukraine maiden shooting, same thing happened in Syria. You can prove it. There's documents, there's people on the record. In reverse, you don't have that. They love to say they do. People love to take their word for it, but they're lying. With these openly touted as mo- uh, models, these destructive models for the coming Ukraine insurgency. What is to become of Ukraine? The same thing, I argue. If the history of CIA-backed insurgencies are any indication, it's going to be destroyed. More suffering for the people on the ground. Which, by the way, we'll get into more in a couple of points as we go forward, is what everything they're doing is going to lead to. You know, their isolation, the attacks, the, the, I mean, every one of their actions will point to when we get to it are hurting the people. Shutting down businesses around the world, which hurt, or in, specifically in Russia, from, other, from international businesses. That hurts the employees of those businesses. It hurt Russia. They know that, though. This is punitive. They're trying to hurt and attack. They want the people of Russia to be, just like with Iran, just like with Yemen, they want to hurt, starve, and depress them to where they lash out against their government because they just want it to go away. doesn't matter, if, even if they know the U.S. is doing it, because they do. If the history, uh, it says it will only lead to the escalation of yet another deadly proxy war, which is what I believe is truly the, the future of war, if at all, in the context of kinetic war. Consider <clears throat> the very unsettling reality that this Ukrainian insurgency began to be formed by the CIA at least several months, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> if not several years prior to Russia's currently ongoing military campaign in Ukraine. Yahoo News, of all places, reported in January 
that the CIA has been overseeing a covert training program for Ukrainian intelligence operatives and special ops forces since 2015. You didn't know that. You shouldn't be shocked by it. You see, this wouldn't be reported today. They wouldn't state this today, right? Because they don't want you to know it today. CIA-trained Ukrainian paramilitary tra- tra- uh, may take central role if you if Russia invades. Now, the point is that they're denying this. They said they basically claimed this was just on the like advisors for what did he say right here for intelligence officials? But this is very clearly as five different inf- officials on the ground or, or, or CIA and former CIA have claimed is literally happening and has been since 2015. Here's what it says. The CIA is overseeing a secret intensive training program in the United States for elite Ukrainian special operations forces. So not, not only have we proven to you that the U.S. is currently inside of Ukraine training people. And that's very obvious to see. They're training Ukrainian people inside of the United States. You know why you probably already know that? Because we already talked about this from 2017. California National Guard and the Ukrainian forces maintain partnership program. Now, if you haven't seen this yet, you haven't watched the shows before, just wait till we get into proving to you that these are very, very undeniably clearly, undeniably clear white supremacist, ultra-nationalist forces that are openly what they claim is happening in the United States that they have funded and built. And yet here they are working alongside the National Guard of California, working right in line with, you know, people like Lloyd Austin will come out and say, we have shared values and we support them. It's alarming. And this is according to five former intelligence and national security officials familiar with the NARA initiative. Now, as always, just like any other time we point it in reverse, just because it goes, just because it supports what I'm saying doesn't mean you should look at it differently. I can't stand how mainstream media simply cites. I mean, in this case, you have five unnamed anonymous people. <laughs> it doesn't make it any better. But almost always these days, you get one unnamed source. That's it. These people don't care about journalism anymore. They care about being stenographers for the state. But in any case, this is verifiable in a thousand different ways, which we'll get into, but just making that point clear. Now, it says that the, the program was started in 2015, which was one year after the regime change in Ukraine, is based on an undisclosed facility at an undisclosed facility in southern U.S., according to some of those officials. That's incredible to me. The CIA trained forces could soon play a critical role in Ukraine's eastern border. So they're openly reporting that they have trained people that they've been building to create an insurgency inside the area. And before this, we're talking about uh, the foreign policy discussion. Where did, how did I just misplace that article? Oh, was Oh, hold on. Oh, that's right. I forgot. I forgot I was going to look at that article. In any case, I'll go back to it. I'm losing my place now. That these people are, they, they were claiming they're building this, right? We're discussing this where he's telling you we're building an insurgency. That's the plan. How did I get so con- turned around there? Anyway, I'll just keep going. <clears throat> now, it says... Apologies. Just making sure I'm not missing something. This is important stuff. Right. That's that's crazy. Now, it says, with these openly touted as moderates, considering the very unsettling reality, the Ukrainian insurgency began to be formed. Yeah, we're right here. Apologies, guys. 
Okay. Now it says, given that the CIA at the time and prior to this year, that's what I did. I had it right here. Anyway, has been warning of an imminent Russian invasion of Ukraine up until the current escalation of hostilities took place. It is worth asking if the U.S. government and the CIA helped pull the trigger by intentionally crossing Russia's red lines. Now, this is a very valid question to ask. Even if you think Russia bad guy, even if you think, which by the way, again, in case you're new to the show, both governments bad guy. <laughs> That's the reality. Government bad guy is what we should be thinking. I don't trust either side of this. But if you're sold on the idea that just Russia bad guy, therefore anything they say is true and anything Russia says is false, recognize that there's an obvious action that was taken and actions that have been taken, planning that's been taken to drive Russia to take the action they did. Specifically with respect to NATO's encroachment in Ukraine and the post-2014 Ukraine's acquisition of nuclear weapons, when it became clear that the CIA's repeated predictions about the imminent invasion failed to materialize. Because don't forget, they've been saying this was going to happen for years. Notably, the U.S.'s efforts to provide lethal aid to Ukraine have coincided with the winding down of the lethal support to Syrian rebels. Suggesting the U.S.'s war and intelligence apparatus has long seen Ukraine as the next on its list of proxy wars. That's very important to understand. Now, I want to point, I want to come back to this really quickly. This was the one she pointed at in the beginning of the article here. I just, I, I forgot that I, I have this habit of going down. I want to jump, I want to jump back and forth here if we can, because it's important to dive into these. The coming Ukrainian insurgency. Now, this was posted on February 25th, 2022. Putin will face a long, bloody insurgency that could cross multiple borders, as we read before. Russia can likely seize as much of Ukraine's territory as it chooses, it says. But plans to pacify Ukraine will require far more than reserve forces Putin has suggested might occupy the territory as peacekeepers after initial combat objectives are met. It's just funny how quickly they dismiss the idea of peacekeepers. Well, that's exactly what the U.S. claims is doing in Syria, despite that so obviously not being the case. These long borders offer, I don't think either of them are, are actually doing that. These long borders offer the United States and NATO an enduring way to support Ukrainian resistance and a long-term insurgency and to stoke unrest in a Belarus should the United States and its allies choose to covertly aid opposition to Lukashenko's regime. I mean, this is crazy to me that what here's, don't forget, this is February 25th, right? The timing of this is really interesting to me. So when this actually, so he's essentially pointing to a insurgency and specifically pointing at manipulating the, the, he's literally stating right there, uh, right here, that if Ukrainian resistance in a long-term insurgency, which by the way, hasn't happened, as he's already suggesting that will, they know this stuff. He's suggesting stoking unrest in Belarus. Why is that an acceptable thing to say? Do we not realize how on the face, how on the nose that is? That, that's saying the quiet part out loud. They're saying we are going to manipulate that country in order to drive Russia into action. Why don't we recognize that's what's happening now? Is it okay to stoke unrest in Belarus? Don't those people have rights? What about them? Aren't you supporting the people of these countries? Clearly not. You're using them. This is should the United States and its allies choose to covertly aid opposition? I mean, this is, it's just crazy how obviously these people are manipulators. It says, if a viable independent Ukraine, this is important, remains standing, whether ruled from Kiev or the largest city in the western part of the country, or uh, the, the uh, how would you say that, Lviv, the United States and its NATO allies can openly 
aid in its defense with weapons, training, and cash. So again, people that are on their side of this narrative would be like, that's good because Russia took it and they wanted to fight back. You know, that's how they would see that, even though it's pretty ridiculous to not is to continue to ignore what these people actually are. It's reasonable, it says, to deduce that the CIA's legal charter to partner with foreign intelligence counterparts has allowed it to provide training and materials to its Ukrainian partners for years. There it is. So even though they dismiss it, even though when Yahoo News puts it to them, they go, no, fake news, not true. It's very clearly on the surface what's been happening. This is an internal guy who knows the inside. We have five people citing for, for Yahoo News, they're claiming, saying the same thing, which shouldn't even be a hard thing to wrap your mind around. They have been providing support and training to Ukraine for years. The people inside of it, just as U.S. military trainers have worked with and supplied with their Ukrainian counterparts. So if they're arming, training, and funding them, and they're an openly white supremacist entity, that's one thing that should be concerning they don't care about. But on top of that, why don't we ask whether, as Whitney's pointing out, this has been built, driving this? And then why wouldn't Russia have a concern about that? You're literally building an army right in front of me of the very people that are murdering uh, the the Russia the 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 Donbass people threatening openly. We'll get to that as well. Ethnic cleansing. And it says this aid will have to become covert if Russia seizes the government and fully occupies the country. So main, meaning they'll continue to go forward, manipulating and funding an insurgency, which is the plan. Military support for action against a sovereign country with which the United States is not at war has to be clandestine. Look at that. Yeah, you don't say. Meaning, illegal action, military support for action against a sovereign country, we'll just have to do it behind the scenes because we always do it. Isn't that crazy? Quiet part out loud, guys. Much like U.S. support for the Afghan Mujahideen against Soviet Union. Exactly. Exactly like that illegal action you took back then that drove everything into today. All the problems we point out were... Right, exactly. Or Iraq Kurds prior to 2003 invasion. Exactly. And less successfully, the rebels in Syria a decade ago. Yeah, those rebels that they lied about up until we caught them. Remember that? We aren't doing that. No fun. There's no so They lied about funding them. They love to just state exactly like this because this guy's an insider. Except when we state this, we're fake news. Isn't that funny? They are covertly manipulating damn near everything you can point to. Trying to drive countries, assassinate people, regime change, overthrowing governments across the board. How can we not remember what happened in South America and damn near everywhere else? This country is, um, it's a matter of policy, guys. All they do now is just yell freedom. And we're sort of think it's a different thing. The CIA's recent expertise in supporting and fighting insurgencies in Afghanistan, Iraq, and Syria prepares it well for opposing Russia's modern conventional forces. The United States can help Ukrainian insurgencies, insurgents in hitting targets with the greatest military value and psychological impact. Look at that. So not only are they yet again pointing to these catastrophic locations as what we should use to like their great experience in destroying Afghanistan, Iraq, and Syria will help us destroy Ukraine and Russia. That's what they're basically pointing at. Then pointing at the idea of saying, well, the U.S. will help them bomb and manipulate them. Psychological impact. That's what these people really are. Resistance movements can take years, not months, to mature and organize. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly the point. That's what they've been doing since 2014. Even as an American, I could have easily walked the streets or dined in the cafes of Cabal in 2002 and Baghdad in 2003 without a care in the world. But a year or two later, I had to wear body armor and be accompanied by a protective security detail that ferried me in and out in heavily armored vehicles, hoping to avoid ambushes and improv explosive devices. Does he really think that argument sells his 
side? You don't realize how clear that is? I don't care what you want to say about whoever was in control. It was different before, and the U.S. overthrew, quote, excuse me, liberated the country, and it never came back. On a dime, the easily walking the streets and dining in cafes, even as an American, completely turned into exactly what they claimed it was and claimed they were fighting. Isn't that funny? The very threat they claimed they were fighting is what they grew. We need to see that today. That's why, on a dime, the American can no longer be there. Right. The place they were overthrowing to stop the bad guys, Americans were safe. But when they overthrew the bad guy, then Americans were no longer safe. How does that make sense to anybody? But a year or two later, I read that. That got bad. The Russians will label the attacks of these operatives, you know, the insurgencies. He's clearly stating our manipulate their Again, I think, well, I'll just read the statement here. The Russians will label the attacks of these operatives, the ones they're going to be funding, the Ukrainian insurgents, as acts of terrorism, while people in the West will applaud them as the deeds of freedom fighters. Exactly. Which is exactly what happens every single time. This is, you shouldn't trust either side of this, guys. You should trust what you can prove or the evidence you can see and your own discernment. The Russian government will lie just as much as the U.S. government will lie. But as I've continued to point out, the evidence very clearly backs one side of this, not the Russian or U.S. side, but the argument we're making today about how this is being built. But Russia's military advantages over Ukrainian forces will diminish as the enemy it fights changes from an organized army to a decentralized and mobile resistance, which is designed to just end never endingly cause, you know, the U.S. basically learned that they, I would argue, they failed in Vietnam because of this tactic. And then they've utilized that going forward. Occupation forces will be subject to harassing attacks designed to both inflict casualties and undermine military discipline. An influence campaign replete with horrific images of carnage of both civilian Ukrainian and Russian military deaths. Think about what he's saying right there. Will aim to sow anti-war sentiment in Russia and counter Moscow's narrative that their forces are welcome and liberators by grateful locals. She is openly discussing exactly what we're talking about, hurting people, manipulating people. Even if we're talking about Russian soldiers, understand, this is after war. This is once they've, let's just say, let's just even say you agree they've aggressively taken it by force and they overthrew it. And now, which I, I, that is actually fair, but the point is justification wise would be different. But my point is that that's done now. What they're talking about is using the Ukraine people or whoever they're talking about, the Azov battalion, whoever else, to attack them within that, to hurt people, to attack military forces. That's no longer war, guys. That's terrorism. However you spin that. We'll aim to sow anti-war sentiment in Russian count. Now, here, here's a good counterbalance to that, right? The difference here, in my opinion, to take, let's to, to compare this to something like Palestine, right? Huge difference in this discussion. Because on one side of this, you have people that were occupied, that were clearly verifiably present, and they've tried to pretend they weren't. Palestine never existed. You can prove that this government was very clearly inserted by the United States. Despite what they try to scream, I mean, I've, I've, I just played the clip of her openly saying this, that they very clear, I'm blanking on her name all of a sudden, I, there's storm clouds gathering, which by the way, I'm really upset that I didn't, I just realized today or found out that he's still on Telegram and other places. Apparently I didn't know that. So I apologize. Make sure you seek out storm clouds gathering. He does amazing work. But then we, the, on the record, on recordings and everything else, they say, yes, we know that the people that shot those people in the Maiden Square, those were people on the on our side, basically. They know that. They lied about it. 
So the context, the contrast between this would be that this is a manipulated discussion. That it's a place that was put in for. In, you could argue that Russia, whoever else it would be, would be getting rid of the occupying force. That you have to consider that balance because that is true. Even if you see Russia also as an occupying force, it's different, isn't it? But of course, people would frame that as as bias coming from me. But you know. As much, as much as we do our best to be irritatingly objective, people that are stuck in the way they perceive things will always see it as bias. And, you know, hey, I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I am biased. I don't believe so. But it says Russia's military advantages over Ukraine will diminish. Uh, let's see. Yep, yeah, that was the last part. Okay. So going back to her article, as I just lost my place again. <laughs> Here we are. <clears throat> Goes on to say, Russia's red lines with Ukraine have been stated clearly. And this goes long before where we are today. And violated repeatedly by the United States. And that's verifiable. Right? It doesn't matter what you whether you think Russia's in the right or not. We're in a situation where Russia's in its own country. And it states that red lines would be this and this and this in Ukraine if the U.S. did this. And they have repeatedly broken those over and over and over. Like I said before, they were conducting drills with NATO allies in Ukraine in November, December 2021. How is that not a provocation? Which is, by the way, before all this started, even though they claimed that. So they sent F-16s to a base 200 miles off the coast of Russia, which is not a new thing to clarify. But it happened right before all this started. That All these things are more provo- provocative than Russia moving inside of its own country in response to what they're doing. The point is these are red lines to them. If the If Russia was, you know, Taking any such action, even anywhere near South America, they would be losing their minds about this. If they were conducting drills inside Venezuela, if they were building up troops and arming people and training people inside Venezuela, which, by the way, there's discussions of that, but you show me evidence. I do. I, I would believe completely that there's presence there. They're allies. They're allowed to be there. There's no illegality there, just like there's no illegality of the U.S. being in Ukraine. But you can understand how it is very clearly a red line for Russia. They stated it and they crossed it. So you can't pretend like it wasn't a provocation when they did it. Right. If you ignore all of that, you're just being childish. It's very clear from both sides. Now, it says, notably, the U.S.'s efforts to provide lethal aid to Ukraine have coincided with the winding down of its lethal support to Syrian rebels. Well, that's where we were. Okay. now it says Zelensky's claim at the Munich Security Conference, that his government would seek to make Ukraine a nuclear power in violation of the 1994 Budapest Memorandum is the important part of this. It's, I mean, do they not care about the, the memorandum? Obviously not, because they're going to allow it. It's only, nothing means anything unless it's something they care about. Right? I mean, Iran can't even speak the words, even though they're clearly not trying to do it, as we've repeatedly proven, as Robert has repeatedly proven, as the IAEA has repeatedly proven, but they just keep screaming about it. They're 30 seconds away for 30 years straight. Could be true. There's no evidence for it. Same thing here. Or in reverse, I mean, the idea is that he's openly saying we're going to become a nuclear power. We want to be, and that's not a problem. If Mexico stood up and said, we're going to start creating nuclear weapons, and and let's just say they're at odds, or let's just say Russia moved into Mexico and said they're going to do it, that's a problem, right? If the U.S. is in Ukraine and they discuss being a nuclear power, how is that not a problem for Russia? The only reason we pretend it doesn't matter is because bad guy Russia, so they don't get to care about things. That's childish. Zelensky and his Tommy Boy allies and, you know, all the Tommy Boy... uh, Dan Aykroyd types, and his supporters in Washington, D.C. and Langley, Virginia, would have known that such an extreme claim for Zelensky 
would elicit a response from Russia, Zelensky being the, the president of Ukraine. They knew this, guys. That's why they did it. Russian leadership has made, and, and she points out, just consider what any the consequences of any anybody standing up and discussing nuclear power on the world stage. Russian leadership has since made the case that they felt compelled to act militarily after Ukraine, which has been regularly attacking separatists along its borders. And yes, they've been fighting back and forth with embedded paramilitary units that have called for extermination, by the way, of ethnic Russians who live in those regions have announced plans to acquire nukes. That's alarming. And yes, that's a verifiable point. They have openly discussed this. And I, I believe, oh, you know what I did forget to do? I'm going to follow up with this again. There's so many points to this today, guys. So much had to be put off. There's a, I, I have verif- verifiable evidence of theirs. It's not hard to find. You just did it. They don't talk about it. Of the specifically the Azov regiment and the groups they work with openly stating what their plan is for the future, which is to spread certain racist concepts. Why is that not important? I mean, it's the same point we keep making. Now, these theoretical nuclear weapons would be, as Whitney points out, very importantly, NATO-controlled nukes on Russia's border. And we pretend that doesn't matter? This statement from Zelensky followed a U.S.-led airlift of weapons to Ukraine early last month. And that's not a provocative action? They justify that because Russia's provocative by doing nothing in their own country until this all started, right? That's where this is before that. They justified bringing weapons and sending this and new bills and everything because they think it's about to happen. You could claim it did happen, but then you have to ask whether their actions led it to creating that red line crossing to driving it into action. You have to consider that. U.S. lethal aid to Ukraine has previously been described as being tantamount to a declaration of war by Russia, no, on Russia by the U.S., per members of the Russian Ministry of Defense as far back as 2017. So they stood up and say, if this happens, we discre- we, de- we consider that an act of war. Years later, they do exactly that and act like that's not a big deal. Why? Because we're just, we're just fighting for freedom over here. We're, you don't, don't flatter yourself, Russia. We're just doing freedom. Freedom over here, freedom. Right? It doesn't matter. The, me- the mainstream media acts like you're just a ridiculous conspiracy theorist. We're just doing drills and stuff. It's so obvious what they actually are. It is worth considering that these red lines and the potential to cross them was discussed by Zelensky and representatives of the Ukraine intelligence services when they, maybe you didn't know about this, just happened to meet with the head of the CIA, William Burns, in January. Just a casual meeting with the head of the CIA right before this all starts. No big deal. Could it be possible the CIA wanted to bring about the insurgency they have been preparing for since 2015? Would they have done so by pushing their allies in Ukraine's government to manifest the conditions necessary to begin that insurgency, i.e. prompting them to cross Russia's red lines to elicit the reaction needed to launch a pre-planned insurgency? With the CIA also training Ukraine's intelligence operatives for nearly seven years? Nah, that's a ridiculous, obvious thing to point out. Why would the CIA look to launch an insurgency in Ukraine and why now? Plenty of people would be asking that question. As she points out, the apparent answer may actually surprise you. And I would argue only if you just don't listen to the show and just don't re- pay attention to plenty of other people that have continued to point out how concerning this all is. Let me make sure I'm not missing some links. My point was I wanted to jump through some of these things as we go forward. I don't think I got to it yet. If not, I'll go through them afterward, but then it might be a little disjointed like the other part was. <laughs> now, yeah, I think I did here. Let me see. What was this one? Okay, yeah. See, how'd I miss that? Anyway, so before we jump to that next point, 
and this is going to get into manufacturing the narrative and the threat, which is planning, building long before this. But here's the proof. Here's the evidence of, oh, that's what it was. I, I forgot that I brought up this. So I want to give credit to anti-war, which is where we saw it first. And let me give you their thoughts on this before we move forward. Here is the Yahoo article we're discussing about the CIA-trained Ukrainian paramilitary. Anti-war makes some good points, though. The CIA has been overseeing a secret training program for Ukrainian special operations forces since 2015, as they reported. One former CIA official said the U.S. is training an insurgency in Ukraine and specifically training them how to kill Russians. That is a, a former CIA official. The training has been held at an undisclosed location base in, in the United States. Uh, and this is important, though. It, it was started by the Obama administration. It was expanded by President Trump and further expanded by Biden. That's the important part, guys. This is a clear, nonpartisan, larger agenda. It spans multiple administrations and has nothing to do with partisan politics. They're all part of this. You have to see that. The program was overseen by the CIA's ground branch, the spy agency's elite paramilitary unit. The Yahoo report said by 2015, ground branch personnel were deployed to the front in eastern Ukraine. They're talking about the Donbass region to advise Ukrainian forces. So this is very clear. We're talking about the CIA, specifically the ground branch, being deployed to the Donbass front line, fighting the separatists with white supremacist, clear neo-Nazi forces being trained and funded by them. This is impossible to miss. In comments to Yahoo, the CIA, of course, denied this. And we pointed out that that's, we said that in the other article, but there's five other sources from the CIA that they're pointing at. Take it for what you want. Here's the next article we're going to get into, which Whitney and I talked about in the election special. They're telling you what was coming next before this was even beginning in COVID-19 land. In May, the 2020 political article entitled, Experts Knew a Pandemic Was Coming, Here's What They're Worried About Next. At the Aspen Institute, a nonpartisan, which is ridiculous, of course, think tank funded largely by the Rockefeller Brothers Fund and the Carnegie Corporation and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. No big deal. Graphs, I'm going to come back to this. We'll, uh, well, actually, let's go through this article and read some of the points. I believe that's how I had it set up. <laughs> Trying out a new format here. So this is May 7th, 2020. It says every year. Make sure really quickly. Yeah, okay. That's why I didn't have it highlighted. Okay, so here at every year, the intelligence community releases the worldwide threat assessment. And Whitney's talked about this many times. And to be quite honest, I didn't even pick up on the importance of this as, in, as important as it is when she said this back then. Every year, intelligence community releases the worldwide threat assessment, a, dist a distillation of worrisome global threats they claim, risks, problem spots, and emerging perils. But this year, 2020, or I guess it would be going in, no, yeah, 2020. The public hearing on the assessment, usually held on January or February, was canceled. Evidently, because intelligence leaders, who usually testify in a rare open hearing together, were worried their comments would aggravate President Trump, which makes no sense other than the narrative they spin around him. And the government has not yet publicly released a 2020 threat report. This was at 2020. Now, here is what's coming for us now. This is literally what they laid out in 2020, the globalization of white supremacy. Now, what we're going to paint next, as we've already shown you to a large degree, is how they built that, how that lit the threat 
which we talk, we'll tie it to Charlottesville, the Rise Above movement is their big thing in the United States. Well, t- all this ties together that ties directly back to what they started funding and growing in 2014 in Ukraine. And that is what they're pointing at is the globalization of white supremacy. And you could tie and tie, you could prove that the beginning of that ties back and the verifiable connections to the group tie back to that point. How do you, and it's incredible that we are, that they pretend we can't see that. They also point out attacks on trust and truth, biosecurity, nukes, all the climate change, everything they drove into being. Now, on the globalization of white supremacy, it says terrorism today conjures images of ISIS fighters and suicide bombers. Well, why is that? Because that's what they propagandize you with for the last 20, 30 years on the, the idea of the, the security state. Well, now we're shifting to the biosecurity state. They're shifting all of it because now they're crossing this over with vanilla ISIS and the biological attacks and the anti-vaxxer, right supremacist kind of idea. It's all blending together. The only reason, I mean, terrorism simply means to conduct acts of violence in the pursuit of political ends. That's what it really means. They've altered the definitions there just like they did with vaccine and everything else. That's, That's the true definition. So the only reason we associate it with Muslims or whoever might do that, because that's what they want you to think, because that, in fact, would be a racist thing to do, is because they have propagandized people aggressively to think it's only the brown people over there. Now they've changed all of that to make, oh, now it's the single white male over here. Despite the fact that they've already crossed over with the absurd things like vanilla ISIS, which is embarrassing. But if you ask national security officials about the top near-term terrorism threat on their radar in 2020, they're almost universally point to the rising problem of white nationalist violence and the insidious way that groups that formerly existed locally have been knitting themselves together into a global web of white supremacism. And they're hiding from you the point that they built that, grew it, and threw it into the world. In recent weeks, the State Department, for the first time, formally designated a white supremacist organization. Guess who? The Russian Imperial Movement as a terrorist organization, in part because it's trying to train and seed adherents around the globe. That's unverifiable. Well, in fact, prove that it's the exact opposite, at least based on the evidence we can see, inspiring them to carry out terror attacks and as it did with two Swedish men who carried out a series of bombings in this in Gothenburg in 2016 and 2017. Now we're going to go into that and show you how there's no evidence to tie this directly to this group. In fact, it was a part of another group and the effort has been made to patch this to Russia very clumsily. And it's clear that there's a reason for that. There are serious and explicit warnings about this coming from U.S. government and foreign officials, of course, that eerily echo the warnings that came about, what? Al-Qaeda before 9-11. Yeah, I wonder why. Just before the world was overwhelmed by the coronavirus crisis, as we pointed out, and we talked about it with Whitney's show, the DHS's Assistant Secretary for Threat Prevention and Security Policy, Elizabeth Newman, told a congressional committee that she saw this coming. You remember that? The world is changing. And every counterterrorism professional I speak to in the federal government and overseas feels like we are at the doorstep of another 9-11, maybe not something that catastrophic in terms of the visual or the, um, uh, the numbers, but that we can see it building and we don't quite know how to, how to stop it. Right. We've played that many times. You remember. Quite, quite prescient. Now, it says particularly worries intelligence and law enforcement officials because they see violence erupting globally. That's the real focus. 
right? They're, why, they're really focused on this because of what they claim is a global network. Again, it's obvious that network was ties all the way back to what they started. So do they know that? If you don't think they do, and this is a, this absolutely incompetent, that's equally alarming, but I think it's very obvious they do. The movement is clearly adapting the playbook used by the Islamic State, right? The playbook that they created in 2014 and 15 that enabled that group to radicalize and inspire. If that's even what really happened, by the way, I mean, that was the thing is it was so clump. The way that they framed this was so embarrassing and, and such propaganda. I mean, the like like the guy we just looked at, who was supposedly joining the Ukrainian military from Britain. It just seems so fake and manipulated. Now, it could be real. But when you see things like, uh, uh, what's, her, what's her name? Uh, what's that girl's name? I'm forgetting all of a sudden. Abada or that girl in Syria, right? The girl who just was so, it was verifiably shown to be manipulated. The girl didn't even know what she was saying. They were having a read thing. This was obvious propaganda or Oman, a little child that got put in the ambulance that they later proved wasn't even a part of anything. They, they dressed him up and put him in there and they, they took the shots. That's their playbook, guys. And check out Ben Swan's documentary about where ISIS really came from. Ties directly back to the U.S. government. And by the way, even if you want to not, if you want to make it more abstract, we already proved to you, and even Hillary Clinton says on the record that the Mujahideen that they they created the threat in, in, the, in Afghanistan that later became ISIS, verifiably so. Now going back. Now. The article published by the Politico was intended by Graf, the writer, to serve as a domestic threat assessment in lieu of the one that didn't happen. And this guy is tied to the community, right? Now, it says a few months later, the Department of Homeland Security, for the first time since its creation in 2003, right? As the CIA didn't do their assessment, the, the, whole department, the, the Department of Homeland Security just decided since the first time in its creation to do it itself. Interesting. They published its own homeland threat assessment in October of that year. As Whitney noted at the time, that signaled a major shift within the U.S. and the national security intelligence apparatus away from foreign terror, its ostensible focus since 9-11, to domestic terror. They shifted the entire apparatus toward you. Even though it had already generally been pointed at you, they, they shifted the surface narrative at you. That's alarming. Just months after this homeland threat assessment was published, the war on domestic terror would be launched in the wake of events of January 6th. Again, as she points out, the prescient, you know, the, 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 somehow just saw that. Like You could argue because they have intelligence, they saw it coming. But that's not what happened, right? What actually went down there was one of the most obviously manipulated things I've ever seen in my life. And we all, everybody knows that it's we're waving people in, you know, that's not to suggest there were people that did things, but you couldn't, you have to ask now, based on what we do know, whether those people were manipulators. We, we, there's verifiable people in the FBI that were at the lead roles of multiple militias that were there. That's on the record. A Naval psychological offer, uh, officer was, was this is all proven. Uh, agent provocateurs, the fact, the, the videos involved. I mean, the whole thing even now, after what we do, after what we did see, and the only person who actually got killed there was the person who got shot by the police there, the woman, Babbitt. And yet they continue to argue that people died, it was bloody, and they compared it to 9-11. That's just embarrassing. They clearly wanted this to be connected. And they still use it. That's the tie. Now it says, this, however, did not stop top politicians and national security officials from labeling January 6th <clears throat> as 
another 9-11 that Newman, <clears throat> excuse me, had apparently predicted. Notably, the DHS's first ever Homeland Threat Assessment, Newman's warning, and the subsequent official narrative regarding the events of January 6th, of course, were all heavily focused on the threat of white supremacist terror attacks. Look at that. Where Now, where is that coming from? Right. You could point out 9-11 and plenty of the things they claim. There's plenty of actual nuance to what really happened. But their arguments, where are the so-called white supremacist terror attacks? Now, they try to frame these lone shooters as that, but there's no open argument that these people are visibly white supremacists, except a current one that we'll talk about, talk about in a minute, who literally carried out an attack. And guess what he had on in, in his a patch and the arguments he made was in was discussing the Azov Battalion, the very group that we can prove is being funded by the CIA. Well, look at that. They don't want you to make this connection. But over the, other than that, there's no real evidence to some massive white supremacist terror attacks. Yet this is the biggest focus. It's because they want it to be. That's my opinion, based on all the evidence in front of us, but it's pretty hard to miss. Where is this building from? Where is all the evidence other than them saying it? Just like with Ukraine and Russia. Graf notes that many supposed pandemic experts... Well, but think about this before I even read that. Let's just say this explodes and some sort of huge white supremacist Azov battalion-led threat happens in the United States from the Rise Above movement. Well, they'll point to that as vindication that they said was going to happen. But is it, though? Or did they make it happen? Just like with what we're talking about in Russia, right? There's, they have to consider that dynamic. Now, Graf, the writer, notes that many supposed pandemic experts, they discuss people like Bill Gates, who are nothing of the kind, not a doctor, not a scientist, just a rich person who's clearly a manipulator and cites two other national security manipulators, projected the spread of a novel virus, they say. Which, by the way, they've been saying yearly for a long time, first of all, if you want to pretend, but I also do think there was more foreknowledge than that. Graf then asks, quote, what other catastrophes are coming that we aren't planning for? According to, quote, thought leaders, several current and former intelligence officials, I don't know why they're the thought leaders we should be asking, they obviously have agendas in play, the most immediate near-term threat they claimed likely to disrupt life in the U.S. and beyond following COVID was the globalization of white supremacy. This is their next big thing they've been pointing at since 2020, and they're making that happen. Where's the evidence? Where's it been since 2020? And yet they towed this line. There's an agenda in real time. Now, the quote from Ray that we read earlier, Terrorism Today Conjures Images of ISIS, was first published in a piece by Graf that had written a month prior to that article. Interestingly enough, to keeping this in your mind, the focus of that interview centered around the domestic terrorism in the United States with extensive discussions about none other than the 1995 Oklahoma City bombing, which I highly recommend, which I should have pulled up actually, James Corbett's coverage of this to recognize the MK Ultra and all the different manipulations that went on in this discussion. But they say, and the Russian imperial movement, which you might've heard before which we just pointed to a moment ago. This, this is important. In that article published in Wired, the State Department's coordinator for the counterterrorism, Nathan Sales, characterized that movement, the Russian imperial movement, as a terrorist group that provides paramilitary-style training to neo-Nazis and white supremacists. And it plays a prominent role, they claim, in trying to rally like-minded Europeans and Americans into a common front against their perceived enemies. Now, in this conversation... It's sort of irrelevant whether or not that group is white supremacist, because that's not what we're getting into today. The point in this is, in this case, whether or not that is the real large threat that we're pointing at, or really it's a it's a hollow shell threat that they're building up while building the Azov battalion from within. 
And we'll, and we'll give you the evidence. My point is simply, I would argue you're going to find this kind of thing everywhere, but you should question what they're giving you. It's obvious, though, as Whitney points out in here, that the Russian imperial movement has, is similar, that they're described in the ideology is very similar. But you'll, as we'll get into, it's been dis- completely, uh, what's the word? Uh, God, the word that they always ask for, stand up and condemn. It's been condemned by the Russian government. It's been dismissed, yet they don't frame it that way. right? They frame that Russia works with them. Right? What's the difference here? You don't see Biden dismissing and condemning the Azov Battalion, do you? In fact, we'll get to a moment where they've, in fact, roundly vetoed UN, uh, uh, not bills. Why do I keep blanking? UN uh, mandates are with a word I can't think of right now all of a sudden. Shoot. They, came, they vetoed discussions around condemning those people. We'll, we'll show you all of this. So it's really interesting. My point being is that the Russian imperial movement in this context, as they're trying to frame as the key to that rising global movement, is not even remotely the key. It's not even remotely involved, as far as I can tell. But we will prove is that the one they're funding is. In that article published in Wired, it says, uh, they, yeah, they, they basically frame them as the key part of this. Now, RIM, or the Russian Imperial Movement, or RIM, was allegedly responsible for training a bomber whose acts resulted in no deaths in Sweden, which is what they pointed out in the political article in 2016-2017. Now, you could doesn't people not, people not dying doesn't make it not a terrorist act, but you'll see where this goes. The bomber, Victor Mellon, was in fact not an active RIM member, was not a member of the Russian Imperial Movement, but was in fact reportedly trained by them. That's reported though, that's coming from intelligence that we should question, but let's just say he was for, for the sake of conversation. And he conducted two of his three bombings with an individual completely affiliated with RIM. So there's clearly a tie there. Mellon was, however, a member of the Nordic resistance movement at the time. Now you will find discussions of this as well, calling them white supremacists and a problem. But what's interesting is that's not what gets pulled out of this in the context of today. A few years later, in April 2020, RIM became the first white supremacist group to be labeled a specially designated global terrorist entity by the United States government, despite not being tied to an act of terror since 2017. Is that strange? And despite those previous acts resulting in no deaths. Now, in this point, you could point to a lot of other groups, specifically even white supremacist entities that have done acts, have carried things out, sort of like the Ace of Battalion or Svoboda, or the right sector, or the Georgia Legion, all these groups he pointed to that are right now working within the Ukrainian government. The acts of terror cited as justification by the Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, don't miss the crossover, the whole two-party paradigm illusion. The acts cited by Pompeo were those perpetrated by Mellon. However, the Nordic resistance movement, of which Mellon is an active member at the time of those bombings, despite working alongside somebody in RIM, did not receive the special globalist entity designation. Even though it is significantly larger in terms of membership and reach than RIM. Now, why would that even remotely make sense? Clearly because the whole Russian part of it is what they were aiming for. The decision to label RIM, the Russian imperial movement, this way was considered unprecedented at the time, even by even by American politics. Now, per the U.S. government, the Russian imperial movement's reach is global and extends to the United States, they say. However, its U.S. ties are based on dubious allegations of a relationship with uh, uh, Autumn Waffen Division's Russian, Russian affiliate, sort of, as we always point out there, sort of like how we claim Iran is 
in, you know, the, the PMU is Iranian. That's not the case. They're linked. And yes, they support each other, but to claim, or even to say Palestinians are Iranians, like that they're funding and arming and invading. It's not the truth. It's more nuanced than that, obviously. They're not just Iran proxies. They are allies, right? And the same point here, you could argue that there's allegations of a relationship, but if they're not proven, especially coming from these entities, then they should be questioned. Now, I'm not saying that's something we really necessarily should question. I'm just, I mean, you should question everything, obviously, but I mean, in the context of what's more important to question, that's probably on the lower side of it. But my point is, why do we take floated statements from verifiable liars ever? That goes for Russia's government, it goes for U.S. government, it goes for Russian politics, it goes for U.S. politics, it goes for Russian news and media, every U.S. news, everybody. But we can't get past that, it seems. We just run, oh my God, look at what, breaking news, people die, and everybody rushes in and reports and Twitter's freaked It's why, guys? I don't understand it. I'm baffled. But their allegations of that relationship are what they used. And here's the most important part to me. This is the one of the biggest crossovers, and we'll get into more in a second, about the Unite the Right crossover here. It's saying that the U.S. government, the RIM's reach is global and extends to the U.S. However, its U.S. ties are based on the allegations of relationship with the Autumn Division's Russian affiliate and a personal relationship with the 2017 Unite the Right rally organizer, Matthew Hembach. However, this, again, is based on allegations, not direct evidence, that Heimbach received funds from RIM. Heimbach's group, the Traditionalist Workers' Party, has been inactive since 2018, two years before the U.S. designation for RIM. It's also alleged that RIM offered to train other Unite the Right figures, though RIM and the white supremacist, in quotes, who supposedly received this offer denied the response reports. So my point is, it could be true. But if you don't have evidence coming from liars, they could be completely making it up to sow their narrative. You know that's how this goes. Now, the Unite the Right part of this is very interesting. There's an effort to tie this Unite the Right Charlottesville to the RIM movement. Despite the fact that what I will show you undeniably is that this is so obviously tied to what the U.S. government and the CIA are building and funding in Ukraine. Now, furthermore, there remains no evidence of any U.S. citizen ever participating in paramilitary training with RIM. Yet they got the designation, even though you can prove U.S. per people working with people, things like the Azov Battalion or other groups or the Nordic. There's plenty of evidence for these things. Yet they chose the Russian one. This, of course, contradicts Nathan Sale's April 20, 2020 claim that RIM plays, quote, a prominent role in trying to rally like-minded Europeans and Americans into common front against their perceived enemies. Right? If there's not a single American that's ever worked with them, how is that even possibly a fair statement? Because that's what they're building. You start with narrative. Despite the lack of evidence, left-leaning, nonpartisan, and right-leaning think tanks, which is the point, have continued to use the Russian imperial movement as proof. Proof, not evidence, but proof of a, quote, large interconnected transnational network of violent white supremacists. That's based on literally nothing, guys, in regard to the U.S. crossover. Now, in the context of current events in Ukraine, the 2020 designation of RIM begins to make more sense, at least from the U.S. national security perspective. RIM is alleged to support separatists in Ukraine's Donetsk and, and Luhansk regions you, since 2014 and has been described by the U.S. as anti-Ukrainian. These regions are at the center of the current conflict and its most recent escalation last month. Interesting. The U.S. government and pro-Western think tanks list RIM's first attack, in quotes, as its involvement in the conflict in eastern Ukraine. 
Well, look at that. They're clearly trying to tie this to the conflict in Ukraine on the ground in the, on the front line. According to Stanford's University Center for International Security and Cooperation, the number of fighters sent by or trained by RIM in eastern Ukraine is unknown. So they have to guessing, though one report states RIM sent groups of five to six fighters from Russia to eastern Ukraine in mid-2014. RIM's paramilitary arm, the Imperial Legion, has not been active in Ukraine since 2016. So they sent five people or six people, maybe you know, five or six, and haven't been active since 2016. However, some reports have asserted that, quote, some individuals opted to stay and continue fighting. That's where it's going to come from, I believe. Claims have also been made in more recent years that RIM members have fought in Syrian conflicts and Libya on the side of General Haftar. This is grasping. You can clearly see how this has been built. And my point is that they're trying to frame this on this concept right here, as opposed to what the actual physical threat we can see building. Even though five or six fighters, not active, and yet they designate them as the focal of the threat. Following the first attack, attack they claim, in the area we're talking about today, the Stanford's claims from 2015 to 2020, they have been, quote, building a transnational network, they claim. Though, as previously noted, Their success in that endeavor is based on reports of dubious authenticity and or significance, particularly in the United States. However, their aligned role on the side of separatists in the Donbass region have been used by U.S. think tanks to argue that RIM advances Moscow's policy goals, which they say include, quote, seeking to fuel white supremacist extremism in Europe and the United States. Right. They're floating this entire idea that they're in there pushing for Moscow's concepts. What do they back it up with? Nothing. Narrative. Some think tanks in the U.S., like Just Security, have used RIM, RIM, to argue that Russia's government plays a major role in the transnational white supremacy. So they're already connecting this. They're already tying them to this, and they're going to argue that Russia's the one seeding the white supremacy push around the world. And it says, due to a mutual affection between Western white supremacists and the Russian government. That's what they're claiming. They claim that because Russia, quote, tolerates RIM's presence domestically. That's what they're claiming. Quote, the Kremlin facilitates the growth of right-wing extremism in Europe and the United States that exacerbates threats of stability of democratic governments. Yeah, this is literally while the U.S. government is building this in Ukraine. But here's the reality, as always. The The contrast of reality to their narrative. What Just Security fails to mention, of course, is the Russian imperial movement has vocally opposed and protested against Putin's government. Could be fake, of course. Has always la- has been labeled an extremist group by the Russian government, which of course could also be a facade, but we need to prove these things, don't we? And has even had its offices raided by Russian police because of their opposition to Putin's leadership. Pretty much sounds like the opposite. They don't have any proof to claim with, prove what they're saying. And it's a group that's been attacked, called out, raided, by the Russian government, but they're going to claim the Russian government's building them and supporting them. Notably, Just Security's advisors, of course, include former CIA deputy director and Event 201 participant, Avril Haines. Of course it does. As well as former deputy chief of staff to Hillary Clinton at the State Department, Jake Sullivan. Haines and Sullivan now, right at this moment, serve as Biden's director of national intelligence, i.e. the top intelligence official in the country. And, of course, Biden's national security advisor, respectively. Because there's no connection there at all, right? 
Now, as a result of this current escalation of events in Ukraine, it appears inevitable that the effort to use the Russian imperial movement to paint Russia as a driving force behind transnational white supremacism are due to resurface. It's coming, guys, and we feel it. The effort appears to have have as one of its goals the minimization of the role that neo-Nazi groups like the Azov Battalion, the neo-Nazi paramilitary unit, not just embedded with the Ukraine's National Guard and completely immersed within their entire government, are actively playing in the current hostilities. They're minimizing that they even exist in this context. In January of this year, Jacobin published an article about the CIA efforts to seed an insurgency in Ukraine, noting that everything we know points to the likelihood that the group being trained by the CIA, as we already pointed to, includes neo-Nazis inspiring far-right terrorists across the world. Now, we know these groups are white supremacists. We've already proven this to you in multiple shows. We'll briefly do it again. Before we go there, here's the article she's talking about. January 15th, 2022, right? I mean, what's crazy is that this is before, this is before, I mean, I was kind of picking up on this at this point, but this is before I, I hadn't seen this article. And but this is before I had kind of picked up on this in my shows. So some people out here yelling about this. It's out there. And it's very clear. It's just being ignored. The CIA may be breeding Nazi terror in Ukraine. It writes, the U.S. government has a well-documented history of backing extremism groups as part of a, a panoply of foreign policy of misadventures, which inevitably end up blowing up in the American public's face. It's amazing we can't think about this right now, or that the people lost in the two-party paradigm can't think about it. It's so obvious how they've not only backed the wrong, or, you know, as we would see it, the wrong people, but they've act, they've destroyed everything they've touched. They've backed the extremists like the moderate rebels, or the Mujahideen, or the anybody we point to. Right? The, the Iran-Contra discussion. I mean, everything you point to, they are, I mean, this is why I always point out, all of the biggest boogeyman of the world you go back far enough, they were allies first. Saddam Hussein, Osama bin Laden, all of them. Baghdadi, I mean, these people are all clear alongside them, building of ISIS. It's obvious. Now, going forward, it says, in the 1960s, the CIA worked with Cuban anti-Fidel Castro radicals, who, guess what, turned Miami into a hub of terrorist violence. Oh, you, we, we forget about that one, right? I mean, forget about the reality of this. It's literally happening inside our own country. In the 1980s, the agency supported and encouraged Islamic radicals converging in Afghanistan. They grew it, guys. That's where all of this came from. Who would go on to orchestrate the September 11th attacks? Now, that, you could argue that that's more narrative than anything else when you understand the real picture of the September 11th, but that's a, the narrative at the very least. And in the 2010s, Washington backed serious, not-so-moderate rebels who ended up cutting a swath of atrocities through civilians, the Kurdish forces that were meant to be U.S. allies. Based on a new report, it looks like we soon may soon be able to add another to that list of fatally unlearned lessons, Ukrainian neo-Nazis. According to the recent Yahoo report, which we read, they're secretly training forces to create an insurgency. Since 2015, they're building the 2015 to forward insurgency that they're now executing, guys. Why would they build an insurgency? I mean, it's just so obvious how orchestrated and driven this was into reality. The year the program started, 2015, also happens to be the same year that Congress passed a spending bill that featured hundreds of millions of dollars worth of economic and military support for Ukraine, one that was expressly modified 
to allow that support to flow to the country's resident neo-Nazi militia, the Azov Regiment. Now, even if you think it's okay, like the bottom line is, if you believe everything they're saying, that Russia, that, that the U.S. needs to do something about Russia and Ukraine, why are you okay with them doing that alongside these neo-Nazi supremacists, these very clear extremists? Because that's very obvious. Like, even they admit it if you look at their past reports. So why is that okay for people? Why? Because Russia bad guy? Are you really that simple? It's crazy to me. Because I know the, the very same people that are screaming about, oh, I just refreshed that. How did I do that? I think I, 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 oh, it's not that much more. It wasn't a long one. Shoot. Okay. Anyway, my pen hit, I think. But it's just amazing to me, the very same people that are out there, and it's on all sides of this, though, but the people, let's just say on the Democrat, the Biden-supporting side, are under the assumption that they're fighting white supremacy in this country. They're fighting Trump supporters, despite the fact that the very group they're pointing at, like the Rise Above movement, is tied and alongside, even had meetings with the Azov Battalion, which the CIA is funding, which they're growing. Why are we okay with that supporting or that tie? They don't see it, though. The point being is, if you know they're supporting them in Ukraine, why are you okay with that? They just don't want to see it. Plug their ears, chomp, chomp their feet, la, la, la. Don't want to see it. Given the fact that there's a good chance the CIA is training actual, literal Nazis as part of this. Now, by the way, that's my point in regard to, I would disagree with that. The Nazi, it has a, not, the Nazi word very specifically ties to a specific political party and a certain time. Neo-Nazi, you could use a little more liberally. The point, nonetheless, is that this shouldn't be... The word Nazi, I think, is a problem with how it's being conflated today because of how people perceive it in their minds differently. Just call them extremists. Call them whatever, just call them a general term, white supremacist, if you want, because that's what they are. But given that they're literally training this as part of this effort, it's a good chance. Well, it's a good chance that's happening. The year the program started also happened to be the same year Congress passed the spending bill. That's where we were to expressly allow funding to the Azov Regiment. Now, you may have heard that and go, wait a minute. That was, we thought that was different. Now, I did as well. Now, check this out. I found this to be really important. According to the nation at the time, the text of the bill, which you remember I reported, was passed in the middle of the year. It actually featured a specific amendment. Here, let me do this so I can highlight these for you. A specific amendment. Shoot, right here. Okay, so it's modified to allow it. And then it says, according to them, they passed a bill in the middle of the year, featured an amendment explicitly barring, quote, arms, training, and other assistance to Azov. So that make sure you don't miss this point. They wrote into their their, their bill that we, sh we cannot arm that group because they're terrorists. That's what it was. Remember, we already talked about since then, people like Slotkin reaching out to Biden and saying that, that this was 2021, saying these people are terrorists. Why are you doing And he just ignored it. They don't care. They know it. They trust me. They know it. That's why they wrote this in there. Now, here's the follow-up point that I didn't know. But the House committee in charge of the bill was pressured by the Pentagon months later to remove the language, falsely telling them it was redundant. That's a Republican side at the time, guys. They got them to remove the language that allowed the Azov Battalion to be funded directly, even though they recently, before that, said we can't because they're terrorists. That was mo moments later, as long as it was quietly off the center stage. You see how that works? That's incredible. Now, yeah, I'm probably going to, I don't want to wait and try to read through this all. 
Oh, damn it. There was, see, I do want to find, there was parts in this that were about the, I hate when I do this. Okay, well, it says, its former commander once said the historic mission, oh, here we go. I'm so glad I didn't miss this. This was the point I was talking about. Despite the op- sometimes open acknowledgement of its Nazism, which again, you could argue that there are, oh, here's, here's a good differentiation of that point. You could argue that there are people that actually embody the Nazi party and wave that flag inside of Ukraine, and they do, and you could call those Nazis. Its former commander once said the historic mission, quote, of Ukraine is to, quote, lead the white races of the world in a final crusade for their survival in a, quote, crusade against the Semite-led, whatever that term is. But the point is, guys, that is the very group being funded and driven by the group we're talking about. So when they start to point this only at the Semite, this is being coordinated. It's exactly what Israel's Zionism party is going to stand up and, and make a big point about, and they're going to tie it back to Russia. It's already happening. But nonetheless, that's the group that you're funding, that U.S. government is funding. They openly said that on the record. And by the way, that battalion has been incorporated into the country's National Guard all the way back in 2014. And yet they're lying to you right now. Yeah, just a volunteer battalion. That's all it is. No big deal. No, it's not. It's part of literally the, I mean, it's immersed, as I keep pointing out. U.S. arms have flowed to that militia. NATO and U.S. officials have been picturing meetings with them, and members of the militia have talked about their work with U.S. trainers and their lack of background screening to weed out white supremacists, right? We've already, this was all a big discussion before we weren't supposed to talk about it anymore. Where they were, oh no, they're building this, but it's okay because we fight Russia bad guy. And it was just, it wasn't happening on the center stage, though. Now, a number of prominent individuals among far-right extremist groups in the United States and Europe have actively sought out relationships with these groups, specifically the National Corps and its associated militia, the Azov Regiment, states a 2020 report from West Point, U.S. Military Academy Combat Training. Think about that. The nexus between far-right extremists and the United States and Ukraine. You don't realize how dumb it is that right now the mainstream is going, this ridiculous Nazi thing coming from Putin. Right there. The Azov Regiment. That's what they're talking about. They even mention that has been actively engaged in the conflict against the Donbass. Guys, what in the world? It's right there. This is the this is from West Point Combating Terrorism Center. They're telling you these people who are ultra nationalist extremists are the ones on the front line carrying out extremist ethnic cleansing against the Donbass people. That's what they state they want to do. Does not does not it's incredibly obvious. Quote, U.S.-based individuals have spoken or written about how the training available in Ukraine might assist them and others in their paramilitary style activities at home. A 2018 FBI affidavit asserts that Azov, quote, is believed to have participated in training and radicalizing the United States-based white supremacy organizations. Yeah, the group that your government is knowingly involved in right now, funding, arming, creating, including members of the white supremacist Rise Above movement. Very important. That's a huge connection right there, okay? The FBI affidavit is very clearly connecting the Rise Above movement to the Azov Battalion. Rise Above Movement, Azov Battalion. You read these documents for yourself, guys. This is directly from the FBI. Okay? 
That's really important to recognize once we get into the Rise Above movement, which, by the way, was the big people. Remember the big march in Charlottesville? <laughs> Oops. We weren't supposed to tie those things together, were we? Remember all that big conversation? Oh, that was the big push for white supremacy, right? That big, that's when the big worry started. Oh, the cars hitting people and the torches. Oh, my God, they're all white. And Trump came out and said, good people on all sides, which, by the way, was, <laughs> I mean, it's crazy, crazy that that's taken negatively when you're, are you pretending there was literally nobody on, on the side that were, I mean, just, the argument was there were plenty of people there that weren't part of the racist side of that thing. But regardless, that was orchestrated. We need to see that. Including members of the white supremacist Rise Above movement. Prosecuted for planning assaults on counter-protests at far-right events, including the Charlottesville Unite the Right rally, which wasn't a rally put on by the, the racist movement. It was, as they said, planning assaults on counter-protests at those events that Joe Biden later, later co-opted as a rationale for his presidential campaign. Well, look at that. It all falls into place. Biden's exactly tied to this going back to Ukraine before even Obama's administration, Clinton ties, arming and funding of this. This has been, the groundwork has been laid for this for a long time. While it seems the perpetrator of the Christchurch mosque massacre didn't travel to Ukraine as he claimed, guess what? He clearly took inspiration from the far right movement there, or rather he was told to as some kind of MK Ultra manipulated manipulator. He wore a symbol used by the Azov members while carrying out the attack. What do you know? Ah, of course. Well, it's in it's in the article. You can actually see it. But the point being, read it for yourself. So this person, who was part of another of a lone supremacist, you know, whatever, creating the narrative for what became the domestic terrorism basis was in fact driven forward by the Azov Battalion, which was funded and armed and driven by the CIA, by your government, which is very t- obvious and on the surface. Since taking office, Biden has launched his war on terror, the domestic side, combating far-right extremism, even though the strategy is quietly aiming, well, this is what he claims. I, I forgot I want to read that. That's a partisan point that I disagree with. And at the same time, three separate administrations, Biden's included, have been pro- providing training, weapons, and equipment to the very far-right movement that's inspiring and even training the same people. We just showed you that, and we're going to go further. Adding to the absurdity here is that the reason Washington has been giving Ukrainian Nazis its assistance is so they can serve as a bulwark against Russia, which Warhawks liken, as they always do, to Adolf Hitler. Right, that's, this is the absurd comparison. While they're literally funding the most overt, obvious representation of what they claim that is, they're laying that at the feet of, of Putin. While Vladimir Putin's Russia may be malvoyant actor on many fronts, Putin's recent incursions into neighboring states like Ukraine are driven largely by the expansion of the NATO military alliance up to its borders and the security implications that come with it. Like Zelensky saying we're going to be a nuclear power. Which, by the way, if that happened in the U, I mean, the U.S. takes action if Iran says that on the other side of the world. Imagine if it was one right along their border. In other words, to stop the U.S. hawks classify as the next Hitler, or what they classify as next Hitler, Washington has decided to back literal neo-Nazi militias in Ukraine, who are in turn communicating with and training homegrown white supremacists, which Washington, in turn, is ramping up a menacing, repressive bureaucracy at home to counter. How damn clear is that? This is where I get the term, is what some have called the self-licking ice cream cone. In action, the U.S. national security establishment creating the very threret that just, just, that to justify itself. 
This is the war on terror. This is everything else they've done. This is McCain and ISIS and everybody else we've already pointed to. Instead of diffusing the tensions by simply agreeing to long-standing Russian demands to set, let's say, hard limits on NATO's eastward expansion, which they already agreed to and violated, Washington has apparently decided that ultimately, or that unlimited planetary military domination is so important that it would rather just get into bed with actual fascists. Yep. The U.S. alliance with Nazi-infected Ukraine has already proven awkward for a president who is both trying to strike a contrast with his far-right predecessor and establish the United States as a leader of global effort to strengthen democracy. It's embarrassing. Like, it's so clearly contradictory. Oh, I'm glad I didn't miss this. This was the point I was saying before. The United States, and by the way, again, was completely unreported. Now, ask yourself how that's even possible. If there's any honesty on any side of the two-party paradigm media. Somebody would have reported this. Where's Tucker Carlson? Why wouldn't they? And maybe I missed it. I didn't see it. Why wouldn't they have screamed this? The United States was one of just two countries. The other one being Ukraine. To vote against a UN draft resolution, quote, combating glorification of Nazism, neo-Nazism, and other practices that contribute to fueling contemporary forms of racism. Seriously, that's what happened. They said, no, we veto that. Both countries, both the U.S. and Ukraine, consistently voted against this resolution every single year since 2014. Yet they are fighting white supremacy, right? But uh, but refuse to condemn the glorification of Nazism. Is that not the dumbest thing you've ever seen? And this is why the media, both left and right, don't report it because there's a bigger agenda at play. Right here. Our recording a vote of 130 in favor and two against Ukraine, United States. 49 abstentions. I, I bet you want to get into guessing. Combating the glorification of neo Nazis. It's right there, guys. That's incredible. Incredible. The Biden administration deployed a nearly identical boilerplate explanation for its no vote that Donald Trump had used. Again, they're the same thing. Citing, guess what, guys? constitutional right to free speech, even for those with repugnant views, unless it's you or me or anybody in this country, right? We're okay with them expressing things over there we can't censor, but if you say that the vaccines are dangerous, or you say that, you know, literally anything that we don't agree with, we're going to censor you for freedom, because that's freedom, because it's free speech to censor you because we don't agree with what you're saying, right? War is peace, freedom is strength, you know how it goes. But apparently both Trump and Biden are so alongside the freedom of speech for Ukrainian people that they're going to allow that to happen. We're going to not veto the bill that condemns them way over there. This is not a joke. But this concern is hard to square with the text, which simply expresses concern about public memorials, demonstrations, rehabilitation of Nazis, condemns the Holocaust denial and hate violence and calls on a government to eliminate racism. I mean, guys, this is all stuff that they constantly parrot. Questions that there's nuance for, stuff that we should discuss, but we're not allowed to. And yet they condemn that. It's very clear. Read it for yourself. To condemn that, or not, to not condemn that is obvious there's something going on there. Now it says, Washington's real concern here lies with its description of the resolution as thinly veiled attempts to legitimize Russian disinformation campaigns denigrating neighboring nations, meaning Ukraine. So even 
the right under the surface, what they just said right there was, we know Ukraine is racist. We know they're white supremacist and we don't want you to denigrate them by openly condemning what we know that they are. But we won't say it. We won't say it. We won't say the words, but we'll literally go. We don't like you denigrating neighboring nations. Oh, gee, which one could that be? That's how embarrassing this all is. Ukraine's connections to modern to modern white supremacism are far from Russia fake news and are, in fact, extensive and well-documented from Azov's official incorporation into the ranks of the Ukrainian law enforcement. Fact. Government officials. Fact. With far-right ties to state-sponsored tributes to Nazi collaborators. It's no small irony that U.S. presidents elected in large part to halt the perceived march of fascism at home or a president, is continuing longstanding U.S. support for literal white supremacism in what might well be the nexus of international fascism. And if these Ukrainian Nazis literally are among the insurgents being trained by the CIA, which I think is an obvious, very clear thing to, I I think we've proven that, it will be no small tragedy if one day they take the same career trajectory as Osama bin Laden. Exactly. And of course, then blame it and lay it at the feet of Russia, who is in Ukraine because they got if the narrative, let's say, pushed into, driven into because of the actions, right? Then they create the group that's already there, blame it on the Russian imperial movement, and then there you go. You've got exactly what you need. Narrative is all it is. Now, to finish off, last few paragraphs in this article, we'll move on to the rest of this. Even the FBI has been forced to admit that U.S.-based white supremacists have cultivated ties with the group, the very group that we're talking about, with the Bureau stating in the 2018 indictment that Azov, quote, is believed to have participated in training and radicalizing the United States-based white supremacy organizations. Okay, so right there, the FBI openly stated that the Azov Battalion is part of this global thing they're pointing at, okay? Now, on top of that, you can very clearly prove, as we just did with this document, that the Rise Above movement they're discussing is also directly tied to the Azov Battalion. There it is. There's no missing that. So they're funding them, which we proved. The FBI is pointing at that they're clearly building this thing that's pointing at, the, which is the problem they're pretending they're fighting here. And you can prove that that's tied to the group that they then pointed at, which created the, was the impetus for this entire push. See how clear that is? It's impossible to miss. In contrast, there remains, as Whitney points out, no proof whatsoever of any concrete ties of a single U.S. citizen to the Russian imperial movement. Yet, that's the one they designate an Azov battalion they're openly funding. With this, and remember, they took away the word that said they couldn't, even though right now, mainstream media still cites that as the fact, which even I fell for. Isn't that incredible? With the CIA now backing an insurgency that prominent former CIA officials are claiming will, quote, spread across multiple borders. The fact that the forces being trained and armed by the agency as part of this coming insurgency include the Azov Battalion is incredibly significant. In fact, I think paramount. It seems that the CIA is determined to create yet another self-fulfilling prophecy by breeding the very network of global white supremacy that intelligence officials have claimed is the next big threat after the COVID-19 crisis wanes. The injection of the group Russian imperial movement into the narrative should also be of concern. It seems plausible given the pre-conflict terror designation for the group and its alleged past ties to the Ukraine conflict in fact, the exact location we're dealing with, that a CIA-trained Ukrainian insurgent 
like someone in the Azov Battalion or an equivalent therein. The Svoboda movement or right, right sector could potentially willingly pose as a member of the RIM, the Russian Imperial Movement, allowing the Russian Imperial Movement to be labeled as the new Al-Qaeda, the vanilla Al-Qaeda, with its base of operations conveniently located where? In Russia. And its presence there tolerated by Moscow. None of which is, in fact, actually the, the real picture, right? We, we already went through that. It certainly would serve the now rather pervasive narrative equating Putin with Adolf Hitler, wouldn't it? In the wake of Russia's decision to launch its military campaign in Ukraine, even though that's a narrative has been floated with nothing to back it up. And now suddenly it's all going to come together. They're going to say, see, we told you, even though it's completely fabricated, it would also serve to launch in earnest the up until now largely dominated war on domestic terror, the infrastructure for which has was launched by the Biden administration just last year. Now, recent articles have followed Russia's recent military campaign against Ukraine deliberate, uh, uh, deliberately link as this Putin as Hitler narrative with the U.S. Republicans. That's a really important crossover, right? Right now, they're discussing this as the Republicans are like the Putin embodiment of the problem here. Which is the, the which is still the most absurd part about this is they, despite how obviously Trump was far more curt and hard against Putin than even Biden has been, and incredibly continually uh, up until I guess we're talking about what we're dealing with now, or the fact that Biden, Trump will continue to be like I'm overtly state that he's not. You know, I just, it's so clear how nothing supports that Trump is doing anything with Putin other than the fact that they say wink wink nudge nudge he's really doing it behind the scenes and we know it. That's my point from before about the red hat. Is it that he's that or that they framed something he did as indications of that, whether or not it actually is, and then point to that action as the proof? Self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Oh, he's wearing a red hat. He's clearly a racist, right? That's ridiculous. That's childish and ridiculous. And the mainstream media floats that every single day. Recent articles that have followed Russia's events and military campaigns have deliberately linked Republicans with this Putin as Hitler concept. Based, despite the fact that there's nothing to back that up. The focus of domestic terror, fear-mongering over the past several years, of course, has been focused on them. By the way, incidentally, also the majority of gun owners shouldn't be missed. An editorial by Robert Reich published in The Guardian on March 1st discusses the Trump-led Republican Party and how it does not openly support Putin. That's what he's saying. But, this is my point, the Republican Party's animus toward democracy. What? is expressed in ways familiar to Putin and other autocrats. Now, this is my point, guys. Because it's the floated narrative that Republicans are racist and, and Nazis and hate democracy, that's just what they say. That's literally the diametric opposite of what any Republican would tell you. And they just go, yeah, we know what their wink-wink democracy means. We know when they say democracy, they mean racism. And that's all it takes. And they go, then they just float it. Oh, did you hear him say democracy? Even though they're saying the same word. Same thing. If a Democrat wears a red hat, does that mean he's racist? No. But wait a minute. You just said he wears You see what I mean? It's completely subjective. They all know this and they're ridiculous. People like the Morning Joe and how they're just so smug and certain about their ridiculous subjective talking points. He doesn't openly support Putin, right? But wink, wink, he does really. That's what they're trying to say. His animus toward democracy, which by the way is not expressed anywhere. So what they mean is what we believe he means somewhere deep down is expressed in familiar ways that we don't even see. You see what I mean? That's a, this is pathetic. On March 2nd, Salon followed Reich's piece with a similar editorial entitled, quote, 
how white supremacy fuels the Republican love affair with Vladimir Putin. Guys, these people are writing into what they know will fuel their career. The, the love affair with Putin, I mean, for crying out loud, it's just, this is the, the current situation, the current place of corporate media. And it is a dumpster fire. They don't even use sources anymore. They just use anonymous one person that may not even exist. They just float subjective, ridiculous things because they know they can. It's bad. And then when we cite and prove what we're saying, we get censored. This is the reality of where we are today. This is literally 1984. But they want the love affair with Putin, which concludes with the assertion that, quote, today's Republican Party is America's and the world's largest white supremacist and white identity organization. The entire Republican Party. That's half the country. Don't miss how clearly important that is to creating a divide and creating exactly what they're trying to drive in. And, quote, that conservatism and racism are now fully one and the same thing here in America. How can you even make an argument like that? I mean, that is as stupid as saying every single Democrat thinks one thing. That's stupid. This person is stupid or a liar. That's period. He's a liar. He's a manipulator. Because a child knows that that in and of itself is racist. You can't, you broadly brushing a, a single group of people as one thing is ignorance. We all know that, unless it's politically advantageous. We also have intelligence agencies in Europe, she says, and the U.S. increasingly linking opposition to COVID measures. There's your crossover, right? That, oh, well, you're a, right, you're a white supremacist racism, racist anti-vaxxer. How do they make sense? Because only right-leaning people are anti-vaxxers. No, that's the whole point. It, that's why they were so desperate to drive that in, because there was meant to be a crossover. This has been one of the most obvious nonpartisan things I've ever seen. People who just don't want to be forced to take a medical experimental injection stood up. People in the Canada convoys were completely nonpartisan. They hated it, so they lied about it. And as she points out, frequently pointing at these things and calling them racist with no evidence whatsoever, which is all they do, right? You're an anti-vaxxer. You must be a racist white supremacist. That, this, this has been stated as absolute fact by these ridiculous corporate media talking heads. And we know that occurred with the Freedom Convoy, right? They're all racist manipulators because they're there, right? And if you think otherwise, you're an idiot and a dumb, and a dumb, I mean, what, what was the, the term they used? I'm just trying to think of like even like useful idiot kind of stuff. Like they were always, they were telling you, keeping you thinking these kind of things. Unless you go along with the narrative, you're stupid. Don't trust your instincts. Don't research. Listen to what you're told. They're fr- they're connecting all of it. They know they can no longer. Oh, oh, this is actually a really important part. German security agencies and officials claim now they can no longer distinguish between far right radicals and just anybody who opposes the vaccine or COVID restrictions at all. Seriously? That's they, that's a willful deception. That Germany is a huge part of this, it, can, it seems. Because the reality is you can point to an endless amount of people that are openly Democrat, liberal, whatever, progressive, that all very clearly stand against this in Germany or elsewhere. Remember, Germany is the one that has that bill from 2001 discussing self-spreading vaccines. Now, it says the Russian misinformation label, of course, is also likely to make a comeback. I promise you it's already happening. We're already Russian shills because we don't agree with the narrative. The coming global white supremacist terror threat, if we are to believe our unusually precedent of, uh, intelligence officials, appears to be the next thing to befall the world as the COVID crisis wanes. 
It also appears that the CIA has crowned itself the midwife and chosen Ukraine as the birthplace of this new terror attack, one which will create not only the next proxy war between U.S. and empire and its adversaries, but also the pretext to launch the war on domestic terror in North America and Europe. So, so very important. Now, there's plenty of stuff I didn't even get into in this article. Please take the time to read it. I just can't get past how important this is. Even some of these things we went over, for, this, this stuff is so incredibly important. The verification of the tie between the Azov Battalion, the Rise Above movement, which, by the way, the acronym is RAM. And that's what they're pointing at, at as the main focus of the global white supremacy part of it in the United States, which is directly connected to the Azov Battalion. And we're really going to pretend, and, and the Russian imperial movement is RIM? The point is they're going to try to tie the things and make it connect, and they don't. It's the opposite. And I think that's why they made it so similar. That's my personal point, opinion, I mean. But this is obviously a huge point of this, guys. Just, you know, casually sweeping this under the rug because we don't want to talk about how obviously their narrative is falling apart in front of them. Wait till we get to the end about Biden's not State of the Union speech, where he just keeps floating things that have been aggressively disproven. Like, they went right back to the beginning of the narrative. Everything works. We're all safe and effective. Everything's good. And it's, it's just crazy town. But going over to the neo-Nazi part of this, as we pointed out before, as Putin claimed that he, that's one of the main points of why he's doing what he's doing. The nuclear threat, the NATO ally threat, the U.S. on the border, the whole rising up of the troops on the border, but also to get rid of the threat that they're building. The denazifying Ukraine, he claimed. Now here is a really important part that I actually didn't discuss yet in this article. Followers of the California-based Rise Above movement, the California-based Rise Above movement, California's National Guard working alongside Ukrainian forces. Maybe we should ask Gavin Newsom what he knows about this, huh? What do you think? Well, California-based Rise Above movement, which we just discussed, which calls itself the premier MMA fight club of the alt-right, has openly broadcast meetings with members of the Azov Regiment and the National Corps and figures associated with the U.S. group were later spotted at the 1-6 rally turned attack on the Capitol alongside those of well-known far-right forces ranging from pundits to militiamen. Right, so there you go. How, is anybody confused? There's an undeniable connection between the Azov Regiment and the CIA and your government. Yet they openly discuss, I mean, in the bill itself, they even write down that they're not supposed to be funding. Where was it? Right, right here. They actually explicitly discuss how they first shouldn't do it, and then the House changes the bill to make sure that they explicitly, the amendment, uh, where was it, right here? Uh, the House committee in charge of the bill was pressured by the Pentagon later to, to remove the language, saying it was redundant, which means they allowed them to be funded. So on the record, it's open that the Azov Regiment is openly being funded and part of this by the U.S. government. Then we know that they're immersed on the ground, which I'll prove in a second even further directly with this group, is the CIA and even military personnel. Then you can see that the Rise Above movement, which is tied to that, which they claim is tied back to the Rim movement, which is not is tied to that, which they're claiming is the biggest part of the Charlottesville point. So can you not see the funding directly from the CIA, directly from your government, going to the Azov Battalion, which then goes to whatever movement they claim they're building here? 
That is an obvious connection to them building the movement they're going to point at to justify the war on domestic terror that they claim is coming from Russia. Right in front of you. At the very least, their funding is causing it if you think it's an accident. We've talked about this already more than once. Ukraine's war draws U.S. far right to Russia. They talked about this before it started January 5th. Now look at how aggressively the narrative has changed just since then. Right, here's what they were saying moments ago. Because they were still at the time trying to push into your mind that the threat was real and it's building without wanting you to necessarily connect the two. But investigative journalist Kuzmenko called it out. He's among the leading figures in this, which you probably have seen already, in regard to the rising threat of the Azov Battalion in Ukraine being funded by the U.S. government. It's the internationally active far right as well as its access to military training. He's discussing this. Kuzmenko has published a number of materials on the matter in outlets such as Bellingcat, Atlantic Council, Washington. The point being, he's a mainstream guy. In fact, a propagandist, if you're working for Bellingcat, in my opinion. Atlantic Council, of course. And this is what he's telling you. And yet today, you're not allowed to say this. Isn't that ridiculous? It's a month ago. He argued that the proliferation of white nationalist ideology in the military and security forces of Ukraine is an understudied topic. Since the 2014 Maiden Revolution, which is where we've proven, we've proven to you on the record that they knew that the person, the pe- people who shot these civilians were part of the U.S.-backed government. They knew it. They dismissed it. It's on the record. I'll include the link to the, the, the video again. Let me see real quick. The European and American public are being systematically lied to. Do this and cover. And second, what was quite distant, so that he has some sort of. Yeah, yeah. And that Western diplomats knew this and covered it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that he has some sort of, how to say, trust among all these Maidan people and, and civil society. And second, what was quite disturbing, the same Olga told that, well, all the evidence shows uh, that people who were killed by snipers from both sides, among policemen and, and people from the streets, that they were the same snipers killing people from both sides. Well, that, yeah. So that, and then she also showed me some photos. Uh, she said that has medical doctor. She can, you know, say that it is the same, same handwriting, the same type of bullets. And it's really disturbing that now the new, uh, new coalition that they don't want to investigate what exactly happened. So that there is now stronger and stronger understanding that behind snipers, they were, it was not Yanukovych, but it was somebody from the new coalition. There's no way around that, guys. No way around that. That's the U.S. government side. She admitted. She goes, yep, yep, we know. It's on the record. We pre- watch this whole video. I'll include it. Storm clouds gathering. It is undeniable. For some reason, the U.S. media didn't think that that little detail was worth covering. But wait, I thought the opposition protesters were just peaceful activists who wanted a chance to join the European Union. Well, yeah, that's the official narrative that the U.S. media outlets are peddling. But the real story is far more ominous. It turns out that the most powerful and influential contingent in the opposition is a coalition of literal fascists and neo-Nazis. And they aren't peaceful. In fact, they're extremely brutal. 
Hold on, guys. My I everything's freezing up on me right now. So give me let me just pull this back for a second in hopes that it kind of calms down. Let me get the. I'm going to go back to this. I wanted to show you one more part. Before we go past this video, shoot, maybe I'll just skip it. If this, it seems to be freezing like crazy on me right now. New coalition that among my dumb people in Ukraine. Twenty-one feeling they were literal fascists and neo-Nazis. Socialism to quote, and the picture of who they would put Newland, who met with government, worked with. Department meeting with Ole Tanibok in February. And this is a picture of Senator John McCain sharing a stage with Tanibok in December. But why would the U.S. government work with neo-Nazis? Because they thought that they could control the situation. They thought that they could install their puppets behind the scenes and manipulate the situation in their favor. That same Victoria Newland who met with Svoboda in February was caught on another leaked call discussing who they would put in power. What do you think? Uh, I think we're in play. Um... The, the uh, Klitschko piece is obviously the complicated electron here, um, especially the announcement of him as Deputy Prime Minister. And, and you've seen some of my notes on the troubles in the marriage right now, so we're trying to get a read really fast on where he is on this stuff. But I think your argument to him, which you'll need to make, I think that's the next phone call we want to set up, is exactly the one you made to, to Yachts. And I, I'm glad you sort of put him on the spot on where he fits in this scenario. And I'm very glad he said what he said in response. Good. So uh, I don't think Cleach should go into the government. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah. I'll, I'll, you can watch the rest of that for yourself. Yeah, but this, the U.S. government behind the scenes dictating who's going to be elected. Right. It's, it's incredible that people still pretend this is not what happens. I mean, it is so painfully obvious around the world. Everybody sees what this government is. And it's not just this government, but this is the one government that's leading the manipulations right now. So it's important that we recognize who they really are. But the point being, the 2014 Maiden Revolution, right? That was what they talked That was U.S. forces backed, backed by U.S. backed forces who carried out the attacks. It was a false flag, guys. That's what it was. They shot them. They framed the Ukrainian government. On the record, we just proved it to you, right? That's them on the record talking about it, and they admit it. But you'll never hear that in the mainstream media. Now, it's saying that the, mil the military and security forces have institutionalized in the ranks, uh, former militias and volunteer battalions linked to the neo-Nazi ideology without screening for extremist ties or views. Uh, it's just, you know, it's grown throughout the entire government. He cites as a prominent example, of course, the Azov Special Operations Detachment, also known as the Azov Battalion or Regiment, established by the Ukrainian Ministry of Interior, which I keep pointing out, not just some small thing, established clearly as an important part of this, but then narrative was supposed to be a small volunteer battalion. That's why, because this was built by people like you, McCain and their, and their work like they did in Syria after the conflict broke out, was later transferred to the National Guard. And now we know it's immersed with the police force. It is across the board, guys. Kuzmenko calls the regiment itself a highly capable and heavily armed and reportedly numbering... They, uh, the, the numbers I'd be questioning, but an internationally active Azov movement that was built and grown and pushed forward by your government. Via Azov's political wing, the National Core Party, described by researchers as the neo-Nazi, as neo-Nazi, the movement has gone international on multiple fronts with known contacts in Germans, Germany's neo-Nazi third, third party. That's why Germany's got a clear part in this. 
and America's Rise Above Movement. There it is again, right there. That's this America's Rise Above Movement is Azov Battalion's American branch. That's what they're telling you. Then we recognize, if you know, as we've proven, that the U.S. government is funding them, sending them money, in fact, changing the documentation so they do make sure to fund them. How do you not recognize that Biden's government, Trump's government, Obama's government are funding white supremacists that are building that same threat here that they plan to point at to justify their war on domestic terror? This is a manufacturing consent situation. Problem, reaction, solution. As plain as day. And of course, Italy's Casa Pond, but also less scrutinized international contracts, contacts via the other branches of the movement that draw less attention. Neither the Azov Regiment regiment, nor the National Corps responded to their request for comment, of course. Neither did Ukraine. Now he points out Washington has long recognized the danger of this movement. That's the crazy point about today. They pretend like, no, you're wrong. Putin's making it all up, except they're on the record pointing it out. That's how stupid they think we are. For example, they language in the bill. This this was the point I've been making before. Specifically said that they weren't allowed to fund them. Right? But what's interesting is we pointed out that this this article missed the follow-up which was that they did change the wording to explicitly allow it, or actually remove the words that stopped it under a guise that it was redundant, which it very clearly wasn't. The lawmakers, this this was the the important point about Elisa Slotkin, sent a letter to Secretary of State Anthony Blinken in April, bringing attention to the Azov Regiment's active far-right recruiting efforts and how it was a problem for the United States. And guess what they did? Nothing. They ignored it. In fact, they responded to say, we're committed to sovereignty of Ukraine. The FBI said they weren't going to comment. The Department of Justice declined to comment. Homeland Security. I mean, they were in an active group about this whole problem, talking about 2019, about the rising problem of the Azov move, and then quiet. The moment this all started, now they won't respond. Make sense to anybody? People holding torches and flags during in Kiev. Uh, where was the, the name? Uh, Oh, I thought that was the one with the name. I wanted to show you the, the, far, the uh, you know, let's see. I, I don't want to search for it, but the the, uh, far, the right sector was what I was going to point to, which we're going to get to more in a second. The point being, this is back before you can see the Rise Above Movement crossover. Here is 2017. ProPublica. Recent violent, unpunished. A white hate group's campaign of menace. Charlottesville, Virginia. Rise Above Movement member. Direct, that is the Azov Battalion's U.S. arm, which is funded by the U.S. government. So ask yourself this. Why didn't the administration at the time, or anybody for that matter, Trump's administration, who was funding this group, who knew, who maybe he didn't know, but somebody in the side, maybe Bolton and Pompeo sure as hell knew, they were funding, which was the very arm of that group. And then point the Charlottesville thing happened, and they didn't say anything about that. Think about that. About And here's an interesting part about this, guys. How much you want to bet if this gets comes out, they'll try to throw this at the feet of Trump alone and say, Trump did it. Trump and Pompeo funded it. And that's where it came from. Even though it was Obama and it was Biden. Mark my words. That's an interesting thing to think about. That's what will happen, I bet, if this gets exposed as it is right now. About, about two dozen white supremacists, they said in 2017, many equipped with helmets and wooden shields were battling with a handful of counter-protesters, most of them African-American. This was their huge narrative, right? Except it was being funded by the very people that were so upset about the fact that it happened. You're being manipulated. The street fighter was in Virginia on that August morning for the Unite the Right rally. The largest public gathering of white supremacists in a generation. This is their framing. Sort of like how January 6th was the largest thing since 9-11. 
the violence in Charlottesville became national news. Of course it did, because that was the plan. You don't have a PSYOP proxy force that you've built happen in the United States without there being a plan, right? President Trump's response to it, he asserted, was there were some very fine people on both sides of the events that day. Which, by the way, you could argue there were people on the side of the Unite the Right rally that weren't part of the white supremacist push that was clearly orchestrated. But yet they don't like that. They wanted him to say one side or the other. So they attacked him anyway, because that's what they do. Sort of like when I say you're all crazy and they attack me for whatever they want to attack me for. Set off condemnations from his allies as well as his critics. He didn't take a partisan standpoint. What a problem. Exactly. ProPublica spent weeks examining one distinctive group at the center of the violence in Charlottesville. Guess what, guys? An organization called the Rise Above Movement. Now, why would they pick out that one group out of the whole thing? Because that was the whole point. But they didn't want to tie it back to the Azov Battalion. No, no, no. They just wanted you to think it was this place and here and our problem in this country. That's all it was about. Now, this is from 2022. Is Biden ignoring a key tool to combat violent extremists? It says white supremacist groups increasingly cross borders, sharing tactics and grievances, but the State Department has yet to designate any of them as an international terrorist organization. Guess who they're not talking about? Ukraine, Azov Battalion. They're talking about, this is where they angle this towards the specific groups that they can potentially tie back to Russia. Rundo is the American white supremacist who co-founded the Rise Above Movement, a U.S. And remember, the, the Rise Above Movement, they're trying to tie to RIM. That's the point there. They're right now trying to pretend that the, the Russian imperial movement, RIM and RAM, is the, the, the connection here. And as Whitney pointed out in very clear color, it's obviously completely narrative. And yet you can prove that even mainstream reporting has tied the Rise Above Movement directly to the group they're funding in Ukraine. I mean, it seems like they've gotten really bad at this in later years, but it says U.S.-based white supremacist group in the FBI. Oh, th this is the point. Who co-founded the Rise Above Movement, a U.S.-based white supremacist group, the FBI says, rioted a deadly Unite the Right rally. Yeah, right? That's the point, and they're funding them. It says, when the Nordic Frontier host welcomed Rundo on the show, he joked that the interview was way overdue. So this is what we're talking about, the Nordic Frontier, essentially. Oh, I, I think I was just going to make that point right there. So they're... This is this. They're trying to tie this to groups they want to lay at the feet of Russia, without really going in depth or any real research about the Rise Above Movement. Now, here on a quick side point was the point they made before. This is today, or rather, you know, current. This is February fifteenth, before Russia actually began its push into Ukraine. Guess what? As I proved to you, there were Americans on the ground alongside the very openly white supremacist groups training civilians. As we've proven to you, as even Euronews pointed out, there's crazy alt-right groups that are training civilians to fight Russia right now. Same groups, same place, same people. Except here's a video from Dispatch that doesn't really get into the white supremacist part of it. Just points out how these people are fighting for freedom in Ukraine. But my point is, here's the one I couldn't find the other day on the video. U.S. Army, Iraq, war veteran, Paul. Here's the other one. There's just a couple they're pointing at. Afghanistan war veteran, or maybe current contractors, who knows? My point is, these people are openly discussing how they're training them right now to fight Russia. Those are Americans. Why is that not a problem? The idea, ultimately, is, is there, of course, it refreshes on me. YouTube, YouTube breaking itself to, to manipulate us. But here is who they're working with. In, in one case, the Georgian National Legion, groups that have worked right alongside the Azov Battalion 
who, by the way, if they're in the U Ukrainian military, then they're clearly along aligned with this stuff because that's what we point we've made. National Guard, Interior of the Ministry, they're working underneath these people. But on top of that, this group itself has worked directly with people like Craig Lang, who is the one guy they make a big deal about and claim that he's part of, he killed people in Florida and he works with the white supremacist over in Ukraine. One time they kind of admit that. Except right now he's living with his family in Ukraine. Has an ankle monitor on, I guess, but he's living in Ukraine. We're trying to get him, they say. Yeah, right. The point is that he worked with this group, which just simply ties together the fact that they're all clearly part of the same entity. This group, the Georgian Legion, is working right here alongside American troops on the ground right now training civilians to fight Russia. That's what we're painting for you. This is not some little small fringe freedom group. This is the insurgency. This is the CIA and the U.S. military and your government building this, and they're still doing it from 2014 to right this moment, just painting it and framing it a different way. Now, here is more from Patrick Lancaster doing a great job giving you real stuff from the ground. Now, you should question it just like anything else, but it, there's video from the ground, which you're not really getting Aside on the other side, aside from some very obvious manipulated stuff, which we pointed out embarrassingly, nonetheless, people are still taking at face value what the Ukraine government says. We'll get to that more in a second, just to reiterate. But here is him pointing out Russian forces showing off the Ukraine right sector flag that they took from the, the Ukrainian forces they stopped. My point is simply this, is the right sector flag, which we've shown you, the right sector is one of the most obvious white supremacist national like extremist groups that are inside the Ukrainian government. And there is, there's their flag, there's their representation. And it's not a secret, they openly say that. But just to continue to show you that they're the ones taking these groups down. Now remember, as we pointed out before, this is new. This is from February 28, 2022. Here is Al Jazeera, and I'll show you the actual video from Twitter that Twitter has left up showing the very same Ukrainian fighters that are working alongside the U.S. people, that are working alongside everybody you're pointing at right now, working alongside the California National Guard, that are openly white supremacists. These Ukrainian fighters, guess what they just did? Greased bullets against Chechen, Chechnyans, who, it's Chechens or Chechnyans, it's weird, maybe it's different, Chechens with pig fat, because that's a very, that's, that's a huge deal for Muslims. Actually, I just, I'm, I'm just, I'm mad because somebody just sent me an explanation about that, about why that's important. And I, I, I began to read it, read it, and then I got busy and I forgot to finish it. I would have been able to explain it better right now, but it's a big deal. I mean, that is a huge, that is a religious problem for them. I, as I believe, understand it, that would mean that they wouldn't go to their, you know, whatever they're supposed to go, right? I think that's the problem. So this is a willful, racist, discriminatory, just mean-spirited, bad guy kind of action, right? There's no reason to do that unless you're just an, hate these people because of who they are and what they believe. That's what we're talking about. Now, if you believe it didn't really happen, we'll actually show you the video that they posted. They posted this. This is from the Ukrainian National Guard. It's even blue checked. They posted it declaring that they did this. And guess what? The video shared by the National Guard shows the Azov fighters drip, dipping their bullets in pig fat. Guys, I mean, I just can't make this any more clear. These are the very same people that they that you the Russians are fighting, the very same people that are working alongside Americans, or rather that Americans are working alongside on the ground in Ukraine, the very same entities that they've been funding, the very same entities tied back to the Rise Above movement, the very same entities that literally have had meetings with the movement in the United States, specifically California. The Azov Battalion has literal meetings openly with the Rise Above movement 
that the U.S. government is painting as the largest problem in this country of white supremacy, and we can't realize that's tied directly back to the CIA and our government? I mean, we can't, obviously. People are ignoring it, denying it. But this is really, this is just disgusting to me. This is the kind of group, this is why we talked about them arming terrorists and extremists in other places, like Syria, like Afghanistan. This is the kind of group they work with. They like taking the, this is the same thing that people like, uh, people like uh, Kissinger spoke about in, 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 I forget the exact phrasing, but in, in South America, right? Like something like there, you know, there are villains, they're villains, but there are villains or something like that. There's a paraphrasing. And they openly said this stuff back in the day because they knew it wouldn't get out to people like it would today. They actually, they, that's why the Osama bin Ladens and the Saddam Husseins are the people they work with until they become the villains because they choose them. They use them, the worst of the worst to throw at people. That's what they do which makes them really disgusting bad people. That's why they worked with the Nazi Nazis with Operation Paperclip after that. That's why they worked with Dr. Ishii from Japan after World War II. Instead of getting rid of the things they claim they're trying to stop, they immersed themselves with them. The National Guard of Ukraine has shared the video on Twitter showing them doing this and dipping their bullets in pig fat. It says, uh, yeah, to use, to, to, to be against to be used against Muslim Chechens deployed to their country as Russia steps up its military assault. So these are on the Russian side. Here is, again, the Ukrainian National Guard account. This is their account, not the Azov Battalion account, the Ukrainian National Guard. Posting. Azov fighters, the National Guard, greasing their bullets with lard against these people with a pump, bump fist. You know why? Because they agree, they agree with it. They believe in it. Not the Azov Battalion, but the entire National Guard. The military agrees with this. And Twitter even leaves it up. They violate our rules, but we're going to leave it up so you can see it anyway. Because there's an agenda playing out. National Guard in California, right alongside these disgusting people. Now, we have gone this deep on this in a lot of different discussions. Here is a report we did about Ukraine being accused of using white phosphorus like every other field of war the U.S. government is involved in, or Israel for that matter. And we went deep in this discussion showing you how they've been caught using white phosphorus in the past and how even the mainstream media called them out, even in Ukraine. 2014, the U.S.-backed government used white phosphorus and got caught for it. And yet today we're supposed to act like this is fake news? They're also using human shields like they always do, like they did in Syria, like they do everywhere. But we go deep on this, discussing what these people really are. Is a battalion. Same with this one. Pipe lies and psyops, how the false flag Ukraine narrative was bungled. Yeah, what happened to the false flag, right? But going over into the domestic terrorism part of this, and this is the most important in how it affects you in the United States. This is July 1st, 2020. And I could have gone back a hell of a lot further. Remember, they're building this threat. They're creating the insurgency and doing all of this to create the justification, or one of the main reasons, to continue the war on domestic terror here. Maybe we should call the United States the new Syria, in fact. That's what it's going to beginning to sound like. Other than the act, well, you know, the point being is if you're out, so like it seems like the threat of these problems were condensed to Syria for the most part as they frame the narrative, now it seems like they're trying to outsource this to the United States. So it's like a combination of U.S. and, and Ukraine being Syria in the narrative of what, what Syria represents. How white supremacy returned to mainstream politics. Return. It says, the report provides a guide to identifying and calling out white nationalist ideas that are infiltrating U.S. politics. So this is basically a guide showing you what to think and how to feel, right? Oh, if you see them wink this way, that's a white supremacy thing. If you see them put their hand like this, that means they're bad guys. No, it could mean that, but your subjective certainty is exactly what we want you to believe. 
right? The OK symbol didn't just immediately turn everyone to Nazis. People have been using the OK symbol forever. They make it that way. Then by default, when you use it, even by accident, you're suddenly a Nazi. You see how that works? Like the red hat narrative. They decided so. Then when you use it, you are so. Self-fulfilling prophecy. That's dumb. That's childish. And they know it. They don't care. Down here, I just want to point out again, one of the things they talk about, of course, the Russian Imperial Secret Service. Nowhere in here do they discuss anything about the white supremacy problem they're building in Ukraine. Shockingly enough, I know. Here it is in December 20, actually, October, uh, August 2020. And it says they tried to get Trump to care about right-wing terrorism. I believe he's got my point before there. I really believe they're going to lay this at his feet. He ignored them. They said, this is probably why he was elected, why put in place to begin with. Officials at the Department of Homeland Security waged a years-long internal struggle to get White House to pay attention to the threat that wasn't clearly there, apparently, that they built, they created, that they funded of a violent extremist that came from Azov Battalion they created, right? Frustrated, they gave up on Trump, right? They wanted Trump to point out what they built, and he didn't. Maybe because he wasn't on their side. Who ultimately knows? A lot of people believed he was on their side. But at the end of the day, what happened? Even if he was, he got manipulated. Because that was the point, I think. I'm still not sold that he wasn't just part of the plan. But at the end of the day, where we are now is all that we can look at. And they're going to blame this on him, I think. Oh, I think that was it, right? Okay, and this one, just keeping the, the point going that we're building the narrative against Trump because there's another point we're going to get to. Now, if this one was on... Uh, this, oh, excuse me, this September 4th, 2020. Oh, that, oh I said August. Uh, white supremacists present the gravest threat to the United States, according to a draft report from the Department of Homeland Security. This is what Whitney was pointing out. All right. They're building the idea. Based on what exactly? There's no real evidence to spe- Like, at the very least, there's plenty of other threats that are far more obvious and far more documented, but they wanted this one because they were building that one. October 6th, 2020. White supremacists remain deadliest U.S. threat? October 6, 2020? How do they remain that? Doesn't make sense. Council on Foreign Relations. Here's February 3rd, 2021. The most persistent and lethal threat. It says, experts agree the danger of white nationalists and white supremacist extremism has significantly outpaced Islamist extremism as a threat to U.S. national security. Understand the difference here, guys. They're not saying a threat to uh, they're basically just saying the largest threat. Because remember, they frame foreign policy, right? they frame ISIS as a national security threat. Because I've always thought, it's the whole point. They've conflated the ideas. So when they try to make it only about domestic terrorism, that can, it's the same concept. That's still national security. So what they're not, they're not saying that it's just at home. And that's the biggest at-home threat. That's how the media tries to frame it. So they're not trying to downplay the ISIS threat. They still want you to be scared about it. They should use it. But here they are just outpaced. They're saying it is over. ISIS is no longer the threat. It's now white supremacist. White supremacist. That's it. They're national security threat. How do you possibly make sense of that? Where is the evidence to back up such a dramatic shift? I mean, they claim 9-11 was ISIS and everybody else, right? So where's a bigger threat than that? Where's a bigger narrative? We, but we know that's not the reality, but their narrative says that. But yet, where's the big 9-11 type? Well, they wanted it to be January 6th, didn't they? Didn't work. This is June 15th, 2021. Top law enforcement officials say the biggest domestic terror threat comes from white supremacists. So you can see that they've been keeping this going based on nothing for years. 
for years now. They've just been going, it's coming, it's there, just like they did with Russia and Ukraine. Isn't that funny? Because they just thought, well, we'll just keep pushing narrative until we, cl- we trip somebody into action. Here are the bills we discussed in the past. S-894, to authorize dedicated domestic terrorism offices within the DOH and the DOJ and the FBI to analyze, monitor domestic terrorist activity. So what that means is monitor anything like we're doing right now. We're being analyzed, monitored, and require the federal government to take steps to prevent domestic terrorism. Ah, so pre-crime type stuff. But remember that we're framing domestic terrorism as what we're doing right now. So that basically translates to watching what we're doing, monitoring what we're doing, and taking actions to stop what we are doing. Because they claim domestic terrorism a catch-all for whatever they want it to be today, including domestic terrorism. But I don't think they even care about that, to be personally honest. Here, examining the domestic terrorism threat in the wake of the attack on the U.S. Capitol. Seriously. It never stops. Here is April 30th, 2021. Strengthening democracy is the key to preventing far-right extremism. Right. Where is this thing they keep screaming about, right? We all kind of felt that. It seemed like everything else. And now we saw, we see why. The U.S. Capitol insurrection. Right. On January 6th, 2021, it brought scores of militant extremists from anti-government, neo-Nazi, white supremacist, and QAnon conspiracy movements together. Seriously. That, I mean, that is ridiculous. With thousands of pro-Trump supporters in violent siege. This is the brainwashed, completely disconnected from reality perspective of what January 6th was. Now, I'm not trying to say there wasn't things that you could point out were problematic. That are even they're very violent. The bottom line was it was obviously manipulated, obviously allowed, obviously from removing people that should have been there, from people that, that on the record, people that were Capitol Police saying we need to get in there, let give us the go ahead, and they just refused, 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 refused until way afterward. Why would that even make sense to refuse more help when they claimed we were being overrun? Because they wanted it to happen. It's so very clear. It's all my opinion, of course. You know that. But the point here, it based on the evidence, as always, score. So the point is, you could prove that there were grandmas and children and families that just were just support Trump supporters that believed he was robbed. Which, by the way, you could prove there was clear manipulation, but on both sides, by the way, as there always is in every election I can possibly think about, two party paradigm, two party illusion. That you can't just broad brush every single scores of militants, extremists, and anti-government, neo-Nazi, supremacists, QAnon. That's just childish. Because that's just what they wanted to think about it. That's how they framed it. It was a shocking attack, but based on intelligence reports and advanced threat assessments, not entirely surprising. Okay, well, you can't have it both ways, guys. Either you knew it was coming and you didn't do anything, or you didn't see it coming and were overwhelmed, and that's why it happened. Which, by the way, is what they want you to think. That we just weren't prepared, except apparently they've been screaming about this exact thing this entire time. And as they say, based on intelligence reports and advanced threat assessments, they knew it was coming. Oops. See how they, they can't get this narrative. This narrative does not work right now because of how clumsy it is. You're, you're, you're basically stepping on your own toes. But that's the point. Preventing far-right extremism that you're creating. Now, here's the, from today. Trump engaged in criminal conspiracy, they claim, according to a new filing by the Select Committee investigating Cap January 6th riot. There it is. Seriously, we're going to try. How in the world? I promise you. I promise you. I haven't even looked into this. I saw this right before I went live. I tapped it on to the end. I'll follow up on this. I promise you. And this is what I believe is going to be the case. 
that they're going to point to social media posts. They're going to point to lack of action as somehow proof that he was involved or that people on the ground were there supporting his election or that he pointed to things that were election manipulation and that people then pointed at that as their reason for being there. And they go, wink, wink, we knew it. They were communicating. That's not proof, guys. That's your opinion. But that's enough for people today in this brainwashed society we find ourselves in. I'm not saying it's not possible or true that it could be that that happened. Just like anything is possible until there's evidence one way or the other. Right now, we don't have that. We have floated narrative about what happened. And Trump, as far as I can tell, was in no way a part of anything that happened there other than being a part of the larger manipulation, if that's the case, which my gut tells me, which would mean he knew it would happen and that's why they stood back. But either way, it's not what they're framing. And again, if he was involved, I doubt he knew he was going to be the, the scapegoat, which I think was the reason he was put there in the first place. It's my opinion. Criminal conspiracy. So now they're going to lay it at the feet of Trump. They're going to say Trump secretly funded these people in Russia. Right? Or maybe maybe it ends up being Ukraine if, they end up, if they're end up. they not sure where they're going to end up with this. Maybe both. Right? If Russia takes over Ukraine, they can say it was in Ukraine because now they're no longer in control. Right? You can see how that works. They're going to say he funded them. Here's the truth while ignoring Biden Obama funding. Right? Here's the rise above movement. That's Trump supported. We told you. Can't you see it happening already? And then all of a sudden, it's all said and done. Now, we'll wait and see. As always, maybe we'll, we'll see it on some of the quasi-independent media in a week, and they'll break the news for the first time, as we keep seeing after we reported a week ago. But here is what we keep seeing in the news. Now, you talk, we've already talked about this. I'm not going to go over it entirely again, but I almost want to just because of how incredible this is. Because this is my point. Right this moment, the mainstream media is still parroting without question what they're given from Ukrainian intelligence. What they're given from U.S. intelligence is what they do. They th Today, they've been trained to think that's what journalism is because they're brainwashed. The point is, things like this, Ukraine Emergency Service says 22 bodies have been recovered so far after rushing the strike or, or the, the numbers that have been killed. The numbers are different on either side, whoever you listen to, just like it always is with Palestine and Israel or Syria and Ru everything. Because they're all probably manipulating. They don't want to look like they got hurt. They want to look like their attacks were strong. It's just all nonsense. We all, that's, that's why they call it the fog of war. Yet, the media will report instantly what they hear from one side because they're on that side. Yet, they'll tell you fog of war. Which means they know it's probably not true or it could be not true. And they report it anyway. Because that's what they really are. And this is my point. They'll tell you this without saying it. If they tell you fog of war, which implies that it's not for sure. And yet, without fail. They'll just regurgitate what they're told. Doesn't that explain everything? And only from one side? Well, everything's denied from the other? They're partisan, guys. They've taken a side. That means they're not journalists. But this could be true. But even if it, it be, bottom line, if it even was true, we're talking about a war right now between two groups. One group, which is being openly funded and is openly white supremacist and is clearly being manipulated by the CIA and our government. So wouldn't that, wouldn't that constitute an occupation? Wouldn't that justify action on his side? If that's the case, I'll leave it to you to decide. And you should be objective about it. If you're only viewing one side or the other through a lens of skepticism, you're deluding yourself. But the point was, why are they still taking it at face value when you have things like this? Just to, just to show the first quick one. Uh, well, that, that's the easy one. To, uh, that was the easiest one to do. Oh, right, right there. They already have it lined up. So here, Russia's flying planes right over Ukraine, over Kiev. That's what Kiev's government, that's what the Ukrainian government reported. 
That, that was the picture they used right there. Again, here is the actual video. Went back too far. It's right here. Or went, maybe I went, oh, there it is. There it is. Right there. Look at that. That was a perfect stop, too. Look at that. How stupid is that? And by the way, this video is Moscow. And it's easy to prove. It's been used multiple, it's been used more than once in the past. Fly by Moscow, May 4th, 2020. I mean, you, you can see this has been here since May 4th, 2020. How embarrassing. If you don't look at this stuff, if you dismiss this stuff, you're choosing to delude yourself. They are lying to you. Now, that does not mean that Russia's not doing the same thing. It just simply means that our ridiculous, childish media is choosing to dismiss one side and parrot the other, which there means they're not journalists. This is us doing, just correcting that side of it. I'm questioning Russia too. My point is, I think we're proving pretty clearly what's actually happening. But that just doesn't sit well with the people that want to believe one side over the other right? Objectivity is painted as partisanship when it doesn't go along with what they want it to be. Zelensky visiting the troops was proven to be false. I saw all these tweets about, look at him fighting alongside them. What a hero. This image is from a long time ago. This is, uh, where was it? From right here. Last, oh, last April. Oh, I, oh, I said I wasn't going to go over them all. Anyway, here, here's the Daily Mail. April 2021. Think about the fact that they know it's that easy to find. They know that. And yet they still post it. Here's the tweet. And by the way, this is just an average guy, but this is being pushed on by Ukrainian media. This is President Zelensky. He's a brave man fighting soldier to soldier. These people don't just randomly do this. This is, I mean, it can, and it does happen, but these are probably bots. Ukraine strong. Fake news. And it goes on and on, guys. Here, this this clip is from uh, this this guy's claiming it's in Ukraine, a power plant being attacked. Nope, it's in China, 2015. I can prove it. This was a video game that was used to claim it was an actual aircraft being attacked. Nope, it's a video game. It's so easy to prove, and yet people dismiss this. I mean, I was even talking with somebody about this the other day, and they were showing somebody else that doesn't believe this, and they they showed them this article, in fact, and look at it. Oh, how do you know there's proof for that? immediately resistant, immediately pushing back without even taking the second to actually look at the links in the article, which prove undeniably the ghost of Kiev was fake. It was taken from a video game. So embarrassing. I'm going to close these real quick. Oh, on that note, while I'm, while I'm closing anything, I'll close some of this stuff because I forgot I have a lot to get into. Where are we? Oh, nice. We're three hours. Somebody's happy out there, I know, who wants me to do this really, really long. Oh, I was going to save these. Oh, well. Now, if we're already at three hours, I might not be skipping some stuff here. <laughs> Let's see where we go. But getting back to the point, here are some other examples. I mean, I just can't stop seeing these things. And these are, you can prove these things. It's not hard. This is again, this all, and by the way, I, this, I can't stop seeing this coming from pretty much one side of the narrative. Now here is just on top of that, even Twitter pointing this out. Fact checkers warn of old footage being falsely associated with Ukraine invasion. 
Of course, they kind of want this to be on one side of it, but all I keep seeing is Ukraine narratives being completely shown to be false over and over. Now, it doesn't mean all of them are. That's a fair statement. But why wouldn't you begin to question everything, especially as a so-called journalist for the corporate media? If you just parrot what they say today after seeing things like that, then you're an idiot. The point is they probably didn't even see this. They think off-Guardian fake news. Don't even look at it because that's how dumb they are. I shouldn't, I shouldn't do that. Every time I do that, I always go, I shouldn't do that because <laughs> I just get so frustrated with that. That is probably the right way to put it, though. Willful, willful ignorance. But they're claiming 22 bodies have been recovered. Like I, I, You probably noticed that I'm not really getting into the uh, a couple points I will. The, the breaking news stuff, because I don't know why anybody can take that at face value from Russia or Ukraine or the U.S. Now, on the ground, here's Lancaster. And just same point. Question everything. That's always the overarching point here, guys. Here's a guy in the ground discussing, and we, this, we played it before, discussing or talking with a woman in, in uh, uh, Donetsk, Donetsk, Donbass region, and they're talking about the many schools that have been bombed and shelled by the Ukrainian government. And by the way, he's on the video, he's on video showing these things. They've been clearly attacked. And he's talking, she's telling you what's going on. She's a teacher and the school is getting attacked. I mean, it's depressing, but these are the kind of stuff that we are not seeing. And you should question this just like we question the other. My point being is that you have this and the media is not equally questioning them. They're not showing both and questioning everything. They are showing one side and dismissing the other without any due diligence. Here's likewise a point you're not going to hear. As this person points out, this will soon be banned on Twitter in Europe, and RT is already being attacked and banned everywhere. It's, it's already banned across Europe on all their other platforms. It says this side of the story from the other side of the front line. These are destroyed homes and civilians killed by the Ukrainian armed forces. Now, the point is, this is there's another side to this. Now, both sides could be propaganda. And that's what an honest person would admit to themselves, that anything could be. They could be lying. They could be manipulating. But you would give both credence. Or it like in, entertain both, I should say. The sound of war. Now, this is a video from RT, which again you could argue is influenced, state sponsored, even by Russia. But if you're going to say that, then you should be smart enough to say that so too is Fox and CNN and MSNBC, very, very, very clearly. The sound of war is deafening across Donetsk. Donetsk. That's much better. I swear, I, I just heard people say Donetsk. So Donetsk. Donetsk. That's better. North, west, and south, war rages. We are very close to Volgavaka, which is just west of Donetsk. And as you can see, the offensive launched by the Republic of Donetsk is very much in full swing. The city of Mariupol the heart of the Azov Sea and a bastion of Ukrainian troops and nationalist battalions. It is nearly surrounded, caught between advancing troops of Donetsk and Russian units spreading out from Crimea. Ukrainian troops have fallen back and from a distance wreaked destruction on villages and towns they once ruled. As you can hear... From the sounds of artillery, the battles here just just west of Donetsk still still rage. This used to be, until a week ago, a, a village well beyond 
the front lines. The Ukrainian positions were, were east of here towards Donetsk. When this, this battle began, the offensive, the Ukrainian military abandoned their positions there. They moved further eastwards, further towards Kiev. And that is where they took up positions. When the uh, units of the Donetsk People's Republic began moving into here, they were met with a firestorm of artillery, which, which devastated this village. There were many people here. There are now much fewer. We've heard about three people killed in their house, another family that burned up. The barrage of shells and rocket artillery spared few houses. And try as they might, not everyone escaped the devastation. The tragedy here is that this mother and daughter, they, they hid in the basement right, right outside the house. The shell impacted a little further away, right above the basement. The irony, the tragic and sad irony here is that if they had stayed in the house, they might have survived. It's a grisly scene down there, full of, full of blood. Images that we don't want to show you. Only the father survived, wounded amid the shelling. He ran for help. Пройти вот 30... Да, да, это наш, это наш. Это... От того подъезда до вот этого только через день? Да. A nearby Nikolaevka, which is much bigger, the onslaught was much the same. Here, terrified civilians, women, children, the elderly, hunkered down in a school basement, waiting for Ukrainian military bombardment to end. Here, in uh, nearby Nikolaevka, in a school basement, underground, people are existing in, in these conditions, in the cold, without power, without heat. This is all about survival, even though the front lines have, have moved on. They don't dare leave for fear of yet more shelling, which has claimed the lives of, of so many people already. This is too much. They don't even let you bury a person normally anymore. They bury them by the front door, like animals. I'm not crying for myself. I'm crying for my grandson, for my son. My son came out of the basement three days ago and still hasn't come back. They are still shelling. Of course it's scary. But I reassure myself that everything will be fine. They destroyed our houses. There are no windows in our house anymore as shells fell right here. Now we have to rebuild and clean everything up. Right now I'm sitting and thinking, if I leave here, where will I go? No windows, no doors, everything is broken. I do not know where I should go now. 
My granddaughter has had a fever for two days. My house was destroyed. My husband was operated on. His leg was torn through by a shell. On the outskirts, one family apparently decided to brave the shelling at home. It would be their last decision. This house sustained a direct impact. Shell landed in the middle of the house. You can perhaps see the remains of the house are still smoldering. Fires consumed everything, including a family that was in the house at the time. Their remains have been buried, but we have been unable to verify how many people exactly died here. Nevertheless, this scene is being repeated across the Donbass as fighting rages here and the Ukrainian military retreats, firing back, perhaps in revenge, as they flee. Now, the obvious thing to point out is, like anything else, that could be propaganda. That could be a wag the dog situation. They, they, they could have been mis- t- subtitling what they were saying and on and on and on. That's a valid question and you should ask that. But when you continue to, to build all of this next to each other, we're not getting the same kind of coverage from this other side. We're getting a lot of narratives floated with quick pictures of an explosion or so on that later get shown to be from video games in many cases. And that's being floated by mainstream media. Now, we're not even getting this side of the narrative. Right. And, and by the way, these are real people on the ground. They could be actors. It could be. But these, you could see people. Right. We're not getting a lot of that from the other side at all. Just like with this part, this video from Lancaster. And by the way, if you go to Lancaster's actual page. He's got constant. He's probably got new stuff just from today. He's co- constantly putting stuff up. Yeah. Nine hours ago, DPR Russian forces firing artillery at Ukraine. And he's just updated with this. My point being here is that these are people. And by the way, on this discussion, what we just played. People like Eva Bartlett and plenty of others who I'm, I really want to get on the show have been in this area that understand this, that have researched and reported on both sides. And the idea is undeniably for eight years. And, and by the way, don't forget that we, what we just explained about what the group is and who they are and what they believe in dipping their, their bullets in pig fat before they attack these people. That's who they are. Your government's funding that. In fact, they're building this problem in your back don't, backyard right now. So the point is they want you to believe they're fighting for freedom when they're over there. Meanwhile, they're pretending to fight them here. It doesn't make any sense. But the point is that they are a lot that right here, what we're staring at is those bad terrorist like racist minded people who are carrying out what they claimed was their plan, right? What we just discussed to ethnically cleanse and build what they want to build. And that's been ongoing for eight years. So even if you believe it's been equal back and forth, we're watching these people who don't want to be part of Ukraine be forced or tempted to be forced back in and they bomb and bomb and bomb them. They bomb back or bomb first or however you want to look at it. But it's not that they're Ukraine's de- de- declaring independence. It's not clear declaring independence when you're trying to force a group back into your control. How do we even pretend that's independence? That's the opposite. You're the occupier. In fact, because we know that's a regime change group there in the first place. But this video shows you people on the ground that are struggling. Houses destroyed. It reminds me of a very Palestinian compared to Israel type scenario. Either way, guys, where is all of this in the news? Right? They just, just like everything else, they dismiss it if they don't agree with it. That's it. If it was an actual journalist, they would be giving both sides of the story. Now, like I said, there's another report from South Front, which you should be questioning. 
just like everything else. You create, but again, what you'll see different here compared to some of the mainstream reports from you know CNN, Fox News types is videos, reports, information that you can then confirm and check and find out are in fact. This is my point. What they're not doing is checking the ones that they get like this because they keep reporting them and they keep turning out to be fake. Either they knew they were fake, he didn't care, or they didn't do any due diligence, shared it anyway. All the mainstream media keeps getting fooled, or they don't care. Here, Ukrainian nationalist battalions prepare mass murder provocations in Maripol. So if this does happen, if something does get carried out, and especially if it tries to get blamed on Russia, we should consider what they were telling us was about to happen. Now it says, on March 2nd, the People's Militia of the DPR, Donetsk, reported that national forces are preparing provocations in the city of Maripol, which, by the way, was also what they told you. That was also where I believe the white phosphorus was happening and where they've already told you there might be some false flags happening. The commander of the separate special detachment of the Azov Battalion, the white supremacist funded by the CIA, and of the National Guard of Ukraine is preparing a mass provocation and the death of civilians, which, by the way, has been their open stated goal in regard to the people that they don't see as, as they, they, that they see as lesser than them. According to the report, dozens of civilians, and that's on the record. That was reported by Newsweek, by the way. According to the report, dozens of civilians were captured by the territory uh, of the Meta, uh, this area here, Azovstal, which is located in the mouth of the Kamalis River. People were reportedly taken in uh, mined workshops and office premises. The heavy material equi- military equipment was deployed in the yard of the enterprise, and it says, in the event of the breakthrough... In, in the in the city of Maripol, the Ukrainian nationalists reportedly planned to blow up the buildings and accuse Russia of destroying civilians and civilian infrastructure. Uh, now, this is showing clashes in Maripol, where you can see the smoke flying up. This is just reports of what's going on. Following video was shared on online on March second. So, I mean, these are civilian areas. That's important to understand. Ukrainian soldiers hit by the joint Russian Russian forces. Yeah, I can't see that one. But it says, uh, after another provocation is reportedly being prepared in the building of the local school number 34. Like, it's interesting because we've already seen Lancaster discuss a couple of these schools that have been already hit. More than 60 civilians were forcibly detained, including a lot of women and children. According to the DPR People's Militia, which you should question because they're one side of this back and forth, numerous civilians who tried to leave the city through the humanitarian corridors were forcibly brought to the school. We do know, as a matter of fact, just like with Syria, that Russia and, and, the, D, and the Donbass have set up civilian corridors. I don't see evidence of Ukraine doing that at all. Just, I keep pointing, I need evidence, guys. At the same time, the, and that's what happened in Syria, exactly. Now, it says at the same time, the report reads, the teachers of the Azov State Technical University, uh, located in Maripol, claimed the militias, militants from the Azov Division, began mining the building of the university as well as nearby areas with controlled explosive devices. Interesting. So just remember all this, and they, got, they, they seem to have video documentation. It could be faked, as always. But we'll wait and see what happens. But the, why aren't these reports being heard? Report them and say, just like anything else, but we like if you're going to take what Ukraine intelligence says without anything but their word, why wouldn't you do the same for the other side? Because they've already chosen a side. That's very clear. Oh, no, I wanted to show you a couple examples of of some things that are like, okay. so my point was we have a lot of this happening. 
a lot. I mean, as far as I can see, more than anything. But just to try to show you other sides of this, which is not even very accurate when you do it like that. But nonetheless, I did see a couple of examples I wanted to point out. Here's somebody saying, there's nothing to see here. Just the ordinary shopping center in Kiev with a usual Nazi logo for the Kiev stairs, right? Except the problem is that's not what happened. As far as I can tell, my research shows that it was a hack. They got hacked, or at least that's what they claimed. Could be a lie. 2019, so it's not new. And it says that, uh, well, that wouldn't even matter really since we're building of this whole thing for years now. But a swastika was represented. What the administration says is that our computer system was hacked. Unfortunately, we are not the first to suffer this. Okay. But but you could point out maybe it was hacked by groups from within that were fighting for that, whatever, but it's not how it was presented. So it's misinformation to a degree. Here's another thing I thought was really interesting. This person just shared it, didn't get any, you know, one way or the other with it. But if you actually, it's in Spanish. I think it's Spanish, but the point is that uh, if you actually break it down, it turns out this was a protest. And you can see the people getting up in the background for the body bags. And so this was one of those protests where they lay down, you know, war protests or whatever, right? But, but I think the point of why they shared this was, is this is how easy things can, can get misrepresented today. This is how easy the government knows they can misrepresent you. They can lie to you. They can deceive you because it's easy. Think about how obvious that is. Either side could have used this and claimed one or the other. And people, people have already shared it. You know, people already use this claiming, you know, all sorts of things. This uh, looks some breaking news here. Ukraine officials, which by the way, we should take it, not take it face value, especially coming for Twitter. Ukraine officials say nuclear safety at the power plant is secured following Russian shelling, right? See, this is my point. Has anybody proven that? Did Twitter verify that? Did they speak to Russia and find out what their side of the story was? Of course not. That's not how this works, guys. Now, going to some current stuff. This is from uh, this is from the last couple of days. Ukraine's second largest city pummeled under Russian strikes as calls for Western intervention grows because the point is they continually want the U.S. government and NATO to push in, which, by the way, is probably the whole point. Or if they don't want to do that, they're intentionally waiting for Russia to take over so they can create the proxy insurgency war that they want, which will happen either way is the point. If they take half the country and they're pushing it, just like with Syria, it's going to happen either way, either way. So my gut would be that NATO is, is going to justify this because of the claims of things happening without per- verification and discuss some kind of big action. Even though we don't care about Yemen and we don't care about Afghanistan, we don't care about Iran starving, we don't care about all, who cares about all those that are really, really obvious, but here's a bunch of narrative from intelligence people that are lying to you and we all have to do something about it, right? Obviously that's not valid. At the very least, it doesn't, how, why would this one be valid, but the other ones the U.S. government are committing for the last 20 years plus aren't, right? Oh, and by the way, here's, here's the point. Kiev this evening, bombs, 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 explosions and stuff. Here's another video. Multiple rocket systems. It, could it be? Yeah, probably. It's probably where, what they're looking at. But why would we not say maybe it's this again? Right, the thing from China. Not the exact video, my point. is just the, the another fake video from another wrong time being misrepresented as Ukraine. Because it's really hard to, to break these things down. Video is much harder to reverse search. But they're not doing that because they don't care. Zelensky urges Biden to impose no-fly zone. That's my point. Just like with Syria, we're starting all over again. The no-fly zone will lead to red lines. and Right, because we only care about the red lines we impose. We don't care about Russia's red lines. We just cross them and then, and then accuse his response as provocation. It's that simple. Turkey shuts straits to all warships. Now ask yourself why Turkey, 
with a large Muslim population doesn't care that the people they're supporting right now, which is the Azov Battalion and the Ukraine government, is dipping their bull are dipping their bullets in pig fat and shooting at Muslims. Because Turkey is a NATO ally and they don't care. That'd be my opinion. But either way, I mean, if you're a Muslim living in Turkey, that should bother you because they clearly are more politically like they don't care about what's happening. They care about the political agenda. And then what we're seeing is a lot of isolation here, which is really, really ridiculous. As Dave Rubin puts it, it's all so stupid. Not only do they kick them out of FIFA, kick them out of everything, everywhere, hockey, every sport they can, which is I've never seen that happen when the U.S. illegally invades a country, right? When they illegally invaded Afghanistan and destroyed the country, did they kick the U.S. government out of the U.S. sports teams out of places? Like, why is it even the sports teams of Russia that are the fault? Why are they being affected? Are they the government sports teams? That's how they frame everything in Russia. It's just so pathetically stupid. You're hurting civilians. That's the point. But when the U.S. illegally invaded Iraq, did they, do, did they remove sports teams from everything around the world? Did they kick them out of groups and, and international groupings? No. When they illegally invaded Syria, did they do that? No. When they illegally took, I mean, every time it's embarrassing that this is happening now. It's an agenda and worldwide, it would seem. EU, e, EA Sports, you know, the makers of Madden and all these sports games, FIFA 2022, which, by the way, we should now completely boycott EA Sports is removing the Russian national team and all Russian soccer club teams from its game franchise. You realize how stupid that is? Do they not exist anymore? And what do those teams have to do with anything that's happening? This is just virtue signaling on a foreign policy scale. It's bad. And this is, what's this? I didn't even notice this. I don't know. But so this next part, same thing. Russian... And Belarusian athletes. So now Belarus got swept into it, even though, they, I mean, even, Belarus is where they're working from. But regardless, it's just, aren't they claiming that Belarus is being manipulated by Russia? And at the same time, you attack Belarus for being involved. Isn't it not their fault? Didn't you just say that? Let's try crying out loud. I'm not talking about necessarily the leader of Belarus, but that's the argument they make. Same kind of thing. My point is, athletes from these countries, not the government, athletes from Belarus and Russia have just been banned from Winter Paralympics. Think about that. Paralyzed, paraplegic athletes who have trained their entire lives to work past their disabilities to become champions of the of the Paralympics just got banned from, com- from competing because these people want to make a virtue signaling point about the Russian government that they completely don't understand. That's just embarrassing. And then, again, hurting people. The very, remember when he stood up and said, we're fighting, we stand with you, Russian people. We want to go after Putin. Clearly not. Clearly you're a bunch of hypocritical liars. And guess what? Ikea just randomly suspends Russia-Belarus operations, which affects the Russian government, which hurts Putin directly. No, which affects 15,000 employees directly. Civilians that have nothing to do with what's going on. But yeah, Russia, bad guy. We're all on path. This is just stupid. It really is just that stupid. Now, here's the DOJ launching their, it's what they claim, they quote, klepto capture task force targeting Russian oligarchs. Are they in the government? Of course, no, because they want to make it out to be the same thing that what we actually are, which probably is the truth, by the way, that these are people that are just connected and they're just leading powerful people. You know, like the people in this country that are just unelected technocrats, like 
Klaus Schwab, who have overwhelming influence over the directions they're taking. And that's the kind of same thing. The point is, nonetheless, without any real evidence, they're just seizing things from people. Which is what they do. They're they're criminals. These are mafioso criminals. That's not in any way to suggest that what Russia's doing, you couldn't frame as some kind of a problematic situation or a criminal act. My, I don't think that's what's happening based on what I can see, but I'm still waiting for this to fully flesh out. But my point, that doesn't mean that I didn't prove entirely that what we're, the government of the U.S. and the CIA are doing on this side is completely un, unjustifiable. But look at what they're doing, guys. I mean, this is just like civil asset forfeiture. They're just robbing people because they don't like what's happening. That's what these people are. This one versus students fleeing Ukraine. They give priority to whites. Look at this. I didn't see this before. Now, again, you know, I shouldn't even show this on the fly just because I can't verify this. Yeah, I'll just leave it alone. But here is New York Post. March 1st. Russian cyber attacks against U.S. banks increasing. Sources. <laughs> right. Have you heard? Have you have proven any of these? No. None of them. In fact, one of the ones they tried to really get into, it turns out, were tied back to people they didn't want you to see. Or the fact, that, don't forget, the Vault 7 revealed the leaks from WikiLeaks that they very clearly sought out tools that would allow them to make cyber attacks happen that it could blame it on other people. We just pretend that's not the case. Israel does the same thing. My point is, even with that, we still don't have evidence. And all they keep doing is just going, it's, a, it's bigger now. A week from now, it's going to be like more cyber attacks, increasing, higher, growing. That's all it's going to be. Just continuing. And it, there's no evidence. Why, it's just like with COVID or anything else. At what point do we stop and allow them to prove what they're saying? Nope. We just jump to the next stone. We forget they never proved the first thing. It just keeps going. Russia appears to have officially declared a cyber war. Really? Declared a cyber war. Did he say that? Nope. This is Biden and the government saying they did this, they did that without proof. And then the next, a week later going, they did it again without proof. Month later going, it's happening all over without proof. And they point back to what they stated and go, look at the trail. Look at what they did. That's They declared war on us. I mean, it's just become that stupid. Now, I'm not saying that Russia doesn't care about cyber attacks. I promise you they do. But what I'm saying is we haven't gotten proof from our government, which from a government that's lied to you about everything their entire lives, you should be asking or existence, you should be asking whether it's true. Why wouldn't they prove it if it was that clear? Because they're building a narrative here, guys. And not, but lying about Russia does not implicit, does not mean inherently that Russia's the good guy or that they're telling the truth. That's a childish perspective. It, they can both be lying, guys. Two-party paradigm eating away your brain. Finally, Senate passes cybersecurity bill amid fears of Russian cyber attacks implying it hasn't happened, or rather that it hasn't really proven that it's, that it's about to, the future, it's coming, right? That's what they want from this. And as I said, and there's how it works. Hype the thing without evidence that justifies your desired direction. Problem, reaction, solution. Hashtag the great reset. It's all going in the same direction. Things like this are setting the tone. This is sort of how like the FBI, as we've proven a million times and they've admitted to and got caught for doing, will leak a story to the media Right with no evidence whatsoever. In fact, a story that they don't have evidence for. Right? Let's say they have they have and they want to go after a certain person, so they leak a story to the media, to one of their you know let, let they say they the Brian Stelters of the world think they have an insider in the FBI, which really just means they're manipulated by the FBI and they think they know what's going on. 
And the FBI reaches out to Mr. Stelter and goes, breaking news. And he runs to the meeting, breaking news, doesn't do any due diligence because that's what they do. And then once that gets reported as breaking news, and we don't know the FBI leaked it to him, the FBI points at the story and says, oh, there's our, our, our due diligence, right? There's our, that's what we need to move. Right, that's our first point. They didn't even have evidence. They pointed it to the media. The media stated it. Then the media statement becomes the evidence they need to carry out the investigation. Manufacturing consent. That's a complete narrative lie. That's the same thing they do every day. U.S. State Department says Russia's engaged in a full-on assault on the truth over war in Ukraine. And guess what, guys? Apparently, Russia's throttling social media Russians rely on for independent information as well as blocking independent news outlets. <gasps> no, I don't doubt it at all. I'd love to see some proof of it, though. I, I, my bottom line here is not even to look. I don't even, frankly, this is pathetic because of how that's literally happening from the same people here. Not even about Ukraine, but also COVID 19. The US State Department, the Biden's, Biden's administration, Every one of them are actively censoring and blocking people like me. Literally throttling people, social media users that we rely on for independent information like me, as well as blocking independent news outlets entirely like me. Now, if I had to really point out who's on a full assault on the truth, doesn't mean that Putin is being honest about everything or maybe maybe he's lying about everything. But if you're really talking, I mean, the full assault on the truth is what the U.S. government has painted about the entire situation. Now, see, statements like that, which we framed as me taking a side, and it's not. It's simply being objective about the evidence. I just walked you through it all. <laughs> you don't have the other side. Well, I would love to sit in front of someone who claims I'm doing that and let them try to lay out the other side of this. It'll be things exactly like this, because that's what's there. I go out of my way to try to, to, to find the other. It's, it's frustrating how obvious it is. So they are on a full salt in the truth, apparently. Now, let's just take that at face value and say that Russia is doing that. Russia's trying to cultivate the narrative, which is probably true, like any other government, to make sure that their people think what they want them to think. That's what these governments do. That's exactly why people like Putin are in line with the Great Reset, because they want top-down control over their people. That's what I think. But how in the world are we going to pretend like it makes any sense, like it's not the most embarrassing thing in the world for people like Pasky, Pasaki, or anybody for that matter, to point at anybody else in this country and pretend like they are part of this problem when they're the ones who literally built that problem. Um, the Kremlin right now is engaged in a full assault on media freedom and the truth. Let me give you some examples. Media uh, today, freedom. independent media sites such as Echo Mosky Radio and TV Rain. All the ones that they know will toe the line that they want them to toe. That's why they're, they're pretending they're the good ones, right? Anybody that's being objective is the problem are off the air and threaten to block and uh, are they kick them off the air and they threaten to block online platforms. Okay. So like, you mean like Crush TV? You mean like Rush, Russia Today? You mean like a thousand other platforms that you literally just removed over the last couple of days? I mean, Odyssey was re-asked to remove RT and they, they took a very honorable stance and told Twitter, we're not going to do anything because we believe in free speech. They're going to be attacked for it, I promise. But my point here is that how can she state that that's a big deal when they just, I mean, you can't even pretend it's different. Like the only way they're going to say it's different is because they claim Russia Today is state sponsored. First of all, that doesn't even matter. It's still press and it still should be allowed to exist. But nonetheless, 
That is CNN. That is Fox News. That is all of it. And then she goes, we should listen to independent media, except in reverse, when you're in this country, they, they say independent media are the conspiracy theorists. You see the difference? The independent media over there is the people that is the mainstream here. That's what's happening. Now, that doesn't mean that the Russian mainstream is the counterbalance of truth. It just simply means in an isolated context that what they're building as the United States over there is the representation of their media over here. And we know what that is here from all sides. That's just it's just so embarrassing. They think this makes sense. Such as VOA Russia, Uh, they have uh, we've seen online platforms such as VOA Russia. Right. Voice of America. (laughs) Good God. It's like directly tied to the CIA. These are groups that are verifiably working alongside the government. And so Russia removes a group that is just parroting American government talking points, which is basically all of it. And that's, you see what I mean? Like, it's just so crazy how we get framed as being one side when we're showing you the full facts. Now, yes, I can always admit that I probably, I could be missing things. I have my own biases. I have my own circle. I'd love to hear the other side of this and not an, an aggressive narrative of subjective points or yelling me down as a conspiracy theorist. Send me the proof like I'm showing today or the evidence that counters the other side of this. I can prove to you very clearly that the ones they're discussing are absolutely tied to the problem. And I can also prove, by the way, that Russia, RT, is also directly tied to that. But at the end of the day, you have to take both sides of this and compare them and come to your own conclusions. They're not doing that. They're giving you one side and saying that's fact. Uh, they have, uh, we've seen Russia prohibit Russian media from referring to what they are doing in Ukraine as, quote, a war or, quote, an invasion or, quote, an attack. They're- okay, and that's a good example of exactly what every government does all over the place like what the U.S. government does in, in reverse. They're refusing to, they need to make sure they say invasion attack. They can't say peace, peace, mission. They won't. None of the media said that, even though Putin said that's what he's doing. Say, isn't, that, isn't that the exact thing in reverse? Well, I mean, I just feel, I feel like I, I'm going crazy sometimes for how clearly I can see that these people are, I mean, chi- I can't get past childish. They're acting like kindergartners, the way that they think that their absolutely subjective statements are absolute because they all agree they're absolute, right? Don't we all agree in our political circles that this is the right thing to say, therefore it's fact? And that because we say it, therefore true, just like Ned Price, Ned said when he got called out by AP, they must know how dumb they look. They're banning their use of terms even, allowing media to only government sourced information to report on the war. Oh, you mean like just like today in the United States where they're not allowed to use it? It's exactly the same thing. They've called a special special session of the parliament to consider a bill to make unofficial reporting on Russia's further invasion punishable by up to 15 years in prison. Yeah, just like the UK law they're trying to pass and the law they're trying to pass in the United States to criminalize certain disinformation that they claim is disinformation. It's all narrative, right? That's all it is. And how much you want to bet when you actually read what they're talking about in Russia's bill and what he has to say about it, there's much more nuance to it. There always is. But it, it sounds problematic. I mean, I, I'm willing just, just for sake of conversation to take Pasky at face value here and say, yes, what, that's probably what's happening, even though we should prove it. But what you're doing in this country is the exact same thing, if not worse. They just pretend it's for freedom or we're only censoring bad guys. We're only censoring conspiracy theorists and disinformation, even though the entire COVID narrative has made that embarrassingly false or clear that it's false. They've arrested more than 7,300 protesters, some immediately after they began to protest Putin's war of choice. 
okay, you mean like all the protesters in the Canadian convoy or the protesters at January 6th or the protesters? In, yeah, can I, should I keep going? <laughs> it's just crazy. Oh, it's just a narrative difference. Now, I would love to see the I, I, it's same thing with all those protesters. I, I need evidence. Paskey stating things means nothing to me. She's lying 90% of the time because that's what that job in, entails. Doesn't mean it didn't happen, but I would argue it's probably far different than what we're being told. Now, what if all these people showed up with rifles or whatever? You know what I mean? Like there's a difference to it. I'm just throwing out a possibility. That's how that usually works. Or the protesters they claim they're fighting with turn out to be the wild extremists like the Azov Regiment, right? But in any case, let's just assume that it's true. It's the same thing they're doing to us here or in the UK or the Yellow Vest or any other place we keep talking about. But yeah, yeah, you got it, Pasky. You're on path. Uh, they have uh, bo- they have blocked and shut down social media sites such as Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And they- or like Gab, Getter, Parler. <laughs> I can't even do the straight face. How stupid is this? Just like you keep doing all over the place with all the other platforms you don't like? She must think, I mean, I can almost see in her face that she knows this is stupid to say, but this is narrative and they have to do it. That's what she paid for. They've limited the amount of dollars citizens can take out of the country. What they are trying to do yeah, that's exactly what Biden did, in fact. In fact, tracking. Or I shouldn't say exactly, but in regard to tracking and how and monitoring certain times, Biden had a similar thing about tracking certain pay over certain amounts. It went down to a very small amount. Same thing with cryptocurrency. They're doing the same thing, guys. By the way, it's probably all the same agenda for great reset direction. Was block any information about what they are doing to invade a sovereign country, and they're taking That's not even remotely a sovereign country. It was an obvious regime change that a child could see, and we just played for you the video where your government admitted to knowing that it was your troop, your people that shot them. Right? Paskey probably doesn't know that. They're not in the inside. They don't know. They're narrative floaters. But it's the truth. We just showed you the video. We showed you her voice. We showed you them talking. That's on the record. They don't care. Uh, severe steps to do exactly that. Good job, Paskey. What a narrative setter. But they're lying to you is the point, guys, obviously. A full salt on the truth. Certainly happening from all governments around the world, but exactly what's happening, I am guarantee, is being misrepresented just because that's what they do, but it's happening to you here. It's what they're carrying out against you. Now, this video... This video is important, and I want to show you the, this guy. I'm not familiar with this guy. I'm not. I don't know anything about him really. But I just this is what was sent to me. But I'm just going to show you where we saw it first. Europe may label weapons green for easier investing rules. It's not a joke. So I couldn't even believe this when I first read it. And you should watch the video, the first part. It's, it's only seven minutes, but we'll just skip to what he points out. Now here. Oh, but I forgot. I hate I hate how these, these articles are putting these paywalls in the way now, just so you can see it. I, I just clipped it so we could read it here. Now, it says, with a Russian invasion right on its doorstep. This is obviously before uh, the date was, let's see, the 28th of February. Europe now finds itself discussing whether weapons should be listed as ESG assets to grant them more favorable access to financing. I couldn't believe this. I had to look. So this, what it means is environmental, social, and governance assets. This is not a joke. They are trying to label weapons as basically environmental or green or, or something that, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go through this, this, I'll read this and you'll see it explains it for you. This is crazy. This is clown world, 1984 backward reality. 
because weapons are everything. They are trying to frame it as part of a sustainable future so they can maintain the funding of weapons industry. It says the block is about to embark on a next stage of taxonomy intended to define environmental, social, and government investing rules. Derek just wrote an article about this idea of social investing. This is the platform on sustainable finance, a group convened by the European Union, published its blueprint for the kinds of activities that might be deemed socially sustainable. This, this, this is ridiculous to me. I can't get past this. The list includes guidelines on pay, gender equality, and humane supply chains. The platform's proposed blacklist includes cigarettes, goods produced as a result of forced labor. On the question of weapons, though, like, how do you even say this in a straight face? Weapons, which destroy. That's the only thing they do. Somehow we're going to backwardly bend this into being sustainable. That's what they're doing. On the question of weapons, it says the EU should draw on existing international protocols and conventions. Right, so we're going to draw on our our bastardized, propagandized perceptions of what war is, which is defense or freedom, right? So we're going to warp this whole thing into being freedom. Therefore, weapons are freedom. Therefore, they're sustainable. Whatever the outcome, the platform says the EU should be a global standard setter. Right. All that really means is we're going to frame what we're doing as what everyone else should do. Not that we're going to turn what we do into what should be the right thing. <laughs> Very different. But with the years to go before a social taxonomy is ready, lobbyists are using what they see as a window for, of opportunity to try to shape the outcome. It says the invasion of Ukraine shows how important it is to have strong national defense, says Hans Kristoff, who runs BDSF or B, BDSV. I, I, I appeal, he says, to the EU to recognize the defense industry as a positive contribution to social sustainability. He actually said that. I want to appeal to the European Union to look at the defense industry, the biggest problem in existence in regard to war. Like this is the profitized war as a positive contribution to social sustainability. Yeah, the just absolute carpet bombing countries, starvation tactics, destroying chemical weapons, white phosphorus. Yeah, it's all socially sustainable, right? It is when they frame it the way they want it to be, right? This is this is why groups become freedom fighters that are actually openly white supremacists. Or, you know, Hayat al-Sham, who was an open terrorist group in, in Idlib, becomes the moderate rebels fighting Assad. That's what's happening. Social sustainability becomes whatever they want it to be. Or the entire green movement becomes the big oil agenda. Meanwhile, the defense industry... Are here uh, down here says the EU has previously signaled a willingness to listen to some of the defense industry's arguments. <laughs> Why? You're going to let them tell you this is like Monsanto influencing the EPA. That's what this is. In a policy paper earlier this month, a, the block underlined the importance of ensuring that initiatives on sustainable finance remain consistent with the European Union efforts to facilitate the European defense industry's sufficient access to finance and investment. Why do those even have sense? Make sense together. So because we want to maintain their access to money, <laughs> what that means, we got to make sure that we just bend this into being part of the sustainability thing. Otherwise, they won't get the money that they're supposed to get. Make sense? And over the weekend, Germany's Chancellor Olaf Schools announced a massive boost in defense spending. Germany, you know, the group right now that's backing everything in Ukraine that's discussing, or which is the second largest location of the international outsourcing of the Azov Battalion. With the invasion of Ukraine, we are in a new era, they say. He unveils plans for 100 billion euros, 113 billion dollars in expenditure this year that will go toward modernizing Germany's military. Great. 
Lastly, German defense stocks soared on Monday. Yeah, I wonder why. Because they spent more just like what the U.S. government's doing right now. We're, we're increasing because Ukraine and we're spending, we're sending them lots of money, billions of dollars, in fact, of your dollars. Even without a social taxonomy anywhere near completion, social investing is already attracting billions of dollars. The block has itself sold 100 billion euros of debt tied to the pandemic jobs program, receiving record investor demands in the process. Right, because that's sustainable, isn't it? It's, uh, it says efforts to produce a socially taxonomy come, uh, social taxonomy come after the EU fielded harsh criticism for including gas and nuclear in its green taxonomy. A move the bloc argues will help smooth the transition to cleaner energy. God, if you buy that, you're a child. Yeah, we're going to just keep using exactly the opposite of what you think this is because that'll just smooth our transition into the thing you want, which will never happen. And so, yeah, it's just... How about we don't, I mean, this is the, oh, this is the complete, this movement has been co-opted. It has been for decades or a decade. I mean, it's just so pathetic. They're telling you, we're going to keep using nuclear and gas, even though that is the arch enemy of the green movement, because it's just going to smooth it. We'll make it work. Don't worry. Just go back to sleep. and We'll tell you when we're there. But the climate activists, investors, and a number of EU members, states have slammed the decision which they say undermines the Graham Europe vision, which means they no longer understand what it is because you've been co-opted. But it goes on to say, the task of coming up with a list of socially sustainable activities may prove even more daunting. The European Commission is unlikely to have a proposal ready this year, and the platform's recommendations can't be considered comprehensive. Talks on social taxonomy have been delayed. So the point is, guys, this is them actually trying to rationalize the sustainability of the weapons industry because it's not going away. You're the new focal point. Don't miss that. So watch the video. He goes into more depth about this, but I just, I, I'm shocked. I think it's pathetic how they just don't care anymore. And guess what? Here's Bloomberg telling you in July, 2021, Weird, like before this happened, strange. ESG assets rising to 50 trillion will reshape 140 trillion trillion of global AUM by 2025. That's just, just crazy. And of course, the weapons industry is what's going to do that. Shocking, all self-fulfilling prophecy. White House, guess what? Seeks $32 billion to Ukraine, just like Germany. Of course, we're going to try to pretend it's not just what well, it's going to be weapons. This is what this is the beginning or rather the first huge step publicly of the insurgency of the new Syria, the new Al Qaeda. 30, and the reason we call it the new Al Qaeda is because that's what that was, too, guys. That's the same thing. That was the manufacturing of the narrative from McCain and everybody else. Thirty two billion dollars. Do you know how much that you know what that can do for your families? Imagine 32, just take, just do the math. How about $32 billion divided by every American? How about just $32 billion to every family that needs support that was destroyed by COVID? How about $32 billion to feed up all the small businesses that got destroyed? No, we're going to give it to Ukraine white supremacists for freedom from your pocket, even though we just drained everyone's pockets and had the largest transfer of wealth in history to all the big businesses. And now we're going to siphon off $32 billion more from you to give to white supremacists in Ukraine to fight Russia or to create the new Syria proxy war. This is exactly what's happening. I can't believe we don't see this or people that don't see this. Now, Putin comments on the Russian offensive in Ukraine. Now, again, 
why you would take his narrative face value is just as dumb as anybody else. But the point is, they're not even giving you his side of the story, even if it is just narrative. He says, or the offensive is proceeding strictly according to its schedule, Putin stressed, while admitting certain issues were experienced during the military operation. For instance, the Russian military has established safe corridors for Ukrainian civilians, like the ones we were seeing, to escape the combat zone. However, local neo-Nazi forces that we just proved to you were there, being funded by the CIA, our foreign mercenaries have been trying to prevent them from leaving, just like we saw in Syria, which was also driven forward by the same kind of forces that were backed by the U.S. government. Nationalist and neo-Nazi groups, foreign mercenaries, including those from the Middle East, interestingly enough, which we knew were this all crossing over, are using civilians as human shields. As he's already stated, there is absolutely objective data, photos of how they place heavy military equipment in residential areas of cities. And I have shown you that. And that's a very crazy thing to prove. Now, that doesn't mean that the separatists aren't firing back. But again, there's people that don't want to be part of Ukraine, that are being forced to be part of it, that are being shelled and the civilians are being killed. Now, if they're shelling first or firing back, the point is that they're trying to declare independence. Doesn't that matter to everybody else? It matters everywhere else, it seems. Russia's president also reiterated his stance on Ukraine and the goal of protecting it from the far-right groups that have seized control of the country. Interesting. Now, what's interesting, by the way, is they're ignoring what he's saying, and the way that, the way that they're treating the situation is childish. Like this is the same thing when Trump tried to speak. I think it was with uh, with Kim Jong Un. I think that's the one that was, or maybe it was Russia. When he tried to have a speak, he tried to sit down and speak with the one of these people, and they went to crazy. I can't believe he normalized relations with these villains. And it's like these children don't understand or they don't care what diplomacy is. The point is diplomatic connections are even meant to maintain during war. So you can have these kind of meetings when they're necessary. And yet they act like that's childish. Because they're childish. They don't want you to hear what Russia has to say. Right. But here is the point. This is a this is diplomats. At the, you know, at the UN, getting up and walking out when the foreign Russian minister starts speaking. That's childish, guys. That's not commendable. That's not honorable. That's dumb. That means you're bad at your job. And that means that this is virtue signaling, and they're putting this on to make a statement about, about how good they are and how bad Russia is. All of them wearing masks, and then like two seconds later, they all weren't wearing them at the next event because they're all sheep. It's just, it's just incredible, guys. I can't believe that we think this makes sense. Now, I'm going to try to rattle this off reasonably quick because we're at three hours and three and a half hours. I know plenty of you want this to go on forever, but most people can't break off the time, and I do understand that. So to finish off with this speech and then ending with a couple of points around COVID, this is very vindicating and should be because of what Everything he's laying out here is exactly what we would have told you is going to happen. And even the, the kind of tie back to build back better. As Zero Hedge puts it, Biden unveils plan to fight inflation, revives build back better. It doesn't say it, but very clearly points at it during the first state of the union. And at the very end, he says, go get them, which is very strange. Of course, he could have just meant kind of like a rowdy going, go get them guys or whatever. But it, I don't know, people took it a weird way. And it did seem weird to me too. Like maybe he's, maybe that's a nod to Ukraine. I mean, who knows? You could take it a lot of different ways. I don't know. I'm not saying I know for for even sure, even remotely. But here is the speech. And I only want to show you three things from this. The three main parts. 
March 1st, 2022. First part is, guess what? COVID-19. For more than two years, Biden says, COVID-19 has impacted every decision in our lives and the life of the nation. Well, that's because you made that the case. And no, it didn't. It didn't affect every decision in my life because I, 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 just, I've, I just wanted to be able to live my life freely. And I doubted what you said from the beginning and I turned out to be correct. But as he said, and he says, and I know you're tired, frustrated, and exhausted. But I also know this, he says, because of the progress we've made. And here's your mission accomplished moment. Because of the, your resilience and the tools we have. Tonight, I can say we are moving forward safely back to more normal routines. Okay, so what changed, Biden? Uh, 10 seconds before this shift happened, you guys were still screaming we were all going to die. Everything was saying, no, 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 the next one could be bad or could be worse. And we need more vaccines. We haven't reached herd immunity. And these are failing. The vaccines aren't working. And by the way, they're still not. We'll show you that in a second. Even though they keep saying they are, it's very obvious we're getting into negative efficacy territory. That's the vaccine time bomb. So if we haven't reached herd immunity and the numbers aren't working, in fact, the data that you now refuse to show us is showing an explosion predominantly in the injected. Why is that suddenly a success? Because they just want to get get away from this as fast as possible, right? They I, they definitely, in my opinion, want to jam this. Uh, oh, I just closed the sh- I closed the page. It's right. The meme I was showing before about the. Oh, let me get back to where I was. The meme I showed you about sweeping it under the rug, right? That's that's what this is. There's no mission accomplished here, and and even his other statements make that clear. He's going to tell you this as this isn't over. Masks, vaccines. But apparently we're going back to normal routines. How is that even remotely normal? They're still stressing social distancing. People are still forcing masks. They're still vaccine passports. So so his back to normal is the same exact thing we've been dealing with the entire time, less the narrative, right? Minus the media fear mongering, but everything else is exactly the same. Exactly. I'll make this very clear as we have schools still pushing masks, even though they're rolling it back. Not so fast. Even the schools go, well, just in case we're going to keep doing it. This is not over and it's not going away. The narrative has stopped. That's their win. They want you to go, oh, we won. We did it. We, they, they want the people that took the injection to think, they think we did it. We finally got here together. And it's not true. They're hiding behind right now. They're, they're hiding the data. And by the way, all the problems are still happening. Athletes are still collapsing. There's a new one I just saw today, a 22-year-old. There's all sorts of people happening. All sorts of things going off everywhere that we can see. The data is worse than ever in these injections. But they're pointing at Ukraine, so nobody cares anymore. Like that, I mean, I actually think that's probably one of the reasons this was so disjointed, because they're so aggressively screaming about Ukraine now that people are just confused. Like even myself, like when I sit down to get into work, I'm like pulled towards the Ukraine story today. And it, because it's, I mean, I definitely see this as a larger overlapping story. And we were clearly ahead of this story, large, like though, specifically the new Syria, the Al Qaeda, the Azov Battalion. I mean, look, before pretty much anybody that I see in this discussion, I don't usually say that, but damn it, we were on this thing way before. And you're going to continue to see the quasis out there come out and talk about breaking the story with the same old characters. But obviously we're here talking about this for a long time, going even back to 2020. I just don't, I think at the end of the day here, guys, they will continue to stand up and declare success in hopes that you just back away and fall back into your comfortable situation 
and miss the next step, which is the most important part is that that's what's coming. Let me play this again real quick, because this is a really important thing to hear. How it gets to the point well, where think, things get to terrible places one tiny step at a time. You know, if I encroach, I, if I encroach on you and I'm sophisticated about it, I'm going to encroach two millimeters. I'm going to encroach right to the point where you start, start to protest. Then I'm going to stop. Then I'm going to wait. Then you're going to calm down. Then I'm going to encroach again right to the point where you protest. Then I'm going to stop. Then I'm going to wait. And I'm just going to do that forever. And before you know it, you're going to be back three miles from where you started, and you'll have done it one step at a time. And then you'll go, oh, how'd I get here? And the answer was, well, I pushed you a little farther than you should have gone, and you agreed. And so then I pushed you a little farther than you should have gone again, and you agreed. And if anybody's interested in this sort of process, and this is a horrifying book, if you want to read about how this process works, you can read a book called Ordinary Men by Robert Browning. It's just so obvious how this works. Now, since we've reached a new moment in the fight against COVID-19 with severe cases down to a level not seen since last July. Well, that's obviously a shift in their dynamic around testing, uh, post and before. And there's a lot of, we called this before this happened. We said these actions will lead to this, and here we are. It's a manipulation on either side of this, right? I mean, all, on top of that, we're dealing with something that they even said was less dangerous. And all we did was point to that as success for why this is working. It's pathetic. And severe cases, by the way, are only down because they're not associating all of the explosion of problems happening right now with the injection. They're just shoving these under rugs and claiming we're just back to normal where we don't all, we don't all get to know what everyone's dealing with, right? We have an explosion of heart problems. We only hear that if you look into, you know, look up the heart, the heart association of America and read their headline. Like, you know, the media is not reporting it anymore. So the mainstream perspective, which we pretend is the majority is Ukraine, Russia, Ukraine, Russia. Meanwhile, there's kids and children and people all over the country dropping with heart attacks that don't just that have no justification for it. Now, this will bleed out from honest people in some degree, but they won't cover it. They'll just claim, well, people have always had heart attacks. And by the way, don't forget, they've been actively backing this up for this entire time, putting narratives out about how people all have heart attacks and children have heart attacks. And it's crazy how they've been getting ahead of this. So it's not level not seen since July. This, then the illusion has been pulled back. Just a few days ago, the CDC issued new mask guidelines, right? Under these new guidelines, most Americans and most of the country can now be mask-free. Most. Even though they just admitted that any... Guys, the same point. Talk about being vindicated on this. We're going to show you one in a second. We've been telling you this from day one. Not statistically significant against transmission. Still the same. Still the same. I can't wait for that to finally kind of come back to normalcy. Eventually, we'll be able to point at that. It's still the same way right now. None of them. N95s, I've proven it to you with the size particles and what their own documents say and everything else. They just can't get past it. But they, okay, now cloth masks don't work, even though that was the main focal point. Cloth masks were what the CDC pushed. And when we said they didn't work, they censored. They laughed. They said, it's just common sense, you stupid conspiracy theorists. And conspiracy theorists, now, of course we knew cloth masks didn't work. Of course we knew that. We all knew that. Those same people say that right now. Most of them are probably just lying because they don't want to admit that they were wrong. But it says, based on these projections, more of the country will reach that point across the next couple of weeks. Meaning what? Injections. Thanks to the progress we made this past year, COVID needs no longer needs control over our lives. Co no longer need control of our lives. How in the world can you say that? Because what he paints next is exactly COVID controlling your life. That's it. 
They're just trying to pretend because they stopped bleeding about it. And not even really, they still talk about it. Just they're focused on Ukraine. That's because that makes you feel that this is different because, oh, we still, we don't feel as stressed out because we don't see the constant bleeding from the media. So you feel the situation is different. It's not. Let me explain. Let me show you. He says, I know some are talking about living with COVID-19 tonight. I say that we will, I will never just accept living with COVID-19. Exactly. So it's never going to go away. We know that because that's one, what they keep telling you. And two, that's just how that works. And so Biden will never stop fighting. This is never stopping. And it will continue. It says, we will continue to combat the virus as we do other diseases. And because this is a virus that mutates and spreads, we'll stay on guard. Which means at any moment, at any point in time, it could be like another oh bad variant. Mass, lockdowns, distance, injections. We're making a new one right now. And that's where this goes. That's not, that's not even my opinion. He says that down here. So this is, this is going back to normal? This is no longer letting COVID control your lives? No, that's just narrative. That's just him saying, that's like him saying, I care about your privacy, but I'm going to take all your information. Does that make sense? No. But if you just scream freedom before you murder people, it's supposed to make sense. That's the same thing, right? Here are four common sense steps, he says, as we move forward safely. Firstly, first, stay protected with vaccines and treatments. Exactly. And what do they mean by treatments? Remdesivir and the pills that they they stole from, from ivermectin. The, the Pfizer mectin pills that they're giving, that's what they're talking about. Which, by the way, even experts that challenge that are on other sides of this, people that disagree with what we're coming from around COVID are still other, alternatively pointing out that the pill is a fraction of what ivermectin can do. This is verifiable stuff. And yet they're pushing the pill, ignoring ivermectin because it's all about narrative and they don't care about your health. There's been countless studies that have come out even since my coverage that have been, I mean, undeniably showing that ivermectin is antiviral, that it completely knocks us out of the park. They don't care. They actually hide it from you. That means they don't care about that. They don't, they don't want to take vitamin D. They don't want to take, make you be healthy. They want to make you wear a mask, increase your infection rates, stay out of the sun, not take vitamin D and be fat apparently, and just get sick. That's what they seem to want. It says, we know how incredibly effective vaccines are. Not a joke. That's what he says. Like, no, here's what's funny about this. You could have maybe said this before. Maybe. And I don't mean I agree with it. It was wrong always. But they, they saying it before was easier to, because it wasn't all the information. Do you not realize that since the, the, they, they ran screening from the tail end of this narrative, right? We'll get to it more in a second. The narrative, the reality that this thing is in fact negative. Oh, it's uh, right here. And, and by the way, they dismissed this from the Denmark study going, no, that's an, it's an anomaly. Well, regardless of the negative 67% efficacy, meaning you have a 76 increased percent chance of getting sick after 90 days, ignoring that as an anomaly, it still goes down to 9% relative risk reduction, which is meaningless. By the way, 50% relative risk reduction is also meaningless, in my opinion. And it's also supposed to go 50%. It's supposed to go below emergency authorization or why we're still emergency authorizing anything right now. Ask yourself that, guys. You realize these new vaccines they're working on are being emergency authorized? Didn't they just tell you we're no longer in an emergency? Oops. Doesn't matter though, because that's the new world. That's where we're going. They don't care what you think. They don't care about the norms. They want to be able to ram, jam this stuff through with the new platforms in 100 days and not ask your permission. But the point is anomaly, right? Except the new study came out showing 5 to 11s. And guess what? Oops, shows the same thing. You are being tricked. This is a vaccine time bomb that's destroying your immune system and causing it to actually become negative. You're increasing your chances of getting sick unless you stay tapped into this substance. 
or, but even then, by the way, I, I don't know why that makes, there's a thousand other reasons it increases your risks, heart attacks, blood clots, and on and on and on. It's not just about getting COVID. Cause I, by the way, if getting the flu is your danger, I don't know why you're taking anything. Cause that's what we're talking about. Less risk than the flu, according to the CDC in the vast majority of age groups. These are all facts today, guys. It's amazing. We're still pretending like this is happening. Or I guess we're kind of not, but we're just jumping over to Ukraine, but we're going to, br- they're going to bring it back. Don't you worry. But he says, we know how incredibly effective vaccines are. What does effective even mean in their context anymore? That, that, it, or, that it reduces the way you feel for a slight period of time? Or that your symptoms? Not, I mean, that's not, that doesn't mean anything. That's, that's aspirin, right? That's Tylenol. If you're vaccinated and boosted, you have the highest degree of protection, it says. That's not true, in fact. In fact, that's the literal opposite. As far as I can tell, what these things are doing are increasingly more so every time you get them, making the situation worse. He says, we will never give up on vaccinating more Americans. Don't make, make sure you hear what he just said. We will never give up on vaccinating more Americans. Didn't he just say that COVID no longer need to control our lives? Just narrative, guys. He's just saying things. This is not over. It's never stopping. And you're continued. You're, you will never be stopped, folks. You need to get an injection. Even though we just told you it's not dangerous anymore, that we can take our masks off. How does it even make sense? He says, I know parents with kids under five are eager to see vaccine authorized. How are, can you even remotely pretend we're still in an emergency? And if you can't, you can't emergency authorize things. My point, though, is that that will never go away because they'll pretend we're always dealing with the continuing consequences of COVID, which don't forget is what they now say when they justify every 90 days the continuation of the emergency. I've proven to you that in multiple shows. And guess what? Just like 9-11, it will always be there. There will always be continuing consequences. So we'll always be in an emergency. And don't forget, don't miss the ex- absurdity the hip, the contradictory nature of pretending to be in a perpetual emergency. Doesn't that by definition mean it's not an emergency? That by definition means it's the status quo. It's not an emergency anymore. They don't care. They don't care about any of this. This has been ongoing since the opioid crisis, 9-11. We're always in a state of emergency in some form or another so they can continue to lie to you, manipulate you. But five-year-old and authorized. Point being that this is not an emergency. They can't authorize it, but children, right? We're going to show you this article. The reality that the children 5 to 11 is showing to be horrifically bad and in fact increasing your risk. But don't worry, we're going to get it to them as fast as possible. That's what he's saying. The scientists are working hard to get that done and we'll be ready with plenty of vaccines for the five-year-olds when they do. We're also ready with antiviral treatments. If you get COVID-19, the Pfizer pill reduces your chances of ending up with a hospitalization by 90%. That's not even true, by the way. Again, I, I've gone through this. I don't even remember, I don't remember what the full data was, but I know that's not exact. I, that's catastrophically false. On top of the fact that there's risks involved with this, on top of that, that this thing is a bastardization of ivermectin. John Campbell proved this on the show. Plenty of other people pointed this out. And by the way, antiviral treatments are exactly what ivermectin has shown to be exponentially, or uh, catastrophic, what's the right word I was looking for there? Uh, monumentally strong. Just in case one person who's just watching going, that's not true. Fake news. Ivermectin, a multifaceted drug of multi-prize honor distinction with indicated efficacy against the new global scourge. This is September 2021. Since March 20, when Ivermectin was first used against the new global scourge, COVID-19, more than 20, more than 20 random controlled trials have been tracked. 
six of seven of the meta-analysis of these of ivermectin use with random controlled trials reporting from 2001 alone found notable reductions in COVID-19 fatalities, 31% relative risk versus mortality controls. This one says deaths fell by 74% over 30 days. 20 different random controlled trials. No other study can cite that. They're doing quick things on the fly and claiming that's enough because they're manipulators. Uh, yeah, but don't forget that they claim there's no evidence. I guess 20 random controlled trials, which are the gold standard of evidence, are not evidence if you're in the mainstream. But they'll give you a pill, though, that they rushed through. Do you realize that they how fast they, they made this? In Ivermectin's been there. Since this started in the middle of it to now, they ran through this pill, bastardized this thing. I promise you, and there are, as we saw before, problems associated with it. But they're going to give you the pill. Oh, and they're going to give it to you on top of the injection and claim the injection works. Then if they need to give you a pill on top of it to stop the next things that happen, it doesn't, it's not working. If you're immunocompromised or have some other vulnerability, listen to what Biden says. If you're immunocompromised, we have treatments and free high-quality masks. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is Biden Biden is admitting to you right there what I keep showing you? First of all, here's the community risk management plan that I keep showing you that discusses specifically immunocompromised patients. And this is as of the begin, end of last year. It's it's this is the most up-to-date risk management for community. It says the safety profile of the vaccine is not known in immunocompromised individuals. So my point has been, why then does people like people like Fauci and everybody else say they should take it first? I still nobody can even remotely explain that to me. It's obviously wrong and it's obviously dangerous, but this just shows you how broken the mainstream media, me, corporate media are. My point is, what Biden just said is the truth. Maybe he got that mixed up. That we're supposed to, before COVID nineteen, if you were immunocompromised, you didn't take the vaccines because you were dangerous, and somehow that got turned on its ear during COVID, and they forced it on them first, even though they never found out if it was safe. See what I mean? It's crazy. But Biden says if you're immunocompromised, well, we have other things for you. Oops. I just think these things come; they slip through the cracks, guys. Now, just just since we have this up, don't forget that they also make clear that the safety profile with pregnant women, breastfeeding women, don't know. They didn't study. They don't know. They go on to point out that the uh, use in frail patients with comorbidities, which, by the way, are by and large elderly people, limited information on the safety. Maybe that's why they all died in the nursing homes. Who knows? Or long-term safety. The long-term safety data of the injection is unknown at present. Oh, cool. But let's jam it down five-year-olds, right? I'll include that as I do. We're leaving no one behind or ignoring anyone's needs as we move forward. And on testing, we've made hundreds of millions available because the testing is going to ramp back up when they want it to. Second, we must prepare for our new variants. Right, exactly. This is my point. It's not going away. It's not, we're not going to move past this. It's right here in front of you. Over the past year, we've gotten much better at detecting new variants. This is the medical pre-crime that Whitney and I have been talking about. The new variants, which they're going to test using wastewater. I swear, again, this is huge. I should have brought this up. Actually, that, that's, that's this one. I got to give Whitney credit here. Like always, this, she, this is this topic in general. Oh, I closed the article. Shoot. Well, back on the discussion of the Pittsburgh. Um, hold on a sec. I have it right here. It was right here. In the beginning, election special. There we go. 
I had it posted somewhere else. But so here is the one we talked about right here. How the bipartisan swamp is engineering election chaos in Philadelphia. Now, I believe that's the one, if I remember correctly. But we get into that. We get into that and we talk about specifically what I think is most important, that they're using the wastewater to sample in a way to be able to tell you ahead of time whether you're going to get sick. That's medical pre-crime, guys. They're going to, but they're building this on a large scale. We should, Whitney already proved to you that they were building this on a thing. I think it was Pittsburgh or I think it was one of those places, Pittsburgh, I believe. And that was the pilot program. And they're building the infrastructure. They were building this underneath you the entire time. So now they're going to have announcements that say, we detected this in your wastewater. This area has to lock down. I'm not even making this up. They've already mapped this out. So when they detect a new variant, a new area, they'll lock you down, mask you wear masks, force new injections, right? There's plenty of places that already have this in the bills where they can force injections when they need to. That's in local that's in states. Governors have made this happen. It's even in Florida legislation, guys. If necessary, it says we'll be able to deploy new vaccines within 100 days. How does that make sense to anybody? What about safety trials? Are we going to pretend like we can still just carry this over from COVID? How does that make sense? Something new pops up uh, uh, six months later, and we're going to pretend we can just make it 100 days? That's because we, just like we were trying to tell you in the beginning, and they were censoring and laughing down, this is the new plug-and-play platform. That's what they were building toward. That's what they failed at, but they're going to keep using it. Boom, they're going to pump in the genetic code without isolation and jam out a new injection, and they're going to jam it into your arm and tell you it's necessary. And if Congress provides the funds as we need, he says, we'll have new stockpiles of test mass, pills ready if needed. Never, ever going away. Third, he says, we can end the shutdown of schools and businesses. We have the tools to need if we need. So again, that's good, but what changed, right? If you have no new evidence or you're not admitting you were wrong, then you should be put in prison because this is catastrophic. Everybody knows this is the worst mistake we made. We destroyed these children's lives. And every counselor right now is telling you these children are destroyed. Never seen them like this in my entire life. That's what I keep hearing. They're, they are never going to be the same. This generation has been destroyed. And I can promise you that's probably part of a ploy. That, that generation itself is probably going to be focused on and used in some weird way. But we can end it now, apparently, Biden says, because nothing changed. Cool. Thank you. And with 75% of adult Americans fully vaccinated and hospitalizations down by 77%, most Americans can remove their masks, return to work, and stay in the classroom and move safely, forward safely. I mean, 75% of Americans, so first of all, they love removing part of that, so it's not 75%. We're nowhere near the percentage they said we needed to reach herd immunity. Nowhere near it. And yet we got there. We did it. Right? Because we just arbitrarily picked the time and said, we go, okay, we're there. It's down 77% because this thing was not dangerous, because it was predominantly hurting the people with injections. And the, and that's half the, I mean, this, there's a huge, there's, we've gone over this a thousand different ways. Most Americans can remove their, oh, and the people that got the injections were not being counted. And it was a thousand different things we keep showing you. He says, we achieved this because we provided free vaccines, treatments, tests, and masks. No, that's not even remotely true. Just like anything else, this is them claiming victory after they destroyed everything. Fourth, we will continue vaccinating the world. That's never going away. He says, we've sent 450, 75 million vaccine doses to 112 countries, more than any other nation, and we won't stop. Let's use the moment to reset. <clears throat> Make sure you don't miss that. 
in this discussion, which I'm not going to get into, he, he pushes the build back better idea, calls it something else because he knows we already picked up on the absurd crossover that everyone said build back better, even though he stupidly pretends like he didn't know that. Maybe he didn't, but somebody did. But <clears throat> let's use this moment to reset, guys. Come on. This is what they've been trying to say from the beginning. Now it says, let's stop seeing each other as enemies and start seeing each other for who we really are, fellow Americans, coming from the person who has radicalized Americans more than anybody. Like, they realize the people pointing at Trump to say that. If you've ever seen radicalization, radicalization in your life, it's happened during COVID-19. This is, this is the Russian scare. I mean, it's exactly what happened. People who were um, anti-vaxxers or just people that were willing to question this were framed as dangerous, as literally killing people in some points. Yeah, but, but now let's go back to being enemies, and no longer enemies, even though you turned an entire part of this country against anybody who wasn't wearing a mask, even though many people weren't allowed to or couldn't or it would hurt them or the doctors told them not to, but it didn't matter. You were broadly painted as a bad guy, just like they broadly paint everybody in the mainstream right now as anything they want, and that's no, that's logic. They're all this or they're all that or every Republican is a white supremacist. That's okay. Same way, it's just this, this is, these are the dividers pretending to be the unifiers. We can't change how divided we've been. Yeah, because you made that happen. But we can change how we move forward on COVID and other issues we must face together. Okay, next point. He says, and I will keep doing everything in my power to crack down on gun trafficking and ghost guns and can buy online. So again, attacking your ability to express your Second Amendment right. Which of course is so contra- co- uh, con- uh, what's the word? I'm just gonna say contradictory, uh, inflammatory. But is it? Is it not your Second Amendment right? Like, what's funny is, regardless of what, why you want to say it's there, it's for hunting, it's for this, it's for that, and then dictate what it could be. Well, we haven't gotten there yet. So, all of you Americans out there that are saying that it's wrong for, well, okay, you can feel that way, but right now it's still currently the Second Amendment. So you can't do that, right? You can't just pretend that because you feel differently, you can alter that. So how about I can suddenly just say, well, I just, I feel that you shouldn't have the right to speak. So your first amendment's gone. Well, that's what your government's doing, right? But see, you're allowing that by playing this game. It doesn't matter why or how you think it or how they framed it, even though it's very clear it has nothing to do with hunting. The point is that it's really clear that it currently is the second amendment. And yet half your government is right now attacking it, which means they're treasonous. Same with the first amendment. But my point in saying it like that is because you're, we're talking about ghost guns and buying online and things that people might argue are dangerous. But the point being that by limiting your ability to own a gun or be tracked by doing so, you're undermining the Second Amendment. And if you believe that shouldn't be the case, then that should be, that should be rectified by the country. My, but, I, but as I always argue, the inherent rights laid down in the Constitution are not something that can be altered. That's, that's the reality, or rather within the Constitution. That's the point, right? The amendments were not counter to the Constitution. They were additional. The point today is that we'd add amendments that literally counter original points. That's, that, that's Marbury and Madison, which I reference all the time. And somebody just sent me a document for it, which I appreciate. Marbury versus Madison, where they found that anything repugnant to the Constitution is simply null and void. Now, that doesn't mean that they still don't become law because your government is corrupt. But the point is we have on the record in the Supreme Court that when they pass law that's repugnant to the Constitution, such as things that buy, that undermine your Second Amendment right, that legally speaking, it's not valid. That's a fact. But the problem is today your government is criminal. 
and they don't care. And they will arrest you and put you in a cage if you don't go along with their unjust mandates. Now it says banning assault weapons, high capacity, and so on. The same argument. Now here's the point. He says these laws don't infringe on the Second Amendment. Yes, they do. Just because you dictate what you think the Second Amendment means, you just get to alter that. There's no limitations on these things, guys, and that's the crazy part about it. But it's people have been so warped and brainwashed into thinking one thing or the other. But again, you have a right to think what you want. Just the point comes down to the fact that even if you think that's the worst thing in the world, you don't just get to alter it because you change the definition in the real time. It's not how it works, but that's what they're doing. Okay, finally, and this is an important part. I, I knew this. Is, I told you it was going to be a long show. <laughs> one of the longest ones in a while. Support our veterans, he says, which is just gross to me because the U.S. government is like one of the worst in how they do not support these people. They use them, they throw them aside, and any one of the ones that speak up about what they saw get casted as crazy or manipulators or anti-American, right? All the 9-11 people that speak out what really happened are anti-American all of a sudden, despite the fact that they killed them. They sacrificed their lives in many cases or, you know, the, the quality of them for that government. If you just take a minute and listen to what some of the Iraq veterans told you happened, it would give you nightmares. Being it being ordered to rape and murder and pillage, to to do things in front of families to children. I mean, it's horrific, guys. I mean, that's I won't even get into it. These are documented crimes. Think about the things like what WikiLeaks revealed: how our government bombed and murdered Reuters journalists, and they hid it from us until WikiLeaks admitted it or released it. Then what do they do? Did they arrest those people? No, they attacked anybody who pointed out. They arrested Assange, they arrested Manning, they arrested, they went after everybody who revealed to you that they broke the law and we know they broke the law. Did they go after the ones that broke the law? Nope, because they don't care about that. That's Iraq, that's like every other war, guys. It's like any, any other war, by the way, from any government's perspective, because I think that's happened everywhere. But I'm an American reporting in America and I'm right now reporting on what I'm dangerously concerned about that our government is doing. That's why that matters. Now he says, our troops in Iraq and Afghanistan face many dangers. Yeah, that you put them in, that you've created. The government, I mean. One was stationed at bases and breathing in toxic smoke. Now you've heard this on our show back before we were supposed to talk about it. Burning pits that incinerated wastes of war, medical and hazard material, jet fuel and more. Right. So we're deal we're we're taking action to support these people that we hurt. That's the part they leave out. Why in the world are horrifyingly dangerously polluting chemicals like the only reason this is happening is because it's not inside the United States. They they're in foreign countries, so they just who, who cares? We're gonna burn things, right? This is a this this, this is the point, guys. It says oh, that was the last part on this. Yeah, okay, so this is the point right here. Oh, I forgot I was going to look at... Oh, shoot, I'll come back to that. See, I, see, I, I lost my, man, my momentum with the timing I was going to use before. I'll come back. So here's the point on the pollution. U.S. military... This, this is the point before we get here, right? This is from November 2021. U.S. military pollution, the world's biggest climate change enabler. Now, I'm not an arguing... You know my opinions on climate change. Not that we're not harming the planet in a hundred different ways, and that's exactly my point, but that the idea of politicized climate change is obviously being manipulated. But the point is... Just like we're, we're like like the right likes to say, well, look, how we're going to do that when we let China do all this. Well, China's obviously, if not the one of the largest polluters on the planet, but 
The obvious problem is the military, the U.S. military, which is everywhere around the world, not just in one place. Well, not to say that China's in one place. The point, nonetheless, is that U.S. military is everywhere. And they are clearly acknowledged by not only just the U.S., but everywhere in the world, one of the biggest polluters on the planet. In fact, here is Independent Voter News pointing out the number one over China, over anybody, worst polluter on earth, the U.S. federal government. And by the way, guys, this is this is not a heart. This is you can find this everywhere. Indeed, the federal government is the single largest consumer of energy with 500,000 buildings. I mean, that's energy, but it goes into a lot of different stuff, guys. I mean, I just I want to make this quick since we're ending here. Here's quartz. June 2019. The US military is a bigger polluter than more than more than a hundred countries combined. So they spend more than every other country combined on this military, and then they pollute more than a hundred countries combined. But we're going to point at everybody else as needing action and climate change and all that nonsense, right? Now, here's the point about the burn pits. 2015, they knew about this. They've known about this for a decade. Veterans say burn pits created toxic clouds that made them sick. Gee, I wonder why. Burning jet fuel and chemicals and clothing and stuff that are obviously toxic and weapons and old. I mean, this is horrific. And it's left places in the world in other people's countries that are uh, you are gone. They're a toxic waste pit. And my point, they do that be, and they know what's going to happen because they don't care about the countries they're invading. Now, here's the point. Two years ago, but 2015 and all the way to 2019, they, they were saying it back then, this is dangerous. 2019, why the DOD is in fact still using burn pits even now or even while now acknowledging their danger. My point exactly. So even when they said, yep, that's a problem, we're going to keep doing it, though, because we don't care about you. Exactly. And then guess what? It kept going again, all the way until today. Isn't that crazy? And then right up until Biden says, we're going to deal with these pits because we care about you. No, they don't. Not even remotely. We support our veterans by putting them in danger and making that. And then once we, this is like helping people after 9-11. You put them in the position. You created the problem. You told them, you can, you confirmed for them that it was not dangerous. Then they went in and then they all got sick. Because you know why? It's been proven that you did know it was dangerous. It was proven that you didn't want people to know about the problem, about the, uh, I'm blanking on the term, what was in the air. Anyway, before I go past this, I wanted to dance back quickly to this point. Just to follow up on the Biden point from the COVID discussion, his test to treat plan, which is what Biden was referencing, as the defender points out, is in fact a windfall for Pfizer and Merck, but bad for patients and doctors. Exactly. It's a, this is a testing. This is the infrastructure of the, of the biosecurity state. It's good for them, bad for you. Like everything else happening here, guys. And as I pointed out before, they say, oh, masks are over for everybody, except, well, not so fast. This person received an email from the kindergarten teacher saying simply that, well, there's an immunocompromised person. So we have to keep doing it. Everybody's got to do it for that one person. Really? I mean, it's just the stupid. By, by the way, I thought immunocompromised were the first ones to get the vaccine. Why? What am I missing here, guys? What am I missing? Pa- Fauci has been pointing at saying they should be, they should be the first ones. And yet now they're using them as the excuse because they aren't vaccinated? Like, what is going on? The point being, guys, is this is not going away. The masks are continuing. And don't forget, if you want evidence of that, Biden just clumsily made the argument for nuclear war because we all know how well cloth masks keep you safe from nuclear fallout, right? Biden administration instructs Americans to social distance and wear masks. What do you mean social distance? 
Why? Because we're going to, we're going to, you get, you're more likely to die from nuclear war when you're close to somebody. I mean, that's very clumsy. The point is just to keep this going. Yeah. Wear masks when the nuclear fallout begins. That makes sense. This is the best thing. I, I, I can't believe I haven't seen this. This is from 18 years ago from none other than Sydney. One of the most aggressively forcing place governments in regard to the mass and everything else. This is April, 2003. It's called farce mask. It's safe for only 20 minutes. How do you make sense of this guys? They knew all the way back in 2003 in Australia that this was a joke. Why? Because the data said so. I pointed to it. They can't, they know it's there. It says retailers who cash in on community fears about SARS. It's also about coronavirus. Isn't that perfect? So it's exactly relevant. By exaggerating the health benefits of surgical masks could face fines of $110,000. Sydney's government was so aware this was an illusion that they were fining people for hyping the illusion. New South Wales Fair Trading Minister Reba Mayer yesterday warned that distributors and traders could be prosecuted if it was suggested that masks offered unrealistic levels of protection from the disease. <laughs> Can you believe that? Quote, I'm sure everyone would agree that it's un-Australian to profiteer from people's fears. <laughs> yeah, right up until COVID starts, right? There appears to be some debate about whether surgical masks are able to minimize the effects of SARS. Isn't that interesting? Now it says her department would investigate any complaints about false mask claims Penalties ranging from twenty-two to one hundred ten thousand. Health, health authorities have warned that surgical masks may not be effective protection against the virus. What do you know? "Quote: Those masks are only effective so long as they're dry." Well, look at that. Remember, remember when Fauci and the NIH literally tried to argue that wet masks improve how they work? Yeah, that aged really well, didn't it? That was the worst part of that. We proved so fast to you. That was pathetic because. Obviously, wet things increase your risk of infection in a lot of different ways. All they did was take one subjective point and argue, well, this in one way it does this and argue that was safe. Wet masks are safe. So in the winter, when you're breathing hot breath through this and they get all moist and gross, it's good for you. No, it's not. And that's exactly the point. They, in so many ways, they put you in danger. Quote, as soon as they become saturated with moisture in your breath, they stop doing their job and pass on the droplets. Exactly. God, I mean, it's just so pathetic. I'm sure I'll bring this up again at some point. I mean, that's crazy. It looks like we did talk about this. Yeah, got it in masks. I don't remember that. That's a long time ago. <laughs> How crazy. Well, point is, guys, they're liars. They're liars. They're lying to you. Now, here's one thing I want to show you before we wrap this up very quickly. I searched for U.S. military toxic burn pits. All right, today, right? And this is how this works. Instead of giving you a general breakdown of what this story, the history, you get nothing but what they just told you, which is we're helping them. We're helping them. We're doing things for them. We're just story that we're, we're giving them money because these pits that aren't related to us, we're helping them. VA benefits. It's all it's about every single link, right? Okay. So my point is when you actually change the search to before COVID-19 or excuse me, before, I mean, yeah, just going back 2020 before right now. Well, then you find a lot of bad stuff, bad stuff, right? You find the reality, but again, or even just toxic burn pits. It's all house passes bill, last bill. House bill. That's just what they want you to look at. The reality guys is that they're hurting people and they know that. And they have been for a long time. 
I mean, what, seven, in 2015 at the very least, they were calling it out openly and it had been going on for way longer than that. Finally, oh, I guess there was more point in here. Oh yeah, right here. That was the last point on this that ties it back into the last final point. He's calling on Congress to pass a law to make sure veterans devastated by this finally get the benefits and comprehensive health care they deserve. Right, after you destroyed their health. Fourth, let's end cancer as we know it, which is just a crossover. mRNA platforms, that's what the same thing is. But cancer is the number two cause of death in America. Yeah, that's been that's caused by what they're doing to you. I mean, it's very clear. One in two people getting cancer, it's ridiculous. And that's correlated with everything we're doing. But our goal is to cut the cancer death rate by 50% over the next 25 years. How? With vaccines. That's what they're doing. I've already reported on it, but guess what? He's calling on Congress to fund ARPA-H. Oh, don't you mean HARPA? Do you know why they're not calling it HARPA? Because they don't like that it's associated with Trump. And specifically, Ivanka Trump. Because Ivanka Trump is the one that already tried to float HARPA. But they didn't, it didn't work or didn't pass, it didn't happen. And now they're doing it. Which again, shows you the obvious crossover between the false two-party paradigm with an agenda. Whether Trump or Biden know that. But they just, oh, ARPA, hey, ARPA, ARPA, H. What a stupid name. It's almost hard to say, but they're so desperate to not be associated with, with the Trumps. But it's the same exact thing, guys. This is the DARPA of health. That should scare the hell out of you. Advanced Research Project Agency for Health. Other, before it was Health Advanced Research Project Agency. It's just so stupid. Now, it's based on DARPA, the Defense Department project that led to the internet, GPS. Exactly. All the things they use to manipulate you. DARPA is the very, is the central part of the implantables, the vaccines, the self-spreading vaccines, the everything that led to the vaccine itself. In fact, DARPA was immersed in the vaccine development. ARPA-H will have a singular purpose, to drive breakthroughs in cancer, Alzheimer's, diabetes, and more. A unity agenda for the nation. This is not about that. This is about predictive programming. This is about the medical pre-crime. This is about creating the agency for health. Right, that's what it is. Re- this is Arpa Age is going to be leading the advancements in this direction. It's alarming and scares me. This is what that's what these were here. Proposed Advanced Research Project Agency for Health, DARPA L. What it is? Well, America has an extraordinary biomedical ecosystem. What? biomedical ecosystem, right? That's not, this is my point. This is the biosecurity state. That's what they're, this is what this is all about, which has delivered advances that not long ago would have been inconceivable, such as drugs that unleash the immune system to eliminate certain cancers and COVID-19 vaccines. What? Or, I mean, I read that, but the point was simply that drugs that unleash immune system to eliminate cancers, they're talking about mRNA platforms that they haven't even put out. And COVID vaccines that were rapidly developed and authorized for use in mere 11 months. Which, no, that's not even true, by the way. God, I'm so tired of these manipulative lies, guys. They're just blatantly citing false information. And then point nonetheless is that's not anything related to, that was dangerous and bad and wrong. And we're still watching the problems. But I'm going to go through this more in the future. It's pretty ridiculous that this is where it's going. But to finish off in rapid succession here. Romania's most famous football team announces, guess what? A ban on vaccinated players, vaccinated players, because their madcap owner says that athletes, quote, lose strength. 
and claims those are jab, die in hospitals. Well, look at that. And a famous football team is banning vaccinated players. Interesting how that's turning. Don't you think they would know? Seeing as how I, I, I put off an entire discussion about more people dropping because of the you know the, the collapsing athletes, but there you go. They clearly know what's going on. Oops, hold on. I forgot I wanted that open in case I lose the link. Because by the time I get done, when I come back to it, it refreshes and goes to the homepage. It drives me crazy. But here's another important development. And a lot of them, I might revisit some of these. Worrisome, worrisome development from Peter McCullough. One case is too many, it says. Risk factors appear to be asthma and prior infection. All hospitalized, many in the ICU, some mechanical ventilator. Consent should be updated in parents' fairly informed process. Fairly informed in process. Reported cases of multi-system inflammatory syndrome. Remember the thing we talked about? The very thing they tried to lay at the feet of COVID-19 without any association, which I already pointed out, they already claim was associated. Well, guess what? Another study found it's associated with the vaccine. Who could have guessed? Oh, that's right. We did. We discussed that. And that's exactly what I thought. I found very clearly that this was associated with the timeline of when the injections were beginning to be given in trials for children and trials for people, obviously. And this was something that was just randomly made up in the beginning of COVID-19. They even said, we have in no way connected this to COVID-19. We just think it's connected. And ever since then said, well, it's connected. That's what they frame it as. Multi-system inflammatory syndrome and children connected linked to COVID. No, it's not. They think it is. They feel like it might be. There's zero evidence. That's what the CDC's page still says. That's how the media manipulations work, though, you see. Linked means we think so, but we don't know for sure. But that's not how people take it. Now, the bottom line is we're finding like these are a lot of these vindicating points that we were saying right in the beginning. This appears to be caused by the injection that they just try to blame on like everything else on COVID-19. Now, here's one of the most important points. In a large new set of data cited by the New York Times, Pfizer's COVID vaccine showed negative vaccine effectiveness in children 5 to 11, the very groups they're trying to push this on. After 35 days, with children age 5 to 11, over 40% more likely to test to get COVID-19 after 42 days of vaccination. It's just incredible to me. Here's the study. Effectiveness of the Pfizer injection, children 5 to 11. Very clearly, there is limited evidence on the effectiveness of this injection, guys. Good God. doesn't That's, that's exactly what we just showed you in the coronity. If there's limited evidence of the effectiveness in general, that's what it says. It doesn't say in this case or that or in this time and that or Omicron. It simply says there is limited evidence of the effectiveness of Pfizer's vaccine for children. How in the world is this being forced and given and rationalized when we're not in an emergency, when we're rolling this back? And you're talking about something that's been hurting people constantly. Such an overwhelming number of people that have been dismissed in Bayers and everywhere else. Because we don't know for sure, therefore dismiss. Because that's honest, right? And I've proven to you a thousand times over that they do not have the resources to look at this stuff. And they don't. They've admitted that. They don't know. And they just pretend it's fake because they want to. Particularly, it says, those 5 to 11 years. And after Omicron's variants emergence. 5 to 11 the ones they're forcing it on. In Omicron era, the effectiveness against cases of this injection declined rapidly for children, particularly those 5 to 11. Good Lord. I mean, it's just so, it makes me pained to know that there are people out there giving this to their children. 
Again, same point. One is baseline, guys. One is baseline. And it blew over. Uh, and, and it looks like, uh, here, let's go back to the study. It looks like, that's strange. So where is the color breakdown? I, I was looking at this earlier. Ah, I don't want to find it again. Anyway, so the, the the difference is the breakdown is basically between the different injections and different. It's just it's just like this. It's the same as Pfizer, Moderna, Omicron, different breakdowns, right? So here's what we're looking at in this case: that as you get past thirty days, thirty five days, or probably thirty based on where that is, it goes negative. Your chances to get sick increase. Now, how do we not miss? That after, okay, so 42 days is where they end it. And that that's where it gets into negative 41%. It's right there. Negative 41%. So when you get to, I mean, this is, this is the point about the increasing problem. Before, it was after 90 days. The three-month period we kept talking about that they, that they picked out right in the beginning. You know we were ahead of that one too. St. Louis got caught pointing it out. They said three months, you're no longer fully vaccinated. They pulled it back. Then that came out. So after three months, 90 days, clearly this is a problem. But now we're stepping even further past this. Now we're now we're current today. Now it looks like after 40 days, we're barely past one month and you're already dramatically, you're going negative. Your body is failing. Your immune system is hurting you. And these are five-year-olds, guys. That's what he points out. 40% more likely, but yeah, let's force it on them. Not an anomaly anymore, is it? They're going to run from this. Finally, another vindicating point, just Medscape, you know, prop mainstream. Why are we ignoring infection acquired immunity? <laughs> Seriously? February, don't let it took you until February 28, 2022, huh? Or two years, you couldn't realize immunity was there. Suddenly you figured it out today. Good job, Medscape. Clearly somebody's letting you talk about this. Antibodies derived from natural infection with COVID-19 are more abundant and more potent. Yeah, where have you heard that before? And guess what? At least 10 times more potent. <laughs> I can't even believe we're, this is, we're so full, look at Ukraine, and we're just letting all this fly out now. The very thing we've been censored and laughed at and dispensed and, and dismissed, fake news, dangerous medical misinformation, and I just casually say the opposite of what they were screaming this entire time. Just like we told you, natural immunity has been exponentially better from day one, and like all the peer-reviewed studies showed you, and they actively hid from you. 10 times more potent, according to them now, apparently, than immunity generated by vaccination alone. Look at that. Another study from Oregon Health and Science University. It's incredible. Finally, another vindication. Poison control centers warn about, guess what, guys? Toxic chemicals in at-home COVID test kit. This is not a joke. Now, they're talking about a slightly different chemical, but it's the same exact point. This is USA Today. This is February 28th, 2022. I mean, I swear, these, these COVID maniacs must be losing their minds right now because it's like every story they thought they had a rap on are just completely falling apart. Or maybe they're just so invested in Ukraine, they don't even notice. But poison centers around the country, apparently out of nowhere, sound the alarm on a chemical in some COVID home tests. It's the exact thing we were talking about, guys. Oh, and here, here you can see this. The name of this one is specifically sodium azide. You can go and look this up. 
there's there's crossovers between the same kind of idea. It's the it's the same idea. This is a it's it's a tool that is used for sterilization. Uh, where was that in your real quick right here? It's often used as a preservative as a liquid re- in several COVID test kits. Uh, blah, 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 ingesting it causes it. The point is it's supposed to be at such low levels that it does not hurt you, right? That's the idea. But their problem is, oh no, it's got this super high level when there's a problem. Really? Do you not realize how many people have been taking these like every day? Do you, okay, how about this guys? How about ask yourselves whether this was not an accident? How about these, maybe these people were being subtly poisoned for a super long time and they thought that was COVID and more people thought they had COVID when the hospital got tested and told they had COVID, false positives or any number of weird variations or even it's an accident, maybe it's an accident and they use it anyway. The bottom line is people like us came out and said this in March 26, 2021, COVID test kits treated with ethylene oxide, which my point was, no, by itself, it's not dangerous, especially if you use it once and it's done properly because all sorts of tongue suppressors, they get used, same thing. They treat it with that as a, you know, the process. But I proved to you with their own documentation that there's a residue that gets left, but it's not dangerous if you're going and using a tongue suppressor. But when you're getting this disgusting process that gets, you know, that thing going on, or you have to do it, let's say every day for a job or every week for a job. I proved to you that that substance does collect and build in your body. And that can be dangerous. And I pointed out it wasn't a huge risk if you were doing it every now and again, but it's adding on, especially for those that do it every time they go on, they go to see somebody or every time they leave the house. They're doing that today. And here's the just the clip that was made by Brock. COVID-19 test swabs and ethylene oxide. Is there a risk? Yes, is the answer. Not a huge one if you're doing it intermittently, but it is a risk. But apparently the risk was a lot worse than we thought. And not just ones treated with ethylene oxide, but also treated with sodium azide. So I guess the point to finish on here, guys, you need, we need to really ask ourselves, how many of these things need to be proven until the people that were on the fence or people that question what we're doing begin to truly realize that we weren't conspiracy theorizing about conspiracies we were, I mean, that's actually, in fact, what we were doing. We're not doing it in the context of what they claim that is, conspiracy theory. We were piecing together the data. We were, and they, not like Scott Adams loses his mind about, we weren't guessing and getting lucky. We were piecing together the data, researching what these things do, pointing to the peer-reviewed science, pointing to the scientific documentation, and proving things to you. And then they just ignore it. And they censor people to talk about it. Here we are. Masks ethylene oxide, I mean, on and on and on and on and on. Every single one of these points. Or how about just 90,000 things you pointed about Ukraine? Now, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up before I rattle on for another 30 minutes because two and it's four minutes and 30 minutes long, four hours and 30 minutes long. But thank you all for staying tuned for those that did. There's just so much I needed to get across in all this. And I just thought that first part was so damn important. And I just had to talk about COVID today because I haven't gotten to it in a long time. But as always, guys, thank you for being here and continuing to support The Last American Vagabond and everybody a part of it. <clears throat> there's there's an endless, there's a lot coming your way. More interviews, more research, and it's never going to stop because we're going to continue fighting for you as long as you fight for us. Period. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.